Late Thursday, August the 19th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We will be bouncing all around for you, but uh, a couple real long, in-depth interviews. First up, we're going to do a full-on fantasy football preview for you. Eric Etoff 21 Sports joins, and we go... You know, set it up at the beginning. He has uh, what he has written as an NFL fa- uh, fantasy draft guide that you can purchase. And we go through a lot of the information that's in that guide. First up, just kind of like an intro and then sort of a, a draft approach. We go through positions, uh, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends in tiers, players that we're looking to target, players that we're looking to avoid drafting. We give you some deep sleepers and His draft guide is really comprehensive. You can get an excellent, excellent look into a lot of it. And I'm sure once you hear him, you'll probably want to purchase it and, 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 you know, get a look at all the other information that's in there. Great stuff. And this will really help get you set up for your fantasy football drafts coming up over the next few weeks. We will have Friday and Saturday racing. Friday, Saratoga. Friday, Del Mar. Saturday, Saratoga, and then Emily Gullickson joins for uh, Del Mar Saturday. It is Pacific Classic Saturday at Del Mar. Five graded stakes. So Emily talks about all five of those graded stakes with me, and we spend uh, about an hour going through the uh, the five stakes races on that Del Mar Saturday card. We finish things up. It might be the biggest week of wrestling in the last 30 years. We have two wrestling promotions on national TV that are have huge weeks coming up. AEW just uh, debuted their second show now, um, Rampage on Friday nights. CM Punk is rumored to be debuting uh, for that company this Friday. WWE has had Monday Night Raw, Smack uh, SmackDown, and NXT recently. They have another SmackDown coming up. It's a go home show for SummerSlam, SummerSlam pay per view this weekend in Vegas, Saturday night. And then Sunday night, NXT has their takeover. Huge weekend in wrestling. We're going to get to all of that with Chad Cooper. This episode of That's What G Said is presented by Better Than Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. Better Than Vegas is a website that will help you get better as a gambler because it gives you free content every single day, free videos, free information from all sorts of different handicappers and gamblers all around the world. They will be giving you the wagers that they're playing, some of the reasons why, and every day before you make your plays, you can click on a couple videos and see if you have some of the same angles, analysis. Maybe you'll have people that you want to fade all the time. Give them a look. Better than dot Vegas. Everything is free. They also have a contest. It's called the Weekly Showdown, and all you anyone can enter. It's free to enter. All you have to do is go to Better Than dot Vegas and post some of your videos with your selections, and they will automatically score everyone's wagers. And whoever ends up with the highest ROI wins money for nothing. Nothing. You get an opportunity to grow a following. You can you know. Start to follow others. Others will follow you. They'll see your selections. You can promote any other things that you have going on. Then on Twitter, if you follow their Twitter handle at BTV Bets, every night they give away money. So every night they give away a chance for money, is I guess a better way of saying it. They give away bets hundreds, sometimes four, five hundred dollars, depending on what the wagers are, different props, different games. All you have to do is follow them, it never costs you anything. Better than Vegas. That's what's so cool. Everything is totally free. 
doesn't cost you anything to register to post your stuff. Doesn't cost you anything to check out everybody else's wagers. Doesn't cost you anything to enter the contest. Doesn't cost you anything to follow along on Twitter and just retweet and vote in the polls. And then they'll pick one of their followers every night and then you get the wager, whatever it is. If there's a football game happening, baseball game, basketball game, it'll be a prop sometimes. Go give them a follow at BTV Bets on Twitter. We're going to get into our first interview next. It is NFL Fantasy with Eric. We, If you're uh, going to be drafting in a fantasy league in the next few weeks coming up, kick this on in the background and uh, help get you set up. We'll try to lead you to some outside-of-the-box players and you know, not nothing really obvious players that we don't like, which is always some of the best. Eric, uh, really good with the coaching staffs and the kind of schemes that they run and how that will impact each team or each player's fantasy season coming up. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, joins for a huge fantasy football preview. Getting closer and closer to the start of the NFL season, the, uh, the next few weeks, tons of fantasy drafts, I think it's going through in my head. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think I think I'll be an eight this year right now. Wow. Feels like. And then we get a DFS. A lot of these have been ones, you know, I think five or six are that I've been in for a long time. And then one or two are kind of newer ones that I uh, I always like to have some fun and jump in. And um, so we'll have a lot of different drafts coming up uh, a lot of different things Eric I know Eric joined uh, joined a couple of fantasy leagues that uh, uh that I'm in and I, I joined another one that he's in so we'll have uh, some fun matching up against each other uh, again this year but today we are going to put our differences aside we're going to help all of you out there because we already went through one of our drafts so it doesn't matter if we have any inside uh sleepers or anything we're going to help you folks get set up for your fantasy draft so today what we're do, we're gonna go a little bit through uh, what Eric has put out of a, a fantasy draft guide, which is awesome. All of you can purchase out there. I'm gonna let Eric give you the details in just a minute. We'll go through the position groups and major like tiers and talk about players that we like, players that we don't, who we're looking to target to draft this year. If you are an NFL fan in general, someone who's looking at things from a gambling standpoint, you can go ahead and uh, check back on. The full previews that Eric and I did last week First we did the AFC Then the NFC We went through every single team All together we spent uh, almost four hours Going over the entire NFL About two hours and a little less than two On the second one But we had schedules, over-unders, totals A little bit of fantasy stuff in there too But this will be a lot more fantasy um, centralized So Eric who has joined me And all of you know I'm sure out there uh, Again uh, for uh, the uh, the NFL preview setup weeks here on that's what G said Eric tell us a little bit about this Incredible draft guide that you Put together man I'm looking at it right now um, This thing It gives you everything It gives you rankings like You know all, all sorts of stuff that you would get in, in other places but What I really like is it just it's very simple and it, it kind of speaks to you it, it reads very much like somebody Your buddy giving you some advice On how to, you know, kind of What's the draft approach going to be like Players to avoid, players to target You you even have things in there like the bye weeks um, So that way, you know, you don't kind of get 
trapped up uh, Offensive lines You've got the handcuff grid for all of the running backs And who their backups are Just in case Then you go team by team With coaches, with their coordinators which What kind of offense they run Defense they run I mean, this thing is incredible, buddy Thanks, man um, You know, I got the idea a couple of years ago The girl I was dating at the time was like why don't you just write everything down that goes through your head before these draft, before a fantasy draft? Because it seems to me you spent all the time on the phone just giving it people, giving your friends advice. Why don't you just write it down? And for the, this is my second year doing it. Um, still trying to work out some kinks and figure out if I need to add anything. But yeah, it just kind of gives an idea about how I put together my team because. I always get the question, should I start wide receiver 28 or 27 for a week? So I kind of try to help you build your team right. So you're not trying to pick and choose between Jarvis Landry and OBJ every week. You have a definitive starters, definitive backups, and just building your team the right way. Let's uh, kind of give everybody a a little bit of a a glimpse of what is in this. So right off the bat, you have a little bit of an intro where you kind of introduce yourself and and, kind of set everything up. And then... First thing you get is buys You've got the the grid of every team's buys That way immediately you can look and go Okay, I've got four players that are you know on uh, a buy week eight I don't want to make sure I, I draft any more players That are that you know on a buy that week Boom, you, like you said right off the bat These are sort of simple things that like Oh yeah, that's common sense But you sit down if you haven't really just thought about it before you go into draft, a draft, and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of a draft, somebody gets picked right before you, and then you get a little frustrated, you start looking down, you kind of forget, and now you've drafted all of your running backs that are going to be on a bye the same week. Yeah, you look up and you have Mozart, Kamara, and Trey Sermon, and Michael Carter and those and they're your, all week six. Those are your running backs, and they're all running backs in week six. So you're kind of screwed. So it's just just try to help you plan out so that way you're not in a pinch any week. And um, one thing that you preach quite a bit, and I I very much agree with um, in in a lot of your approach is we, you know, obviously you're going to draft really good players and the best players available in a lot of situations, but it it's teams, it's schemes. It's whether it's a team that you know their wide receivers might be a little bit better because they're bad, so they're going to be throwing a little bit, or a team where you know they're they're not very good and their running back doesn't catch a lot of passes, so they might be behind. So that might not be the best running back to necessarily spend a high draft pick on. Um, there are you know approaches that you that you will kind of give throughout this, which which is really cool, um, and you know. That I think that's a little bit farther, right? You give your at the very end, you actually give like the round by round. On um, the very end, I go round by round in a sixteen team draft. Like what I'm going to do each round, a player at their ADP. I use Fantasy Pros. I find Fantasy Pros ADP yep. is the best because it's got the um, best consensus. You know, it, it yeah. uses all of them right to make a consensus. I agree. Yeah, Fantasy Pros is is probably if you if you're not out there using Fantasy Pros just for. For like your information and your projections And a lot of things If you're playing in different leagues on different sites That's by far the the probably the best for you So that way you you don't get a little crazy Looking at what CBS versus ESPN Versus Yahoo Sports versus a DFS thing That that gives it pretty simple, right? Yeah, and they, they use the best consensus They use the th- top three ADPs So you get the best 
the best average where a player is going and that they update it like every week. So, I mean, that yep. it's constantly changing. So it's good to know where players are going to be going. Let's kind of continue on a little bit through with some of the other cool features uh, in this. So you go through the offensive lines and this is sort of where I was going. Um, you know, a team with a really bad offensive line and, a, you know, you, you use a high draft pick on a back. Sometimes it doesn't work out there, but teams that have really good offensive line, especially in a, in a fantasy situation, maybe their defense stinks, but if they've got a really good offensive line, that's going to help their running game. That's going to help the quarterback. That's going to help the skill position players. And it, and you just feel a little bit better about picking players from these teams. The more it's, it's been shown if a quarterback is over more than three seconds, his averages go up dramatically. So if it's someone with a bad offensive line, they're not going to have that much time. And then if they're in mobile, it's even going to be more of a struggle. And then also you've seen people pump up Nigel Harris. Like he may be a great back in the future, but the Steelers are replacing four offensive linemen and you know, their big addition trade turn is coming off his worst season. So They've also got a bunch of him, mouths yeah. to feed in the wide receivers too. So exactly. it's not exactly, exactly like he's come into a situation where he's the only real skilled player. It's like, Okay, like you getting touches is going to start taking away touches from what Deontay Johnson, Claypool, who I think suffered a little bit of an injury scare, but seems like he's going to be okay. And then Juju, like all of them are going to want to see some of the ball. And they have a new offensive coordinator and who has ties to McFarland, the backup. There's yep. always there's a lot of questions with him. Um, yeah, I mean, I really and then understanding like the concept because a lot of these running backs are could be a power runner. But it's a zone blocking concept, and that's really hard. That's kind of happened with Devontae Freeman a couple of years ago in Atlanta. He's a zone runner, but they switch from zone that Shanahan run to a power system. That's why he struggled so much. So it's just making sure the running back style matches the blocking the blocking style. So, I mean, that's really important. That, that often kind of gets overlooked, too. What Eric does is he actually ranks the teams 1 through 32 based on their offensive line, their offensive line coach, what kind of blocking scheme they have. For example, uh, the, what Eric has ranked as the number one team um, as far as their offensive line is concerned is one that you can probably look around and see is going to be right towards the top in, in probably everybody's projections is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach, a zone blocking scheme, um, and Eric's notes that they were the best unit in the NFL last year and all five starters return. So you will get that for every team. You'll get a look at their coach, their scheme, some notes on them, um, on a additions or subtractions that they've had, and the projections on them. So that's another thing where, okay, that doesn't mean that you every player you pick has to be from one of those top three or four teams. But when when you have something like this with your projections, it's always something that you use when you have you know a tough decision to make, right? When you're yeah. Deciding between two players that you might be close on Okay, who's got the better line? Who's going to be in the better scheme? Who's going to be in the better opportunity? That's when those things weigh in Exactly, you're on, you're on pick Let's say you're on pick uh, 10 And it's down to And you can pick Eckler or Chubb I'd pick Chubb at our yep. offensive line Two players that are basically, basically the same skill set Yep so you get a real good look at the offensive line. Then we get to the handcuff grid, which is great because one thing that you and I um, have really agreed upon in uh, talking about fantasy over the last couple of years, this is something that I did in drafting um, the the uh, league that you and I are in. Also, um, we had a early draft that was 
over about a week or so And I ended up taking a lot of backup backs And already I've You don't know what's going to happen But I put myself in a pretty good situation Because I had Daryl Henderson Who Cam Akers gets hurt The Rams have not gone out and brought anybody else in And they're treating Henderson like he is going to be The absolute number one back there And they don't have a whole lot else in the backfield So you know what, maybe it works out great for me Maybe it doesn't But that's what you want to do In a lot of situations Once you get past those running backs That you feel like are going to start for you If they're not someone that you're going to be like thinking, okay, this person can start for me, then you want to, then you want to handcuff. You want someone in a situation like, uh, you know, the backup obviously to Chubb would be great or someone like a backup to a a cook, you know, some of the backfields that just kind of have good backfields overall are probably good situations. So you actually go all the way through listing the starter and their handcuffs. You, you rank them based on the starter and their handcuffs with some of them right towards the top Chubb, um, cook your backups. Yeah. I go one through 32 where I just rank their running game and I factor in coordinator offensive line, um, and the players itself. Case in point, I have the Lions like really high as an offensive line unit, but I have because of Anthony Lynn, who I think is an awful coordinator and he's going to rotate everyone in. I have their running game ranked 31st. And also I figure they're going to be behind a lot of games. So I kind of factor that into like, are they going to be behind? Are they going to be throwing offensive coordinator, play caller, uh, everything. And something, something that was kind of cool that you had sort of, uh, been ahead of the curve on and projected And if you had been you know Looking at Eric's fantasy guide Recently before any of your drafts You probably wouldn't have drafted Miles Gaskin towards You know like fourth or fifth round Like towards where he's going a lot Especially if you looked at this backfield And then you hear that over the weekend and after their their preseason game that oh yeah it's not really Miles Gaskin's job 100% and that they're going to get Malcolm Brown in the mix and give him a lot of looks and that they're going to mix things up back there so you know that may be something that is fine for them in the real real games and maybe that's better for their team but that's something that's a disaster for you know a, a fantasy selection when you pick someone that you need to be like you're starting week to week running back Exactly. That's why it's important to understand the play caller and the system. Because I say it every time we talk, it's the system that makes the player, not the player that makes the system. When we broke down the AFC teams, I said that Malcolm Brown fits the running style of the offensive coordinator better than Miles uh, Miles Gaskin. And sure enough, in that first game, Brown got more of a run than Gaskin did. So it's just important to understand like the systems that they run in the offense and what the goal of the offense, what they're trying to do. So then after the handcuffs you get a team by team breakdown You know it'll say uh, AFC East the Buffalo Bills the head coach Offensive coordinator defensive coordinator the type of defense that they run The type of offense that they run and then you get a write-up on each team Some of their positives some of their negatives Um, You know for example it'll say something like uh Josh Allen was the highest scoring quarterback in fantasy or highest scoring player in fantasy last year. Uh, Stefan Diggs, wide, uh, you know, have great projection, goes through and gives you analysis from last year, stuff for this year. It is um, just, just awesome. And that's kind of, you know, in, we went through team by team last week with the, our projections and uh, we, we did a lot of like schedule stuff, but we did some fantasy stuff 
for each team So if you want like a team by team thought You could probably get some um, some good uh, information from last week But you're not going to get better than than a look at this, Eric As uh, that That's what's really cool about this too It makes it very easy So if you want to look at players based on Position, boom, you've got them you got them in the rankings, you know, set up You've got them, things like uh, the, the handcuffs, very easy for everybody To look at, okay, you don't have to go searching for it Eric's got the handcuff list right there For you already, and then if you just want to look Based on team, you go, you look at Each particular team, and you've got All of their kind of Fantasy relevant players for each team That, you, that you'll mention in the little write-up Yeah, I kind of give like The idea of what they're trying to do You know, offensively I, I try not to bitch about Tua too much in the whole thing, but you know, I just kind of give like their look <laughs> players. I'm high on players. I'm low on, but like I said, it's just about understanding. Cause you just see a lot of people on here and they just associate a player who's just going to be good. Well, you got to understand why the player is going to be good. Is it the blocking? Is it the concept? Is it the zone? Like what's going to make the player good? And that's kind of like what I'm trying to lay out for everybody. Like, I mentioned how Xavier Howard, I think, is the best cornerback in the um, in the NFL. In DFS, I'm not going to look to, hypothetically, let's say they placed the Bills. I'm not going to use Stefan Diggs that week just because mm-hmm. I feel Howard's going to shut him down and he's going to mm-hmm. be overpriced. So I just kind of exactly. try to lay it out like that. Following the team-by-team team breakdowns, there's a look at players that Eric's looking to fade or target. So it goes through his fades. It tells you what their ADP is and some of the reasons why they're fading. And now keep in mind, too, I think um, you know, and this happens in all fantasy. Heck, this happens in gambling all the time. And especially in NFL because there's so many more people, like casual people, betting NFL games. Than anything else right like There's not as many novice people Or people that aren't hardcore betters playing like A week like a Wednesday Night basketball game or baseball game But but for the most part like Anybody will put in a bet on a Monday night football Or a Thursday night game or like a Sunday Night game and so you'll get a lot more Kind of novice opinion Not or like or not quite as sharp uh, people um, when it comes to football, but the lines are still really great um, when you're when you're betting. But when it comes to fantasy and overreactions and popular names, like those are the things you want to kind of shy away from. And in, in that, you know, there's a lot of times where people will, uh, you know, base everything off of what they just saw. What was the most Recent thing you just saw on Monday Night Football, boom, that's who you bet What did we just see? And and that's something Like, you know, talking a little Bit about Josh Allen, how it's been Years since The number one fantasy Quarterback has Repeated as the number one fantasy Quarterback the next year, and what does That mean? That means you're always going To be paying, overpaying For that player the year after they Have an awesome year yeah, you don't you never want to chase last year. That's like the main thing. Like I always try to get out in front of the curve of what mm-hmm. I think is gonna happen. Case in point, um Trey Lance had a phenomenal first game. Phenomenal first game. Everyone's hyping him. He's not gonna start before week twelve this year. So why are you guys chasing him? Next year, that's what I'm gonna be in the Trey Lance game. This year, I don't want anything to do with him. You know, I just don't want to chase that. I don't want to chase last year. I'm not gonna chase Kamara. Kamara had a great season last year. But there's no Drew Brees and both quarterbacks coming into the system. Taysom Hill showed he doesn't really work well with them. He's a zero factor in the offense. And Jameis Winston likes to throw the ball down the field. Kamara's never been a thousand yard rusher before. You factor all that in. How can Kamara have an ADP of three right now? You know, you just gotta 
kind of sit back and look and not chase and kind of piece together what you think is going to happen. So Eric will give you 10 players he's looking to fade, 10 that he's looking to target, and following that, you get a look at the top 200. So uh, what's great is that you are not someone who, like, you you don't just look at the projections and, like, briefly move players here and there. There are some players that you don't like, and I'm the same way. Like, I go into some years just almost knowing that I'm not drafting this player. And I don't care, exactly. like, you know, and it's just, I'm not drafting this player. And and that's fine. And, and sometimes you're going to be wrong about that. But I know that there's a lot of players, um, when I'm making my draft board and I'm putting together my teams, that other player people are going to target, and I'm doing the opposite. I'm absolutely fading. Exactly. I have a list of players I'm not going to tackle. Um, later on in the draft guide, I go round by round. I kind of say, like, what my strategy is in the very last – very last thing I say, players I'm not not targeting. First round, Camaro. You know, I mm-hmm. second round, Najee Harris. Because I don't want to draft someone that I'm low on. I put in all this work. I'm going to trust my work, and I'm going to trust the finished product. That at the end of the game, I'm going to come out ahead of people. If they beat you, you or if, and if you're wrong, you adjust some of your rankings. You say, oh, that's fine. You move on, and you've gotten plays a lot of DFS throughout the week and and throughout the year, week to week, and and you know incorporate some of that into your uh, you know, into your handicapping and some of your some of your gambling and stuff. But yeah, it's you, you know come in with a strong opinion. Um, and then some players you, you're probably not that high on, but then they drop so far that you're sitting there going, okay, best player available. Sure, I, I, where they are right now, their value. But you know, I go into some you know some drafts right away, knowing that there's always always a couple people that are getting drafted early in the first round, second round, third round. Then I'm not targeting. So you know, kind of have that. And then to piggyback to piggyback what you said, like last year, I was adamant avoid Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Because he can't run in between the tackles, and the Chiefs line isn't that good. Uh, this year, I like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, where his ADP is. I have him pretty high on my board. And the Chiefs have an improved offensive line, so I'm not. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things you got to totally forget last year and totally not chase it and look at what's ahead of you. And so the top 200 board will give you a look at how everybody is stacked up in tiers. Uh, for Eric, it'll start with the. Uh, a run of running backs and then it'll get to a wide receiver a couple more running backs wide receiver then you'll bring a tight end into the mix as your top 12 and then the the run of wide receivers really starts so eric will give you an idea of how he feels you know not only okay this is where you should pick them if you're looking for wide receiver 10 wide receiver 11 wide receiver 12 but overall when should you think about okay you know what the wide receivers are gone. There's not another group of wide receivers that really seems to fit what I like and the value. Don't force it. You're very big on not forcing it. And I am, I am too. I'm, you know, sometimes you get so caught up on wanting to fill a position that you, you know, you, tr- you really overdraft players. And if you have somebody that, you know, you have a, a projection that's way off on and you're way higher than, than the most of pro- the projections are, then that's fine. But, you 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 want to kind of do the the opposite. You want to try to get players that are you know dropping that are you know not necessarily that you're reaching for and um and and I think that's a real key because I so I'm, I'm not concerned if you know a a run of backs goes early I can't get one I'll get a couple really good wide receivers a good tight end 
you know, fill everything up around and then, you know, then you start worrying about filling a back or two there. Um, every draft has got it is sort of got to be its own, right? You have to be able to to kind of you know, oh, you know what? There went a run of wide receivers. Now I can go back heavy on this team. Exactly. That's why I really feel it's key like to have the plan in front of you. Like I'm old school. When I draft, I have my table, I have all these sheets ahead of me. 50 I have papers, I got my computer, my yeah. la- my iPad, Everything. another one, my phone. Yep. And I have my draft plan right out. And like I I have a very sound strategy that I do because like I said, I don't I want to draft my guys and I want my bench to look a certain way. I like I get so many questions every week. Like I said, should I start wide receiver 27 or 28? If I choose wrong, it's the end of the world. Well, if you would have built your team like I tell you to build your team, you're not gonna have those questions on a week in and week out basis, and your team's gonna be positioned to make that run into the playoffs. And that's what I'm trying to help everybody do. And it's a, just a little, it's just a little way of, I don't know. Cause I really feel like everyone just, Oh, I'm going to, it's my turn. I'm just going to draft the highest player. My turn. I'm just going to draft the highest player. Well, if you wait until the ninth round to get a tight end, you're going to be dealing with God only knows who like Hunter Henry, who's hurt yet again. So you just kind of have that plan. You got to have a plan. You got to have an idea of what you want to do. And honestly, one through 12, you got to have a different thought process. Like if you're, if I'm picking seventh, I'm going to take Devontae Adams. No problem. If the six running backs I have rated ahead of them are gone, I'm taking Devontae. No, no sweat. If I'm number 12 and the 11 before are, are taken, I'm taking Travis Kelsey. It just kind of depends like where you are and you got to trust your rankings, trust the plan. Because I look at it like the first three people that I draft, unless they're injured on a buy or suspended, they're always in my line. That's your team. No, no questions asked. No questions asked. Yep. Those are my ride and dies. And I'm always going to pick. This is in the guide. On my first three, I'm just going down the list. I'm picking the the best ones available. Round four is when I start filling my needs. So uh, let's start filling some needs out there for peeps as we get into the position by position thoughts and, and rankings and sort of tiers. And we begin with quarterback and keep in mind a lot of this depends on what type of a league you're in there are lots of different leagues but we're kind of talking from like a basic standpoint for most leagues nowadays are uh ppr you have standard still and then D- uh, dfs is you know based on a ppr situation so you know we're kind of giving you that sort of basic look but you know there are teams there are uh, two quarterback leagues out there There are uh, super flex leagues Where you could flex a quarterback Or another receiver or running back or anything um, There are all sorts of different Types of leagues You have bigger or smaller leagues Where you know quarterbacks May be a little more or a little bit less valuable But for the most part The the last few years There I think the position has really w- Increased with the way That the offenses are now in the NFL and the increase in scoring and it's it's your quarterback even if they're not the best quarterback in the NFL they can still be a very serviceable fantasy quarterback and not give you a whole lot different per on a per game basis than someone like a Mahomes or a Kyler Murray or a, or a Lamar Jackson yeah i mean it's just Quarterbacks, you can get the that team like a Matt Ryan, someone who has a bad defense, who's constantly going to be down, he's constantly throwing a lot, and you get to get a lot of garbage time. So it's that thing. Could you could be losing? You're looking at your Yahoo, ESPN. You're down by 12. Fourth quarter comes, boom, 
Ryan, you look up as 25 points. But to piggyback what you said, another thing that's important before you draft, you have to know all your rules. You have to know your scoring. Mm-hmm. You have to know, like, you know, the bonuses for 100-yard rushers. One league I'm doing for the first time, you get a bonus point every time a tight end makes a first down, which is, like, okay. totally just makes Kelsey's value increase. Or even someone so, like a Hawkinson, right? This year, you feel yeah. like he could be really useful in that situation. Yeah, but you just got to understand, even, even yeah. with kickers, like if someone like McManus, if you're playing in a league that gives you bonus points for over 40 yards and he's kicking half his games in mile high where the ball's going to be sailing, McManus moves up your board. So it's important just to kind of read through your rules and understand your scoring. So in the, the quarterback rankings that, uh, that you have, Eric, uh, you have Mahomes up top at one, Lamar Jackson at two, Kyler Murray at three, Russell Wilson and Josh Allen as sort of a, a top five here. And so from this, it's, you know, Josh Allen, who had that incredible year last year and is probably a little higher on other people's boards. But he, he was so good last year and so efficient that he could still have a really, really good year this year. But it's going to be hard for him to capitalize on that. And people are probably going to be drafting him a little bit higher than they should. Exactly. They're going to be chasing last year. Like you said, he was the highest scoring quarterback in, you know, actually is the highest scoring player last year. So there's no way he's going to be able to cap that off. Plus the Buffalo was running a completely new offense. I'm banking on defenses, getting used to it. And um, the Patriots and everyone in the East having an improved defense. So I'm just banking on him going down. And that's why I'm higher on those other quarterbacks. But it's also important to remember, I know you don't want to stretch for a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. I love Patrick Mahomes. I have him, he's my only tier one quarterback, but I'm never going to draft Patrick Mahomes because people are going to draft him in the 20s. Higher than they the should. The difference between, yeah. yep, the different at the end of the year, the difference between like quarterback uh, three and quarterback 12 is always less than two points. You can make those two points up in other positions, and that's what you really want to do. You really want to make sure you have that. a tight I, I wide think, receiver and tight I think I saw, yeah, like 1.8 points per game, right? Something like yeah, that. It's, so it's yeah. not, you know, it's it's not that much, and everybody wants to get Mahomes. I will say, if if that is you, and you feel like you really want to go get a quarterback early, I mean, he's very safe in, in like, you know what you're going to get from him from, uh, a touchdown perspective He's really good in there And then the guys behind, you know, Lamar and Kyler I kind of have them sort of similar As the the stud runners And Josh Allen is is In that range with them I just think that they probably Have more upside this year In a year where he I don't know how much more forward Josh can go Lamar can pass a lot better than he did last year And he may have some better weapons around him to do so And Kyler was unbelievable And then he got hurt last year towards the end And when he got hurt, things noticeably dropped off for him He he wasn't running nearly as much And he just wasn't able to throw the ball down the field So they're, you know, if you want to spend up on the quarterback um, I, I don't mind spending up on someone who gives you sort of a quarterback and a running back too, but I'm I'm with you. I'm not I'm not really in the spend up on a quarterback um, for the most part, unless I could. And I mean, every everyone is different. If I've got if I felt like I can get you know a nice RB one and a couple wide receivers, and there's someone sitting there in front of me, you know, that's right there. Maybe I dive in, but I'm I'm generally on the the wait for a quarterback train. 
Exactly. I want to wait. I want to find that gem because, well, Allen's ADP last year was in the 12th round. That's what you want to do. Aaron Rodgers That's what you're looking for. was in the 13th round. That's what you're trying to find. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to find that quarterback with the late ADP that's going. I mean, case in point, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. No one's talking about Daniel Jones. You look at all that offensive talent he has with Tony, Galladay, Evan Ingram, Barkley out of the backfield, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, John Ross, Kyle Rudolph. That's a guy that's completely under the radar that when you look up, he could easily be a quarterback eight, a top 10 quarterback. Or I don't know the Wentz situation. I really feel if Wentz didn't get hurt and would have, who knows if he even plays week one, hypothetically, let's say he plays week one. I feel if Wentz plays week one, he's going to finish the season as a top 10 quarterback just because of the history he has with Frank Wright. Somebody who's always had a great start to seasons too has been Fitzpatrick. You know, if you need somebody too, just to, to kind of flop in for a few weeks until you can kind of see the lay of the land and see who you know maybe find someone else who's who's had a great you know maybe it, maybe it's Lawrence who's got a good start to the year or maybe Fields who who looked good last week gets into things early on. You know, um, then, then you can you know make a you know a waiver wire pickup whatever you have to do. Um, I think after the. You know, Russell Wilson you have in, in that top four And then Josh Allen then after that The next tier is all kind of funny Because I feel like from six through ten They're all in sort of a um, um, These guys could be a top three to five um, But they're a little bit of a question mark You got Rodgers who's disgruntled And you don't know what you're going to get exactly um, But in the same sense like this year maybe he is just in a total effort mode and like I could see him calling audibles right all the time just running whatever plays he wants to run and just because he doesn't really care anymore he doesn't feel like you know he's going to be around all that long um or you know so he he might be kind of a fun one to watch the the reports for Dak so far haven't been all that great you always have Joe Burrow coming back off of his injury then you got Herbert off of the incredible rookie year does he have some sort of a sophomore slump and then you got Brady who it's like oh damn he was a top 6 quarterback for the last the 10 weeks of last year and he didn't even get a training camp last year he's got the most incredible wide like slew of wide receivers and tight ends and all of these weapons there and he's even got a a good uh pass catching back out of the backfield now too so um the six through ten range is kind of fun you you, you have like a lot of guys who you don't really have to overdraft and and some of these could fall into a nice spot for you somewhere and uh, if you if you particularly like one more than the other I wouldn't really talk you Dak's the one who I probably wouldn't want to d- jump in and and play this year but Burrow's kind of fun Herbert's uh, you know he had his great year last year I I maybe a little bit concerned about him but I think the coaching change will help him uh, Brady I, he just I'm I'm I guess I'm kind of like done with Thinking Brady can't do it because he's getting too old anymore. He just he doesn't he's not human. Something also important to remember is a lot of the guys pull hairs. Like case in point, Cowboys. Who do I draft? Lamb, Gallup, Cooper. Uh, Bengals. Who do I draft? Chase, Higgins, Boyd. Instead of doing that, if you just draft Prescott or draft Joe Burrow, you get production from all three. So yeah, kind of Brady struggling, too. like which one yeah. to draft? Yep. Same thing with Brady. Same thing with Herbert. When you have these guys. Have multiple weapons if you just take the quarterback You get production from both And you don't have to pull hairs about Is this going to be a Mike Evans week is this going to be a Chris Godwin week just draft Brady you have both of them You don't have to sweat it 
So uh, that's through the top 10. And so most leagues are probably 12-ish or so leagues after Brady, Jalen Hurts, um, who I think you and I are both not even like he'll be okay in fantasy just because he can run a little bit. Um, but he's not he's not as good of a runner as like Lamar or Kyler or Russ or Josh Allen or even Dak. He's not as good of a thrower as Kyler. He and there's film on him. He like I never thought he was really an NFL quarterback. I think it was just he was better suited than Wentz was last year to at least move around and and he 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 was like new and fresh and he made their team a little bit better than Wentz did for a few games. That's really it. Well, you you hit on the head last year we were talking about the Eagles with all their offense last week, excuse me. With all their offensive line issues, if you had anybody with mobility, they'd look good. And that's basically what happened with Jalen Hurts. There was a reason why he had to transfer from Bama to Oklahoma. His arm isn't that good, and he's not as quick as everyone thinks he is. I think he's really going to struggle this year. But with the rushing yards again, fantasy, he's definitely a top 15 guy. And also, like, mm-hmm. I just, maybe a DFS I guy. I feel like, yeah, certain weeks, a DFS guy. Uh, you got to factor in the rushing yards. You got to factor in. There's going to be gar. I think the Eagles are going to stink this year, so there's going to be a lot of garbage stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, case in point, I think the Rams are going to be really good, but I have Stafford only rated as 14. Why? I think they're going to run the ball a lot more because they're going to get out to these early leads, and they're not. And Stafford's not going to have to put up as many yards as he did in week Detroit. to week, right? And he might be a yeah. DFS guy. He might be another one who it's like, okay, this particular game might be more of a. Like a high scoring game where they're playing against the team just with an awful secondary, so the Rams could pick on them a little bit more. And that's you know that's how you have to nowadays with the with the opportunities, right? I think years ago people wanted to draft their favorite players so much in fantasy football a lot, and and people will still. But just remember, you can play fantasy teams on so many different sites every week with these different players if you don't get them. In your fit in your year-long fantasy league So just don't don't overreach Because you're a big fan of Mahomes And you don't get him well okay that's fine You can play Mahomes every week in DFS if you want Or some you know some weeks Where you may feel like it's probably a tough Matchup for him so people won't play him as much Just you know Now we keep we we, we talk about There's so many different wagers Fantasy sites you can play On year-long stuff Weekly stuff um, Just don't don't ever feel like you, you like get get that rush like you have to play something right here or you have to do this or you have to overdraft someone because that's where you get yourself in trouble. And that's when you're playing catch up. Like one, it can take one mistake and then you're panicking and catching up. My favorite fan is the money in my pocket. I'm not gonna like case in point. I fucking hate the New York Yankees and I'd bet on the New York Yankees today. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got it. Just got another knock right now and another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you just gotta put yourself. You just gotta put yourself aside, and you gotta, you know, you gotta look at it. Do you want to win? If you want to win, you're gonna pick the right player at the right time. If you're just kind of doing this casually with some drinking buddies, and hypothetically you're a Cowboys fan, you're gonna overdraft Dak Prescott. It just kind of depends what type of player. But Gino and I are assuming you guys are serious players, so if that's the case, just wait and then just kind of like try to get one of these guys like a Burrow, Herbert, or Brady, or Hurts, just. Later like in the 10th 11th round And I think one Um, other note That you mentioned too um, Which is cool so If you're picking maybe One of the you know lesser Quarterbacks I don't say lesser but Just not someone who is necessarily 
um, one of the top top ones. You, what's nice is if you wait, it or you trip, you pick someone with a later buy, it will kind of even give you an extra roster spot for the first ten weeks of the year or something. Because if even if that if that quarterback can play for you week in week out for ten weeks, you don't have to draft another quarterback. It'll save that spot. You can draft an extra running back or wide receiver, someone that you hope could hit. That could end up giving you another starter, and then by that point, you know. You probably have dropped another wide receiver or two Somebody else would have gotten hurt Yeah, You can get another quarterback if you need be But it just gives you a little bit more flexibility Than um, than having to stack Two quarterbacks on your roster Or multiple defenses or something like that Exactly Like if you only If you draft a quarterback that has a later buy I think hypothetically Tom Brady I think their buy is late um, Then you can just kind of wait And then most leagues have, roster, have IR spots now and yep. then hypothetically, let's say J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. Boom, put him in the IR spot. It's week 12. Brady's buy is on week 14. Then you start looking at matchups. So try to be like two to three weeks behind if you draft a quarterback later. Like, that's kind of one of the things I love doing. I love taking a quarterback with one of those later ones. Like Gino said, I can have more roster flexibility and then kind of build. And then two weeks out, I can kind of start planning whenever my quarterback has a buy. So is any of the like low? I, I mentioned Fitzpatrick. Um, any of the I like love? There's some like if, I think if Wentz is healthy, he's gonna ball out. You look at historically what he's done in the Frank Wright system, and this is a great offensive line he's playing behind. Uh, I think if he's back by week two or three, he's gonna. Which it sounds right now a lot more pack. like they're both gonna be back quicker than they thought. Him yeah, and Nelson, really, right? I think him and the offensive lineman. That's the case. Yeah, if that, and that's what it's sounding right now. If that's the case, like I said, I really think Wentz could be that guy and finish in the top ten. And in, in the draft you and I did, like over Fourth of July weekend, um, yeah, Wentz was the guy who took in the twelfth round. Like I really felt he was going to be a top ten guy, and of course he hurt his foot. And now I'm kind of waiting to kind of see what I have to, what I have to do. Uh, you mentioned him earlier. I think Justin Fields starts by week four. Mm-hmm. Uh, with how explosive his arm is and his running ability, I think he's going to ball out in the NFL. I have him actually ranked 19th, and he's not even a starter right now. I really yeah, think good. he's going to be good. And um, the two guys you mentioned are, are probably yeah. in, in people's drafts, not even getting drafted either. Some in some of them. And, you know, now, now people saw fields, so he'll probably go at the late. But but these are guys that are literally just going to be in some of your last couple picks. Someone like Wentz, if because he's still hurt, they people won't pick him as their number one QB because they he probably won't be starting right away. So you could literally get these guys at the very end of your bench too. In uh, round sixteen, like don't draft an extra defense, don't draft an extra kicker. Round sixteen's coming. Wentz or Fields is on the board. You take them and you store just because. If they have that potential and they're outperforming, Upside. let's say you draft a Ryan Tannehill, and Tannehill struggles because it's his first year in a in a new in a new system, and he can't produce the efficiency he had where he had the third fewest touchdown passes and the eighth most touchdown TDs. I mean, that's bound to come back to reality too. So you have Fields, who's a runner. Um, like I mentioned, I also like Daniel Jones. He can run. Um, and they have all those weapons, and I really think that. The Cowboys defense is bad and the Eagles defense is bad. So those they're going to be putting up a lot of points in those games. So that's just a couple people that are a little deeper on other people's boards. I'm definitely staying away from Big Ben this year. Um, staying away from Baker this year, even though I like the Browns, just because I think they're just going to run the ball a lot. And Baker staying might be fine as a quarterback in real life, but his it like 
why when you have such a good system and you hopefully you're going to be up your defense is going to be a lot better this year too their secondary is better their defensive front is better even their linebacking core is a little bit better so they shouldn't have to be going up and down yeah it's, he, like I like Baker I like the Browns I just don't like him in a fantasy perspective because he's yeah he's there's two different things there's real football and there's fantasy football real football you know Baker is good fantasy he took a big football, step forward yeah. Hot. Yeah, not that hot. So, I mean, you just got to be able to kind of sit back and kind of look. Um, the real hard one is someone like a Jared Goff. I have him at 28, but the lines are going to be down a lot. He could put up some decent numbers, but I, like you said it last time we talked, this is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up season for him. This is like he hasn't been hand-fed the Sean McVay system. Is he really going to be as good as people say is because he was the one pig a couple years ago god only knows what's going on with Deshaun watson um yeah so i mean it's just it's just one of those things like a player like Deshaun, you kind of have to like i don't i don't think he's gonna play two i i wouldn't touch at all and uh yeah drew lock looked a little better i may move him up i update these every every uh every week he looked a little better but you don't even know if he's going to start. Uh, Zach Wilson, I'm going to move up a little bit. I have him ranked low right now. He had a cannon for an arm. I watched the game today against the Giants. I'm definitely going to move him up a little bit more. It looked way better than I thought he would. We get over to the running back rankings. And you have uh, McCaffrey up top. But I think right off the bat, one uh, one thing that you'll notice right away is someone who's probably in the like 7 to 10 range of running backs. You've got listed number two. Nick Chubb, who talked about that offensive line, talked about the coaching staff, their backfield in general, their offense, how it's just very well balanced. So he, you, you can see with him, with Eckler, you're a little higher on uh, on those two. You're a little lower on Dalvin Cook. That's sort of right off the bat in that first tier of running backs. What's kind of the the, the biggest difference between you and a lot of the consensus but, rankings? But here's the thing, like I value offensive line like i've said numerous times yep. every time you and i talk i always go on my offensive line rants um rick dennison who i feel is the best offensive line coach in the history of the nfl best offensive line teacher in the nfl run game coordinator of the vikings he is out he didn't want to get the covid 19 shot so he just parted ways with the vikings you saw in the first game against denver that offensive line looked like an absolute train wreck they were missing blocking assignments, not moving as a unit in the same way. I just really think they're going to struggle. For those of you that DM'd me saying, well, PFF had the Vikings rate, rated low last year. Yeah, I know they did. The problem with PFF, and Gino and I both use PFF in our projections that we use, they grade for offensive line your area. Zone blocking, you don't stay in your area. You're constantly shifting and moving. So if there's gonna, there's a hiccup in the equation they use in PFF to grade yep. offensive lines for so particular schemes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you're a certain scheme, that. you could you could have numbers that are probably a little higher than they should be. And I mean, I really feel like look, Cousins huge production last year, Jefferson huge production last year, Cook huge production last year. I credit that to a lot of Denison in this offensive line, and I really think that Cook's going to take a step back because he averaged what was it? He averaged less than. I think it was 18 points a game. Dennison comes in. He um, jumped up to 22. Then last year, 24. And those that questioned Dennison. Dennison had Isaiah Crowell way back in the Jets day. He had him through the first five weeks of the season before he set, suffered a season-ending injury as the leading rusher in his own system in the NFL. 
So, yeah. So, I mean, that plus there's no Gary Kubiak. Clint Kubiak's calling the plays now. So, I really, there's a lot of question marks with Dalvin Cook. That's why I dropped him down. I'd rather take the sure thing in Nick Chubb, someone I know is going to be the lead back from everything I read, and someone that's behind the best offensive line in the game. Also, same thing with Eckler. He's going to be Alvin Kamara 2.0 this year. So, if I have one of those picks, I'm just going to take him because that's how my board breaks out. If people hate on me and laugh at me in the draft, I don't care. We'll talk in the year. We'll see who has a better team. That's my mindset. I'm not on Kamara this year at all either. You have him at nine. He's uh, like a consensus three on a lot of draft boards. And Zeke also. Zeke, you have at seven. He's a consensus four. I mean, we just saw Zeke last year. Like, he didn't look good. And sure, Dak being around is going to help him. Absolutely. But like a lot of what he didn't look good at was just him running. It, 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 him running, he looked slow. He looked like he had been beat up a little bit. He's got some miles on him. We see this with running backs a lot, where you don't have the longest shelf life in the world. He, you know, I was a little concerned with him, so I don't know necessarily. He was someone that burned me a little last year. I don't know if I want to spend high draft capital again on uh, on Zeke this year. Um, and Kamara, I'm really worried about that offense just in general and that team this year. Um, their wide receivers aren't great. So, you know, it, it, they pack boxes for Camara and they try to force the, the short stuff is just not going to be there to run or the short passing game very much. I, I think we, you know, we, most people probably heard we weren't very high on, on new Orleans in our team breakdowns. And I feel pretty similar about them from a fantasy perspective this year. And we have to remember if a team's going to have a shitty defense, like the Cowboys do, excuse my language, they're going to have to run, throw the ball a lot more. They're running games out the shoot. So that affects Elliott too. Um, I'm not overreacting to the Colts news because we don't know anything. I'm holding tight with Taylor at eight. Like we got to know definitively, um, you know, what's happening. And uh, you also have to understand the play caller. Everyone's high on DeAndre Swift. Anthony Lynn's going to be rotating people. That's why I have him down at 18. Like you just got to understand like the play caller and, uh, you know what they what they want to do. Couple players um, that Barkley pretty close. Uh, Aaron Jones, you have a tad lower than few, but not too far off. You mentioned Taylor right there, and that makes also. And then once we get past the uh, the top ten, we get into the um, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Joe Mixon, Dobbins range. You got Mike Davis up high um, because Mike Davis is going to be in a situation where he's. Like the lead so, back, and they want to run a lot, the right? Only it's just game a great in town. situation. The only game in town. Yeah, the only game in town. There's nobody else. And we saw what he was able to do as a lead back in, in uh, Carolina when CMC was hurt. He can put up production. And Smith likes to run, and there's no one fighting for carry. So he's going to have a huge opportunity. There's one less mouth to feed from the receivers, too, with uh, without Julio there. So you know it'll be Ridley. There's there'll be like a pecking order, you know, like Ridley and Pitts and Davis will all get their chances to eat, and then Gage will get to clean up some some there. So yeah, it's 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 a really nice spot for him. So he's someone that you have uh, a little higher than uh, some other. You can get him in the fourth round. Like I yeah. every couple days, I always do like kind of a mock in different positions. I'm always able to get Mike Davis in the fourth round, and he's like an RB too. Just hog. Every single touch in that backfield So that's You know it's just is there competition Like that's another thing there's no competition there And he's definitely the lead back He's going to be the third down back The goal line back You know the hurry up back Mike Davis is going to be 
every single thing. So that's why I'm all in on Mike Davis this year. A couple others that are just a big difference between some of your rankings for the running backs and the consensus. So you are um, Dondre Swift's pretty close in the mix. You got Carson close in the mix. You're not quite as high on David Montgomery, who had that really good stretch throughout last year. Um, I think you've got him about like 10 spots or so lower on your board. That's the thing. Like you look at the teams he did good against last year. They're all teams who struggled against the run. They didn't have Williams there last year and they didn't have uh, Tyreek there last year. So now you bring in two more backs to lean on. And then also if Justin Fields starts playing, I, I think he's going to be the starter by week four when they play the lions, he's going to poach some, some rushing um, attempts from Montgomery. I just really think everything's going to go low. And then it comes down to you trust Matt Nagy. You have to remember there was that game, I forget the game, but they really didn't run the ball. They ran the ball like nine times, and someone asked them how many times did they run the ball, and Nagy had no idea. I mean, Nagy <laughs> is clueless in my mind. So, I mean, I just, I'll be honest, the only two people in the Bears system I want, Allen Robinson one, Justin Fields two. Yeah, I don't I don't really love that. The The range right before, I think I would much, I'd much rather try to get someone in the mix in, Dobbins, Mike Davis, um Gibson, Carson, Swift even range like and and you know I I I probably prefer you know someone in 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 that range a, a little more than Montgomery myself. Um let's see a couple others to mention here. Oh so let's talk you've got Javonte Williams as you think going to end up being the better the better back uh, out of the Broncos backfield. Uh, oh yeah. Because we have to understand, he fits the system. They run a power zone system. He's a zone running back. Like I said during our um, breakdowns of the AFC, this kid was a valedictorian. This kid went to North Carolina for books, not for football. This kid is arguably one of the smartest players in the league. He's going to be able to pick up that zone system like that. And guys, they traded up for him. You're not like we saw with Cam Akers last year. Cam Akers got hurt. But if he didn't get hurt, he was going to be the alpha in that backfield. Broncos traded up to get Williams. So he's going to be the lead at dog in this backfield. And now news broke today that Gordon got hurt. And he's dealing with a groin issue. That's even just gave him more opportunity for Williams. So you, I actually like, I know this is all fantasy, but if you guys can still give him a 20 to one for offensive rookie of the year, that's definitely worth a 50. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, it feels like, like around 20 or so, is when the um, the rankings kind of go into a, a lot of question marks. Right when you get to do, I think you know Josh, like Jacobs is still pretty pretty solid and safe as far as like y- you know he's going to be an RB one for their system and he's going to get the majority of the looks there. Then afterwards you've got you know Daryl Henderson who set up great this year, but we don't we don't know. You got Sermon, you got you know Gaskin, you got Miles Sanders. Well, probably move down. Who I'm probably yeah. going to, like, after we talk, I'll probably update these, move them down. Yeah, you know, and then you got, you know, Montgomery, Etienne, rookie, question mark. And then we're already into, you know, some second running backs from teams like Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, James Robinson, and Etienne are, are close to each other. Um, you know, James Conner, not sure if he's going to be a real RB1. So this is basically, you know, you get to around 20, and that's, you know, maybe a couple others that'll end up jumping in there, but that's about as as confident as you feel of like, okay, this is probably week to week, like starting running backs that have a high floor. 
Exactly. Like, I'll be honest, like, after 25, I have 25 as Miles Sanders. Everyone after that is a complete week-to-week. The only one maybe would be James Conner. Mm-hmm. As we talked during, last week during our NFC, you want to have that Twitter account. We have notifications set up where you get it from every beat writer. All my Arizona beat writers are seeing Connor is going to be the goal line back, the short yardage backs. That means he'll be getting the touches down by the goal line. In an offense like the Cardinals, having the goal line back is a pretty tempting thing because that offense is going to be a good offense. I really think the defense is going to give up a lot of points still because I hate that wide nine system. So Connor at 31 is very tempting, but it's James Connor. He's got a history of underperforming, history of injuries. That's why I have him at 31. And so another for, one that's interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, for me, I just like we said, every draft will be different, and you can't go in saying I have to do this 100. percent Blah blah blah. But I really want to get at least two running backs of this grouping. You know, like in this top 20, 25 or so. Because then I get, I get two of them I feel confident about starting the season With two of them in my starting running back spots And then then you can start getting Like we said Then we start really looking at the handcuffs In the really good situations Who's in a great spot here, right? Who's going to have an opportunity to If Dalvin Cook goes down Madison will be a little bit better Or, you know, if uh, Chubb goes down You you know, Hunt Who will probably be a, a starting running back for, for some people But I to me, I look at that that drop-off After about you know 25 or so and that's where Like in my head I kind of That's my tier I gotta try to get around Two out of that group for sure Exactly I really feel like After around after around four or five There's a significant Drop in running backs you gotta make sure By like round four um, Like I said like the first three were Like my draft plan first three rounds Best player available round Four draft by need so af- after Round four I really feel you should have your two wide receivers and your two running backs set because there's going to be a huge drop off. After that, you can take shots. Perfect guy to take a shot on would be my number 34, Kevin Coleman, mm-hmm, to the perfect. Jets. Exactly. Um, zone runner has run in the system with the Falcons when he was there and with the 49ers. This is a perfect guy. Everyone's talking about Michael Carter. Coleman's got the history. Perfect guy to take a punt on. You can get in the eighth round. And who knows, he could be your guy that you start in the championship weeks that leads you to a uh, to a ship Yeah, you'll be looking at um, people in the next 15, 20 picks uh, after Coleman of, uh, you know, Drake, Pollard, A.J. Dillon, Damian Harris for the Patriots is kind of an interesting one um, You know, you'll get a couple from the Bucks backfield like Ronald Jones, Fournette a little before that um, And even Gio Bernard coming in as a pass catcher out of the back, he can play that kind of James White role for Brady James White will also be in the mix here With uh, the Patriots running back So it's you know you, You'll get a lot of players That like you said week to week Might have some really nice spots But you, you probably aren't Going to feel really confident If that's like someone that you've got Slotted as an RB2 to start the year Yeah you the worst Case scenario is RB, I hate RB0 Like Me too. I want two solid Starting running backs those are my rider dies, and like and then you can find like some James people get hurt. Or yeah, people Chase get hurt. Ben, yeah, or and there's going to be someone that is yeah. not on our list at all right now. That in three weeks is going to be very startable week to week. About and that's much more likely with a running back than with a wide receiver. So you get a couple running backs, and then you don't necessarily need as many deep deep into your bench because you can probably still find a couple of those throughout the year. 
Exactly. You want to have two solid rock guys that are always going to be your starters. You don't you don't want to be grasping for flies and having to start one week um Kenyon Drake, another week James Robinson, another week um Tony Pollard. You want to have those solid guys that you know are going to get touches. Now if Elliott goes down, Pollard's a great guy to have. If Aaron Jones goes down, AJ Dillon's a great guy to have. That's why it's important like at one probably uh, round 10, like I said in the draft game, take that handcuff. So that way you have a handcuff that's in a running system where if they do go down, then boom, you have your handcuff and you have a star. And it's important to remember, we talked about Delvin Cook. Um, Delvin Cook, in every year that he's played, has never played in a fantasy football um, playoffs. Semi's playoffs historically start week 14. He's never been healthy in week 14. So you're drafting this guy high at your draft that has never performed in the championship rounds. Just something to remember. They give us one or two late running backs that you think are kind of interesting, maybe worth taking a flyer towards the end of the draft. You know, um, obviously, like I mentioned, um, Coleman, just because of his history in the running system. Uh, James Robinson. I mean, he's done so much being an undrafted guy. I still think he's going to be a run. It's going to be a platoon system. I'm not big Travis Eddian guy. I thought that was a bad draft pick reaching that high for him. I really think those are guys you can get a little bit later. And even a Malcolm Brown, because I think Brown's going to overtake Gaskin as RB, RB1, at least by week two. So that is a look at the running backs as we shift over. Take a look at the wide receiver rankings, and we're here talking with Eric Etop 21 Sports. We'll give you all the details on how you can purchase this fantasy guide. When we finish up here, we're giving you a look at uh, a lot of the information here. But what's funny is this is the entire podcast that we're going to be having here is probably about a tenth of all of the information there. We could have literally talked for 10 hours and not even gone through everything that's in here. Um, so it's, it's really worth it and um, not expensive at all. And as Eric said, he continues to update it as things happen, you know, news happens, he'll, he'll update and change rankings with, uh, with injury up, you know, or, or uh, updates from, you know, things that happen in preseason games here and there. So, Always really good. And it's always like, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's always no, no, like please. second tier guys, especially in the wide receivers. Those are the guys that are changing the most. It's not like I'm not moving Adams from two no. to two and Hopkins up to one. It's kind of like, oh, Randall Cobb. Oh, Richard Perryman. Those wide receiver guys, three flex players. Yeah. yeah. Those are the guys that I'm moving the most. And it's important that people understand that. Like I get hit up a lot. Oh, why didn't you move? You know, Allen Robinson, why is, you, why is Tyree Killers? Well, those guys are where they are. Like, basically, like, those guys aren't going to move. It's this, the third-tier guys that are battling for more snaps, more reps. Those are the guys that are going to be moving the most. So, wide receiver rankings. We have uh, Devontae Adams up top, which is consensus now. He locked in uh, and re-signed. And so, um, you know, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be feeding his main man again. You have uh, Tariq Hill a, a couple spots lower in, uh, I think, six, and, and he's two on uh, the consensus rankings. You have Diggs also a couple spots lower. He's consensus rankings three. You have him down at eight. Um, for both of them, it's it seems like when you know talking to you, it's not even as much that you don't like those players. It's just 
It feels like last year in particular They had such efficient years That they're just really hard to replicate That kind of efficiency back to back It's kind of like you go on that date With that girl that's the perfect date And the next date you go on You're trying to set it all up the same way That's kind of the analogy You've already experienced the peak It can only go downhill from now That's the best thing I can have Like Diggs Balled out last year, but like I mentioned in the draft by draft, um, excuse me, the team by team breakdown, his touchdowns are very low, and that kind of worries me as a wide receiver number one. That he's getting such a slow, such a low percentage of Allen's forty touchdowns. Now, if he doesn't get the ball, he has historically shown that he winds a lot, so all that stuff I can factor into it. Um, and then I put him at that's why I put him at eight. Plus, I'm higher on the other guys. Like like I said last year, last week. Hopkins had 289 fantasy points, and that was considered a down season. I mean, that's and, insane. And to me. Murray and got plus hurt. He gets a second year with Murray. And Murray got they, hurt. They signed, yeah. And they signed Hudson, the center from the um from the Raiders. Their offensive line has improved. So yeah, I just I just feel there's better options there, and you know I just yeah, like I said, like I just I just feel I'm higher on those other guys than I than I am on Diggs because just because I feel he can only go down from where he was last year. You're uh, also very high on DK Metcalf Who's just an absolute freak of nature Out there and it feels like this Offense in Seattle I think is going to be A little more open this year Exactly they're going to play at a faster pace And the whole design is to Hide the um, how bad the Offensive line is is to get The ball out of Wilson's hands earlier so you're giving DK Metcalf the ball in space. I'm all about that. So I really think he's going to eat up this year, especially in your PPR format. A couple uh, wide receivers who I think you're you're really you'll feel good about if they're your wide receiver one on your fantasy team. You and I are both very high on the year that Calvin Ridley could have this year. And it's you know he's the man to focus on. And Pitts may need a little time to get you know to get acclimated over there. Um, they're a team that. You know has a a, a salt like They're going to try to run a little bit but he Is a true wide receiver one There and Matt Ryan's still going to want to throw the Ball um, he he jumped Up in the last year and a half or so So I think Ridley um, I'm Expecting a big year and one that you're Higher on and I think I am than most You've got him ranked five and I've sort of got him In the the, the six seven range is Allen Robinson he's playing for some cash This year Eric and plus Everyone says well Eric what about Mooney Well it's a different quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel that uh, Dalton's going to lean on Robinson when he plays. I feel Fields is going to lead on Robinson. Al- Robinson is a true alpha in that room. He's, He's playing for cash. And nothing motivates people as cash. And this is his last contract. With his injury history and his age, he's not going to have another big, big payday. So you definitely want to be in on Allen Robinson this year because he's going to be balling out. And he's so likable, too. I really feel if the Bears are bad the second half of the season, they're going to be feeding them the ball just to pad those stats. Um, another a few that you and I are, are pretty high on this year, um, C.D. Lamb, who I'm not as high on, Amari Cooper, and I do think C.D. Lamb has an opportunity to be a true, pretty close to wide receiver one, legit skills there. And uh, Terry McLaren with Fitzpatrick in the mix over there And a more well-rounded offense They have a really, really good defense too They're just a, a solid football team 
Um, he he feels like someone who can take a nice another step forward with a quarterback that you feel com- more confident about getting him the ball. So um, you're uh, you're a little higher on C.D. Lamb than uh, the overall projections, and you're about right on with uh, with Terry McLaren, two guys that I think you and I both feel uh, could have great years. I really feel like Lamb. He's going to get the bulk of the targets because defenses are still going to cater to uh, Cooper as the number one. Defense is bad, so they're going to have to be throwing the ball a lot, and I just think he's going to have a huge breakout season, especially with a wide receiver. It's always that second year where everyone takes that big big jump now after they've been through the league once, and plus he had no training camp. I really think the, everything's going to line up for Lamb, and also he's wearing the old 88, Michael Irvin Jr. right there. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, you know, Justin Jefferson, you have a few spots lower than others. Um, same thing with uh, with AJ Brown, and um, I think even with uh, with AJ Brown and with with Julio, um, you've got sort of right in that range. But you know, with Julio coming in for AJ Brown, that'll probably impact the two of them. You'll also have Henry. AJ Brown was one of those receivers that he was incredibly efficient and was able to get so many yards after the catch that those are the kind of things that are really, really hard to replicate too. So he's someone that you might be chasing a little bit. Um, and and just the, the Tannehill offense in general, like I'm still kind of waiting for one year where he's 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 impressed me and been better than I thought. But it's, a, it's another one of those things where that is hard to sustain for two or three or four years. You're going to have one of these years where you just were the opposite, where the, the numbers kind of didn't they, – they evened out and, and they went the other way. Exactly. And plus, like I said, he's been so efficient. That can only go down. Plus, Arthur Smith. Add in Julio. That's another mouth to feed. Historically, likes going to Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith is down. Like, there's just so many questions around this Titans offense. You don't know where these targets are going to go to. <sighs> Julio's on my avoid list in the, I, I said, third or fourth round. Avoid Julio Jones. I don't want anything to do with him. AJ Brown's an interesting character because he's like Tannehill. He's just so efficient in what he does. He's not going to be that guy that has over 100 receptions. You're just banking on him when he does get the ball just to six be for 120. You know, he has yeah. games like that where it's like, oh, okay, I, I'm, I'm always like trusting the nine or ten reception guy, you know, type guys that you have to spend. That's up the guy I want. Me too. You don't you want the that. targets, you the opportunities. Yeah, yeah. If you want that guy who's going to get the targets, the guy that's going to get the looks, that's that's who you want to be invested in. You don't want to be like I said, like. I really feel like the wide receiver position is the position that is misdrafted the most. I always see these people that send me their their rosters and ask for advice. They have five players that can be starting, and they're asking me questions. And it's like, dude, at this point, you're just throwing darts. I mean, you have yeah. your true number one in like a in a digs, but the next four, you're just throwing darts. I would rather have two guys in the top twenty that I know are my ride or dies, and then replacements that I can just kind of fill in. Or I take Hardman in the eleventh round. Tyreek has a history of soft tissue issues. Throw him in right in when if Tyreek gets hurt. We'll continue on a little more through the wide receiver rankings. We got through the top ten. Jefferson was twelve. AJ Brown was thirteen. Um, in this range of like, I'm you know Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin. I I get worried, and even with Mike Evans, who's before them, like 
I, I get worried with the Bucks guys because for the same reason that you said, this week might be a Mike Evans week. This might be a Godwin week. Maybe this is a week where he ends up, for some reason, just focusing in on the backs. Or maybe this is an Antonio Brown week where he's just not get. You know, the other other guys are getting doubled and he's wide open on the side. And then oh, all of a sudden, you know, you're 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 starting to, to focus, and then Gronk gets the touchdown here. So I don't. You know the the Bucks are a team that's a really good football team, but I'm probably not going to have a whole lot of them fantasy wise this year. I don't think. There's just so many questions. It's just so hard. Like I would just like I said, I would take Brady. Brady be the only one like I'd really want of that team besides their defense, and it's a good team. It's a team that could easily win the Super Bowl. But in terms of fantasy, they're just not that good, and there's plenty other options out there. We, like uh, to the point the Jaguars. Yeah, I would much rather have a Jaguar wide receiver. Then Evans or Godwin, as crazy as it sounds, just because that team is going to be behind a lot of games. They have a young quarterback that's going to throw, and these guys are going to get a ton of targets. So I'd much rather be want to be invested in the Jaguars. And that's where, uh, and what's nice is like the, those receivers, you can obviously get much later in the draft. You know, you'd be looking at uh, players like uh, LaVisca Chenault. You'd be looking at uh, players like Shark. Who is in the you've got ranked at 24 Chenault can probably get down more in the 40 range and even someone um, like uh, your boy from uh, from Detroit uh, Jones who is just you know he can kind of just be like an adult in the room and especially early in the year he might be someone to take a couple swings on in some early DFS weeks because he might be like a nice uh, like security blanket safety blanket for uh, for uh, the rook. Exactly. You're going to lean on the guy that can get open. That's what Marvin Jones is going to do. He's going to get open. He can play underneath. He can be your deep threat and field stretcher. He can do so much. And I really think he's going to lean on him. But another thing with the rookies is we don't know. And that's why you have to kind of look at the uh, look at the game film in the preseason and look at the Twitter feeds of these beat writers. We don't know with like a Lawrence and a Fields because those guys are going to be the rookies that start Zach Wilson, too. Who's their guy? Who's their friend that they lead on? Because we saw like Cooper Cup's uh, fantasy values were off the chart because he had that personal relationship with Jared Goff. We don't know who those quarterbacks I just mentioned, who their relationship is going to be with. That's why you got to watch the film and have the Twitter feeds going. Yeah, Cortland Sutton is one that uh, that you were high on. Um, I think he's uh, projected in the 30 range for most, and you've got him more at 23. This dude is legitimate, and he's got some serious ability. Keep an eye on those Broncos receivers this year. They've got a fun wide receiver room over there. They could take uh, a nice step forward. Um, but that's another guy. Like I really feel like everyone, it's out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. He was hurt last year. Yeah. Like every, I kind of feel like everyone forgot how good he was. Because he was hurt, you look at his production when he was there. He was a he was balling out of control, and I think it's going to continue, especially if Drew Locke plays because he's a little bit better of a throw than Teddy Bridgewater is. Getting through uh, the middle, the parts of the twenties, Thielen, Galladay, Jamar Chase for the Bengals. They, they're another team that kind of tough, right? Because all of their wide receivers are kind of in the same range. It could be Chase, it could be Boyd, it could be Higgins any week. Yeah, and like like I said, just if Burrow. you feel yeah, if you feel like those guys that you mentioned are gonna be all top thirty five, top forty, just take Burrow so you don't have to break your head every week and kind of deciding. One guy I've ranked number thirty two, Mike Williams, I love he's gonna be that late guy that late sleeper you can get. In the Joe Lombardi system, the X is always the first read, and that's the position that Mike Williams plays. I'm not saying he's gonna overtake Keenan Allen, 
But if he's always getting the first look, he's going to see a significant jump in targets, and I could easily see him with 80 receptions this year. Couple others down the uh, the the line to continue to look at um, Russell Gage, who Eric has ranked at 46. He's a consensus 57. So we think that the you know the Falcons' offense is usually pretty solid, and he will be like a, a strong wide receiver too in the mix there. So he should get plenty of looks and plenty of opportunities now um, in that mix. So you you know you have him a little higher than that than most. Um, you have right in the range with Corey Davis, who could be the 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 Jets number one wide receiver um, Marvin Jones is someone We mentioned a little bit later uh, down the line Sammy Watkins is a little bit Interesting he's probably been disappointing From what people wanted Him to be when he was drafted but he still Could be a very big help There over at Baltimore and, and stretch The field give us uh, you know maybe A thought on on some of them or maybe mention One or two more towards the you know the bottom As we get through you know we're, we're Talking about guys that are in like the 40 The 40 and beyond range a uh, couple of guys, Michael Gallup, uh, second in the league in routes ran last year, third in the league in uncatchable balls. Same, same playing caller, same system, but now you have an improved quarterback play. So I could real the potential is there, but we need to remember it wasn't Dak throwing him the ball for all those games. It was mm-hmm. a combination of Dak and Dalton. So that would be a perfect guy you could get in the late round and totally take a flyer on. And a team with a great passing attack with a shitty defense that's going to be a um, down a lot of games. Uh, Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall is going to Joe Brady. Joe Brady was the play caller at LSU where Terrence Marshall went. There's a connection right there. I really think Marshall is actually going to lead the Panthers in red zone targets. He's not going to be that guy that's going to have like 10 catches or nine catches like Robbie Anderson. He's going to be that guy, four catches, one TD. Um, so he's going to be very touchdown dependent. But I think he's going to lead him in red zone targets. Um, another guy that I'm a little higher on that people are not is Marco Hardman. I really feel I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you just get a feeling about something. Mm-hmm. I just and I don't get me wrong. I don't wish that for someone to get hurt. I just have this feeling that Tyree Hill is going to get hurt this year and he's going to miss a whole bunch of t- game, a whole bunch of games. And right now I can tell everyone. Hardman's going to be the guy that I drafted every single league in hell. He may not even play one goddamn play, but I'm going to have him <laughs> on my team just because the potential is there. And I just have this feeling that, um, that Hill is going to get hurt. Um, Texans are going to suck this year. Brandon Cooks is their number one wide receiver. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. That's another guy you can look to. And the last guy is Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, when he was with Scott Turner, uh, at Carolina, he lined up all over the place. They were always finding ways to get this kid guy the ball for some reason. I am really not that high in him, but Scott Turner likes him. They lined him up in the slot, jet sweeps, in the backfield, outside. And I think that's going to continue with Washington. And plus, if you're a defender, you're going to be leaning and trying to stop scary carry. So Curtis Samuel is going to get a lot of run. I think he's going to be a guy you can get late that can kind of help you a lot. Couple others uh, that I wanted to mention um that you know you can Get to to fill in when you need John Brown is someone for the Raiders who Like the the Raiders Are all Waller in the tight end position But he might be their wide receiver One this year like they go Rugs Rugs is like a field stretcher but He he's actually a little bit a little Bit better overall so he could just Get a lot of uh, a lot Of you know middle of the field stuff keep An eye on him as a, a late flyer and then One other that I wanted to mention too is uh, 
um, For uh, Cole Beasley You know you continue to look at Beasley And he's always really sneaky I think his numbers are always someone that, that Are better than than what you know we would expect them to be uh, Alan Lazard also um, Although I you know bringing in Cobb Makes me like him a little bit less So you know if if, if Cobb for some reason Were to miss a game or two Then, then maybe I would, uh, I would I would you know give him a look more Speaking of Beasley Please tell me you've heard his rap song no, but you, you know this. <laughs> this does this does bring up a good point. You know, like someone like Beasley, and and we don't have to get political about what what you like or the vaccine or not. But this is something that if these some of these players that are not vaccinated, and if you know that, and if they end up missing a game because they're not vaccinated, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to get the opportunity to make those games up. They're probably going to miss that game. Whereas like a team like the Falcons, who is 100% vaccinated now, if something happens and they have an outbreak, they'll get the opportunity to reschedule a game. So just keep that in mind. I know Cousins is someone who's mentioned the like face shield and he doesn't, that he wants to wear around. And uh, uh, Beasley has been very vocal about not getting vaccinated. I know that's oh, not with, with the, with the rap stuff. Rap CD, he was like, Oh my god, he's like, you can't guard me. It's like, dude, you're the fifth option. Like, on, and you're the like, the slot guy. You're the like, white guy across the middle. That's you know the, the, um, the token yeah. guy. <laughs> one guy I forgot to mention. I know everyone on the everyone for Detroit is hyping up. Um, your boy from USC, uh, Brown, Amon Ra, uh, TJ yep. Hawkinson. Um, I like Brashad Perryman. I really think he's gonna be the alpha in the room. He's gonna be the guy. He's had a good run in um, the Jets. He's had a good run with the Bucks when the Bucks had all those injuries. And also, this is, people forget, like, he has ties to Detroit. His old man played there during Detroit's run, if you could call it a run, where they're somewhat decent battling for playoff position. And he elected to come to Detroit. I really think he's that guy. Ivan was a wide receiver, 34. I think he's a guy you can get in the 13th round who's going to be a great fill-in and play if there's an injury on bye weeks or if you just need help in the flex. I think that's a guy you can get very late on a team that's going to be a down a lot of games that can help you win. Because we have to remember, it's always that guy that we always are overlooking that wins us a fantasy football title. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not your top two or three guys. players. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, got those. And, yeah, it's 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 the meat and potatoes that that guy you pick, picked up. Um I won a title. Oh my God. One title. I blew everyone out years ago. Um, Kareem Hunt's first year. I was really high on Kareem Hunt. Like I am on Javante Williams. I'm saying Javante Williams is going to be Kareem Hunt when he was with the, the Chiefs, but I totally reached for Kareem Hunt, drafted him way earlier than I should have. And it paid off. So if you have a gut feeling and you like someone, you know, this is one you have to go for. You have to trust your work, trust your research. That is right. Let's get into the tight end rankings. And, um, there is a legit tight end one, but it does feel kind of like, you know, there are three pretty damn good tight ends that are like you get one of them and it's basically like getting a wide receiver one with a Kelsey, with a Waller and with a Kittle. I like I laid out my draft guide. This is your strategy. What do you want? Do you want one of the top three or do you want a middle tier guy? Those are your options. If you want one of the top three, you have to understand you're probably going to have to take Kelsey in the first round and get him. If you're at the back end, pick 12, and you take Kelsey, I'm totally fine with that. Anything before that, I wouldn't do that. Um, Waller, like you said, he's the only game in town for um, 
for the 49ers. For the Raiders. Not yeah. for the 49ers, for the Raiders, excuse me. Um, I was looking at Kittle. Uh, yeah. He's the only game in town, the only really chain mover. They really don't have anything in the room. John Brown and is a field stretcher. Rugs too. Yeah. Yeah. Rugs. I just really don't trust anyone there. Plus the the fitch scenes in the offensive line is car gonna struggle. Uh Kittle's interesting. He plays so hard, he blocks so hard, and he's always hurt. You know, Mark Andrews, I have it four. There's questions. I mean, I would I'm just gonna take a guy I have rated five through ten, and I'm just gonna go with that. I don't wanna have to overstretch and take one of the top three to three to four guys i'd rather get a guy in round seven round six through ten and yeah just take the best guy on my board i mean that's, and i think that's my strategy yeah and i'm kind of with you it's 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 similar to quarterback you know how i'm drafting like i would i would probably be more okay with spending a little bit up on one of the the wide receiver or the tight ends because then you do like you especially with how deep wide receivers are you know you could have situations where it's like Wow, you have legitimately three wide receiver ones this week. You know, if you got one of those top few, so it that that's okay. But I'm I'm almost always in the same boat as you. Is like with the quarterbacks and with the tight ends, I probably don't spend up. Um, I am fine with somebody like tight end four, five, and six. Mark Andrews has been someone for a couple years now. He's he's kind of their wide receiver one. You know, they don't really have like. A legit wide receiver one So he ends up being the the third down Guy the you know gets a lot of red Zone targets um, and then Hawkinson I'm, I'm super high on this year it just Feels like the situation he's in where We have a lot of questions about the Detroit Wide receivers you know some of them Are going to be okay and they'll and they'll hit but Goff comes in the First few weeks he's trying to look around he's trying to figure Things out it's, there's going to be a big target Right there with TJ Hawkinson who's Who's a really good player and he's going to have a, a good situation and on probably a bad team that's down a lot. You, I could see a lot of garbage time, you know, red zone targets for him this year. Exactly, and like we don't know who's golf going to build. Who's got, who's going to be golf's Cooper Cup? Is it going to be Hawk? We don't know. Golf looked good in his first series. I could totally see Hawk being the wide receiver type one type guy, even though he plays a tight end. Um, Noah Fant's interesting. Galbert's is there's just a lot of. Interesting guys, but there's also question marks. Um, the one guy that I had the most trouble ranking in this position was Evan Ingram, just because he did have so many drops last mm-hmm. year. But and he's good, like be, he's got yeah, ability. Like you want someone that's going to be consistent, as you mentioned earlier. You want that guy that's going to constantly get targets. When I look, I do the consistency thing, where I I didn't put that in the thing this year, but I kind of look at at how many targets they have per game. To kind of get a feel for it, um, there was three tight ends that had six games or more of six targets: Kelsey Waller and Evan Ingram. You know what I mean? So the tight end plays in the Jason Garrett system, but that's another guy where he could have ten points one week and then two the next because of the drops and just the incons, the just the inconsistency with the production. So yeah, Fant, you uh, you talked about Hawkinson Andrews. I kind of have them. You know, Andrews Hawkinson slightly above Fant, but I think Fant will be the the only concern I have with Fant this year is just that um, I, I'm I think Denver's got a couple good wide receivers, so I wouldn't be shocked if like you know he's someone who like we said with the consistency he could have a huge week where he's got a great matchup where you know the back the linebackers over the middle are just you know undersized and they can't guard him, but then it might be a Sutton week or a Hamler week and others. Uh, Patrick even is someone who's not not awful. Um, 
And same, that's kind of another one of my concerns with with Goddard is you know you've got Goddard, but then you obviously know that you're gonna you know probably be splitting you know with you know with the other tight end there with Ertz. So you have some some questions there. Maybe he ends up getting traded. Who knows? But um, he he splits. Pitts is Pitts is super talented, but Pitts probably like I'm not quite convinced. That Pitts is just going to be able to walk in right away and be incredible. I think it might take a little bit for him. Tight end is always the hardest position because you have the blocking schemes and you have the uh, the receiving routes. Another thing with him is I really feel is going to be chips so much. That speed that he showed, that 4-4 speed, is just going to get 4-8. I really feel that the athleticism and he, him coming off the line, just going to chip constantly, he's, he's just going to take a beating. I want no part of Kyle Pitts, and he's actually one guy in my avoid list. Uh, Higby could, could one Higby, guy I found yeah. interesting is your boy Higby, though. I find yeah. him very interesting. no more Stafford, no more Everett. Yeah, Stafford loves the tight end. Uh, he loves working that part of the field, and I could just kind of see like a uh, Andrew Luck Jack Doyle relationship forming between Stafford and Higby. Others that maybe a a little bit later, if you wait on a tight end. Um, you know, Jared Cook is now with the Chargers, Logan Thomas. He's not a terrible option with Washington. And you'd imagine with Fitzpatrick over there, you know, he, he'll probably just get better opportunities than he was getting last year. I don't think he's a terrible look in Washington. Gasecki, I'm, I'm just, I'm not really on Tua. I know you're not either. So I'm not as high on a lot of the Dolphins skill oh. players. If Fitzpatrick was there, I'd have Gasecki a lot higher. And in Gasecki, I'm probably higher on just in a, Sense of Tua's struggle is going down the field So I don't like the Deep threat receivers As much with Tua Someone like Gasecki, I could still see being successful Because that could be someone that Tua Not being able to get the ball way down the field Could look to a lot He could be like oh there's Gasecki for 5 again There's Gasecki for 6 again For 8 again instead of you know, you know he throws a couple picks And he doesn't want to take shots down the field again Exactly, and I mentioned that in the team-by-team breakdown mm-hmm. How the offensive coordinator for the Dolphins Likes to run two tight end sets And run a lot of wide receiver flies And stretch the field And then you have Gusecki working underneath And Tua does have arm streak So I agree 100% with everything you're saying right there And then a little farther down um, You know, you got Tanyan You got Gronk But who Tanyan's like, really, like I don't mean to cut you off But Tanyan's no, no, a guy who's really touchdown dependent mm-hmm. so He's not going to get the, those touchdowns he, he's just not worth it. You got to stay away from him. It's so he was another one where it's like, it's he was so efficient last year with his catches that it's just it's really tough to project that he's that efficient again this year. Um, yeah, behind him, you know, then it's Gronk, it's Irv Smith, you know, Evan Ingram. You've got in that mix Eric Ebron, Hunter Henry, who's one of a couple. Um, and I'll know, have to change it because Henry got hurt the other day, so I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to change this a little bit. Like, and Johnny will probably, fans, like, yeah, he'll probably have to move me, up a no little. What's gonna happen there? Yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah. no idea. It's, the it's, interesting a, room is the is the Bears room, like Clement and Graham. Like, mm-hmm. I really feel that if Fields is there, like, yeah, I could see him leaning on Cole Clement, and everything I read from the beat writers is really um, positive about him, but. It just goes back to Matt Nagy. I just don't trust Matt Nagy at all. Yeah, they, and some of the ones that have the multiple tight ends are hard, right? The the Patriots, the even the Bucks. Like Gronk is there, but now you also have um, uh, returning. Uh, 
the other tight end OJ coming back Howard. this year, OJ Howard. Who they have OJ Howard coming back, and oh my god, Brate is a guy from Harvard. Uh, yep, Cameron Brate. So you know you have them. You've got in the uh, Browns room. You know you've got Hooper, Najoku, and Bryant. Three good tight ends for football, but it's harder to really focus in on one of them because maybe you know uh, Hooper gets three catches. Um, Najoku gets one and Brian gets one And so instead of getting the five or six that like a tight end and a, a, a tight end one would get you, you don't really get the whole You know all of the production there So yeah it is Once you get past the You know I'm with tight end Obviously it's not a position that's 25 deep It It is about you know probably 12 to 14 Maybe that you would Feel really comfortable about and so For me I'm definitely looking in that Probably four to to Ten range of, of where I Want to uh, snatch up one of my tight ends In that I, I don't want to overdraft them But I'm probably looking at a tight end From like I don't know rounds Seven or so On and you know probably even into the, the Tens or so but I don't I don't want to wait Too long because then afterwards You really it's sort of the same falls Like we cliff. were saying it just it it Hits that cliff. wall yeah it really does. Exactly. And if you do get in that situation and you need someone that could possibly hit a home run for you, Seahawks signed Gerald Everett. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. I like yeah. him as a player, but there's that question mark. Like, you really don't know. You also have to remember the OC used to be the passing game coordinator with the Rams. So there's that tie there. So there's the familiarity with the offense. So that's a player that has a high side potential. He's a very high ceiling. But his floor is also really at the bottom So there's a lot of variance with him But there's that guy you could draft late Or you could hit a home run with well, We won't spend a whole lot of time On the the kickers or defense uh, Justin Tucker's awesome Just, you know, kicker for me It's always like Who's the best kicker available in the last round <laughs> You know, the last two rounds I'm never going spending up on a kicker Defense, I might You know, when you get into rounds 14, 15, 16 If you feel pretty confident about you know everyone around you and there's a solid defense that you like that's there um then I'd be okay you know who are the 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 thing about defense that you always want to make sure and I think it's very similar to like what you were saying with quarterback in that you don't want to pay for teams from last year you want to try to get ahead of the curve and one team that you think could have a really good defense this year is the Browns exactly i'm all in on this team's defense like i really feel your defense, your goal should be you want Washington, the Browns, the Chargers, or the Broncos. You want one of those four, and then you want to draft you want to draft one of them in round 14. And then in round 15, you look at the you look at the grid, see when their buy is, and then you take the best matchup on that week. So hypothetically you draft the Browns, and then you look. I believe the Dolphins that week are playing the Texans. So you just draft the Dolphins' defense in the next round. You have them for that bye week, and then you kick them to the curb and look to add more depth in the wide receiver position. And uh, following the defensive rankings is that draft plan that we mentioned where Eric will go through his plan heading into the draft, some of the approaches that he has, players or just particular uh, positional groups that he may be avoiding, or the you know rounds where he's targeting certain certain positional groups or where he feels like they fit. Basically everything that we've been talking about, and then after that it's the round by round, round one, who you're looking at and who you're looking to uh, avoid. 
all of this information Everything you've heard here Times about a thousand In this incredible NFL Fantasy football draft guide For 2021 um, Eric, uh, anything else that you want to mention About the guide or in general um, You can plug it And I think you said you wanted to talk a little bit about DFS too Yeah um, So the first thing is With the draft guide I mean, it's on Google Docs I'm constantly changing it It with all when all information comes, I kind of change it after the, the, all the games are finished. So Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, I'll kind of get in front of the computer, plug in my data, kind of change everything with uh, how teams perform and the injury history. So hypothetically, um, who got banged, someone gets banged up today. That's not going to reflect until Sunday. If there's a pressing need, my emails in it, you guys just email me and I'll answer the question. Um, in terms of DFS. This is my DFS rant, and I am sorry I go on this rant every year this type of the this time of the year. Um, don't chase the millionaire maker. It is their whole system that FanDuel and DraftKings have is the whale system of the casino. They're trying to get the player that's going to come in, play 50 lineups at 25 bucks, and then barely break even, and then come back and do it again. What I do, and I've been making money doing this the last three years I've done this, is I play the 50-50 contest. Single entry. So that means it's my best lineup against your best lineup. I just have to finish in the top 50, and whatever the entry fee is, that's what I make. Because, hey, at the end of the day, it's all about making money. The other the thing single entries are the is, way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. They are the 100% yep. way to go. Because, you know, it's fun. Everybody wants to. And I'm, I won't talk you off of... If you want to throw a lineup in and you've got, you know, one lineup a week or something like that because you just like, you know, with with a lot of lineups that you built, sure. But don't spend a ton of money putting in, you know, because whatever you're spending, there's going to be someone in their computer systems that are spending so much more with with, you know, with the way that they can play those tickets, too. So it's just, you know, sit where you feel like you actually have an advantage with with the work that you put in, you know, and, and if you play in some of those single entry tournaments, there are just a lot more, you know, two entries or, you know, any any sites that have small caps on the amount of entries that you can play. Those are the tournaments that I think are the most fun that you feel like you got the most shot right in, in actually winning. Exactly. Exactly. And like for me, it's all about winning. I tout winning one hundred dollar fifty fifty and people call me. Oh, really? No, yeah, I won 100 bucks, dude. So what? You know, you didn't. You entered your 50, 50 in the millionaire making and barely broke even. Another thing that I noticed that's interesting is um, the millionaire maker, their entry is like 25 bucks, 20, depending on the week. But if you play a contest with a higher entry fee, like a $100 entry, the winning number is significantly lower than the DraftKings. Absolutely, because they're just less the Millionaire maker, yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. Than the millionaire maker, just because you don't have to get as many points. Putting in twenty five entries, they're putting in less entries, so there's the, a bigger chance of hitting a home run, even though the prize pool, the grand prize, isn't as high in the higher contests. It's funny you probably you, you probably think it's opposite, like oh these people in like a five hundred hundred dollar contest or a two hundred dollar or five hundred dollar like they're bigger players, so it, you know it's going to be harder. No, it's the opposite. The scores are just lower because there's just less. People aren't playing exactly. multiple entries. They don't have as much wiggle room. You know, it's the difference between playing a twenty cent pick six and a two dollar pick six. In a twenty cent pick six, exactly. you're using every horse in every race. A two dollar, you you got to pick one or two in single because it starts doubling up. So, um, yeah, that's exactly. uh, and then, good, good, uh, yeah, good. And then uh, one more overall. thing, like in my build, like I'm sorry, 
but like my build, how I build my roster is I take the three players that I fin that I feel the strongest about that week and they're in every single lineup. And then I make a player list and then I fill everybody in based on their salary. The last thing you want to cover stuff, but you don't want to like, if you feel like Kelsey's just going to outperform everyone at the tight end position, don't out think the room, just start Kelsey or, or, um, a run like Justin Fields starts and you know he's going to run for a lot. Don't, I don't think the room just take your 20 from Fields and then just go at it. Eric Etoft 2 1, uh, Etoft 2 1 Sports on uh, on Instagram over there. So give us your uh, your plugs one more time. You've heard a lot of this information, but there's so much more. And this is something that has helped me with a couple of my fantasy drafts already. And then I will definitely be using with the uh, the fantasy drafts coming up. I'll be using uh, to to kind of Eric's information from his own head to play against him coming up. No, I'm just kidding. No, I won't. I won't do that. To you, but uh, but uh, thank you so much for all this. Like, give us your plugs. Where can everybody go to to purchase this? And then uh, your podcast and everything that you got coming up later this week. Um. Yeah, you can just hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and uh, to purchase it, and then you'll just be sent a Google got in a Google dot uh, link for it, and then I'll give you access. Um, and you can do that on Twitter at etop two one on Instagram at etop two one sports underscore. My website. I'm in the midst of updating all my spreadsheets and kind of just tidying up. I have a lot of blogs on there, a lot of draft guides still on there, draft guide for uh, the NFL draft still on there um i'm in the midst of tidying that up in terms of the podcast this week i'm going to be talking a little nba little nfl we're gonna have a nascar betting preview last week was a huge week for us in nascar we gave out uh dinger almond digger at 24 to 1 was able to get it done enjoy it 4 to 1 for top 20 so uh we made some money last week in uh DraftKings. I think that it no in uh NASCAR, I think that's what's that that's nine winners we've handed out so far. So uh Ooh, the that'll smallest do. price being smallest price being fifteen to one. So uh you know it's been uh been a pretty good NASCAR year and we're looking to finish strong. Make sure to give a follow there to uh, to Eric on all social media. You'll hear hear Eric again uh, here each and every week. We just started talking, we're gonna be doing some uh Live streams during the NFL season too So make sure to give us a follow on social media We'll probably do something for better than dot Vegas I think Sunday mornings um, You know about an hour Like I think probably like in the uh, 11 eastern to 12 eastern Range so that way we can get you Set up um, with fantasy stuff With betting stuff with the way the lines Have been moved with everything and you'll have like An hour or so before the game to get uh, stuff wagered We'll probably have some stuff that maybe Eric Will jump in on before I think on Mondays Maybe even Thursdays leading up to the game So uh, you've heard the voices here for a while You'll get to see some of these beautiful mugs When the uh, the NFL season starts also So uh, thank you so much for all your work Buddy and I uh, look forward to uh, talking Football with you each and every week Sounds good man it's like It's just creeping up it's like I, I can't know. really wait For it you know what it's I mean here. It's, like, it's here yeah I, I, I'm visiting my parents right now, and they live in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, where CMU is. I found myself watching CMU football practice yesterday from afar. It was a little, it was awesome, but then I was like, God, I miss this game so much. Eric helping us out every week. Make sure to give him a follow. Football is coming up. Thank you so much, Eric. And don't go anywhere, folks. We still got plenty more here on That's What She Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the 
DRF, the daily racing forum, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com huge weekend of racing coming up and plenty of big games with our friends over at stable duel remember to download the stable duel app totally free to do so and you can play in daily horse racing contests the format very similar to daily fantasy contests that you played in where you have to create a lineup based on a salary cap format so what that means you can't just use the heavy favorite in every race it forces you to think outside the box a little bit and to to really have to handicap and find some price horses everything you're playing and how you build your lineup is based off of their morning lines so if you're someone who can figure out bad morning lines where you think horses are going to get bet down you'll probably do very well in stable duel because you won't be paying for you know that expensive of a horse and you'll end up getting one of the you know one of the favorites let's talk about the stable duel schedule now on friday we will have a live stream at five o'clock eastern time two o'clock pacific time and it'll go about 45 minutes to an hour and it'll kind of lead you up to uh, about a half hour to post before del mar and we'll talk all about the Friday card. Barry Spears is going to join me again this week. I think Caleb's at Saratoga, so he won't be there this week. And uh, me and Barry will go every race. We'll give some of our thoughts all the way through the eight-race program for Del Mar for Friday. And speaking of Friday, you can play three different contests at Del Mar where, where we will set you up. We'll go race by race. So make sure check out uh, check out that live stream. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B., 
All you have to do is is click on my Twitter and you'll see that video totally free to watch and listen. Just click on it and while you finish up your handicapping for Delmar for Friday, Barry and I will do our best to lead you to some winners. So Friday, Delmar Golfstream, Woodbine, Ellis, Monmouth, Penn National. Six different racetracks, nine different contests, starting at $10 and ranging all the way up to $500 entries for the bigger games. Now on Saturday... There is the Del Mar Pacific Classic Challenge. 150 bucks to enter the contest. Going to be $20,000 in cash prizes. Six racetracks on Saturday. 11 different contests. Del Mar, Gulfstream, Ellis, Monmouth, Woodbine, Emerald Downs. Games ranging from 5 bucks all the way up to a $1,000 game. And then that big $150 entry, the Pacific Classic Challenge, 20000 in prizes. There's usually one big game each weekend. No, not this weekend. They have a big game on Sunday too. Woodbine, the the Queen's Plate Jewel, $125 entry, $10,000 in prizes. There's six different tracks that have 11 different contests. Delamar, Gulfstream, Ellis, Monmouth, Woodbine, and Emerald. From 5 bucks all the way up to 500 This weekend, loaded stable dual schedule. Get those entries in and play, race, win. We're going to head on over and start talking some racing at Saratoga for Friday. Get those past performances out for Friday for Saratoga. And let's look to race number three. We're looking at August the 20th here. This is a New York bred second level allowance. Five and a half furlongs on the turf course. There is not a lot of speed in this race. And I think New York's finest has an opportunity to steal it here. New York's finest was running has been running against Open Company as of late. In fact, the last time we saw him in against New York Bread Company was going five and a half furlongs last year at Saratoga, where he won at six to one against optional forty non twos in a very comparable spot. He's a five time winner at Saratoga. Loves his course, loves this trip. All eleven victories going this this five and a half trip, the the five to five and a half, and you. You get Irad to jump aboard. He got the lead in his last start, but he couldn't clear off and cross over. And and you know, for a speed horse, when you can't cross over and then you got another horse battling you from the inside, that changes the entire race. Moving from open company to New York breads, hooks a field without a ton of speed. That's the number four. New York's finest six to one on the morning line. We'd need anything around seven to two to make a win wager there. I had this one pegged more like a three to one shot. So anything in that seven to two range feels very fair. In the third, we move to race number five. Now, keep in mind that it could be very wet, a lot of rain coming in the next few days at Saratoga. So, uh, keep you know, just when you're handicapping, if these races are off the grass or you know, if for, these horses are out, the complexion of the races change. The fifth race is a horse who I think would be fine on the turf, or actually, even if the race didn't get didn't get uh, on the grass and was was still on the main track. Talking about the one whiskey gent, so he. Grass-wise, his his pops, Mr. Speaker, was excellent on the grass. The dam of this one is unraced. This is the first full um, for that dam. So there's a, there's a little turf in there. It wouldn't be shocking to see him improve on turf, but I don't think he needs the turf. I'm I'm just most intrigued by the fact that he looks like he could be out in front here from the inside. He tried to send, you know, he tried to send, but then he couldn't make the lead. And then he took back off of a tight spot inside and he just couldn't come on again. Now, that was in a restricted maiden special weight race. 
It was not a New York bred maiden special weight race. So that means those are for open company of horses that were purchased for a certain price or less. This is the softer spot than that. He's going to stretch out. He was right up on the pace sprinting, and now he's going to be going a mile and a 16th from the inside. I think the game plan's got to be send hard. Try to get a couple lengths on this field early. The number one, Whiskey Gent. He's 12 to 1 on the morning line. I had him pegged about half of that, like a 6 to 1 shot. That feels about fair. We move to the sixth race, optional 80, non 2 uh, allowance. I'm going to go to the six horse, Sister O'Toole. Now, let's look at some of her recent form. You do see. Throughout her career, she's done very little wrong. Early on, she ran fine in a couple races that came back pretty live. You see in some of her defeats, she's behind Next Out winning Lady Panda, Sugar Fix, Vigilante's Way. Um, you know, she's behind Luck Money in another spot, who you see in other uh, running lines and like a legitimate stakes horse. Sister O'Toole had a really solid year last year. And then in 2021, first start of 2021, hadn't raced since the end of July of 2020, shows up in April of 2021, and goes five and a half furlongs on the turf at Keeneland, she's never been that short. And I don't think she really had any intentions of, the, the connections had any intentions of thinking that she could really win that race, but it's a great race to get a, a prep for her, to get some fitness for her off of the really long layoff. She probably wouldn't have been great if she just went a mile, because she, she he needed a little more fitness there. So it was a great stepping stone for her. She comes back on May the 14th And she finishes a good second Last time out She's tracking inside, she's third She, she, you know, the leader runs off um, So she ends up about You know, 9-10 lengths off at one point But she just keeps to the inside Ends up angling around, kicks on I thought it was a pretty good win Horse she beat, high opinion, came back to win a first level allowance Next out with an 89 buyer speed figure Sister O'Toole Why can't she take another step forward here? She's a four-year-old. She's making just her fourth start at four off of the long, long layoff. I'm not even considering the first start really as anything going five and a half. She stepped forward from May 14th to July 5th. One more step forward. She's right there with this group. You got a very good rider aboard, Luis Saez, who who generally gives you a a nice trip. Sister O'Toole, 10 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around six feels uh, fair, and that's sort of more where we had this one pegged. In the seventh race, maybe just a horse to kind of include in some of your late exotics, or if you know if, if you get around eight to one or so, breaking stones, uh, throw them in your late pick fours and pick fives. Just second start off, and the only race going long on the dirt was good. Two back, last time out, kind of had that awkward start, so you can put a line right through it. So that, that's why I say the only race because I'm. Excusing the July 24th race Because you're coming off of a a few months And you just have a brutal start Breaking stones Never got into it Drops in class, puts two together Let's key off that May 15th race That's the opportunity just to sit close In a race that I Just don't think is the strongest in the world The number 7 breaking stones uh, Anything around uh, yeah, 8 to 1 or so Maybe just throw into some of your late exotics In the 8th the number two, likable. If he's anything over around three to one, seven to two, that's a, a great price on him. He is just face tougher. First two starts were really good. He's a runner up, then he comes back and he wins by eight. They toss him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He's behind Essential Quality, Hot Rod Charlie, Keep Me in Mind, Jackie's Warrior, and Rombauer. What a loaded Breeders' Cup Juvenile field. Then he comes back 
for his first start in a few months in the swale, and he's behind Drain the Clock, who ends up, you know, going on to have an awesome year. He's now six for nine. He's a grade one winner in that optional first level allowance, that optional 75 on April the 21st over at Gulfstream. Yes, this time wins that race. That will, yes, this time won five in a row, including a grade three and another stakes race. So, Likeable then is sent to the bench from April to August. Comes back in August, and he had a good start, but he was in between horses. Then he was down to the inside with some outside pressure. He tried to spurt clear, but uh, the race was won from the clouds from a horse who was 10 lengths off early. It just wasn't the greatest race shape for Likeable, the number two. Anything around uh, three to one, seven to two, that is fair on Likeable. So that is Friday over at Saratoga. Best of luck on Friday at Saratoga as we head on over to Friday at Del Mar. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview and a tease. I'm going to talk about the first four races at Del Mar, and then I will just encourage you, if you want help with the uh, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th races, to tune in to the live stream on Friday right before the Del Mar races. On Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific Time, just follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. If you follow me on Facebook, you can also check it out. Or on uh, YouTube, you can also get the stream there. We'll just uh, be going through, spending about 45 minutes talking about the entire card. So I'll give you races 1 through 4 now. You'll also hear those again tomorrow. But I will leave races 5, 6, 7, and 8 as a way to kind of tease and encourage and ask you to come and uh, hang out and join and watch tomorrow as we chat about this with Barry. So let's get into race 1 at Del Mar for Friday 40,000 claimers, mile on the turf course here. I thought the 7 Fuente was a, a pretty interesting horse to use at 8-1 to one on the morning line. So he had a good start, but he didn't want the lead. He ended up kind of taking back to 5th inside, about 5 lengths off. He moved right up into contention on the inside. He was traveling really well. He was waiting for room. He moved off the rail. He really tried hard. He just couldn't get to the top 2 that day. Thought it was a, a pretty decent effort. And when you look through Fren- uh, Fuente's races... You can make an excuse for the two-back race where he had some trouble. You can go back a a few starts and, again, make another excuse. And when you cross out some of those races, overall, his form starts looking a lot better. Now, Pereira has not had a great meet. He's just one for 56 overall. But I think Fuente has a big shot to sit nicely from the outside in here. The three first premios, the one to beat. Look who he's been facing. He was third most recently in a similar spot. Probably a little tougher spot. First level allowance there. He was taken back to 8th of 9. He was in the 2 path. He was about 7 lengths off. He waited. He angled around to the 6-7 path. He was laid on the scene for kind of a non-threatening 3rd. But heading a few starts back, he beats a horse named named Busy Channel who won his next 2. Busy Channel uh, did win a grade 3 at Arlington. The 4th place finisher in that race was Gear Jockey who won an optional 80, a non-2, and then was 3rd in the grade 3 Troy. So he's been keeping tough company. Not quite sure what to do with uh, WW coming off the long, long layoff, but Pratt does jump aboard for a horse who's uh, been off 13 months now. You've got the five-stage ready who's in good form for Mike Maker and the six Kusina who's probably going to try to push the pace a little bit in here to set up for uh, stage ready. So I, I have seven and three as my uh, my top two in here in uh, in race number one. As we move to race number two, we have Maiden Special Weights, six furlongs the distance, Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds, and up. 
The 1-0 tolerance was pretty impressive in the debut he, She had some legitimate trouble She started to roll late um, I think you probably will have her in a lot of your exotics Katarini's really quick But the horse that I like the most Is the 6M is for Magic Now If you go through her career She's always flashed ability She doesn't have very many bad races She's got a couple One of them she took up and she lost the irons Another one was a race that sent her to the bench For eight months Uh, Another race where she just got bumped All around, she bobbled Even her last start was the one that I liked So she You know, October The the October race, a couple back There are two next out winners that day Fourth in that race was Counterparty Risk Who's a grade three winner and a multiple stakes place runner Advocating Who ends up beating Emma's for Magic at Turfway In December had won three, ends up winning three straight. Rearrange, who was second in that race, won uh, a maiden special weight next out. So, Emma's for Magic has never tried the dirt, but she's training on it, and she's actually run well. She didn't run that poorly on the synthetic at, with the kind of trip that she got, and she's run well on the turf, training well on the dirt, right here at Del Mar. She's going to go second start off an eight month layoff, and she had a fine start. But others lined up on the lead So she ends up taking back She's 5th She's in the 2 path It wasn't a bad effort She ends up finishing 4th that that day I think she'll enjoy having a little more distance She's drawn well She doesn't have to be She's kind of got some options here She's got a little bit of positional speed if they want But she can sit and pass and and finish M is for magic The number 6 in race number 2 we move along to race number three. Um, I thought the two Bob and Jackie's in a great spot here. There just is not very much speed in this short field. Uh, Bob and Jackie did not race from March to July, and when she showed up in July, she was bumped a bit, but she was right up to press. She was second. She was in the two path. She was outside chasing um, Neptune Storm, who we're going to see in Graded Stakes Company over the weekend on Saturday. Now w- Neptune Storm won that race wire to wire. And Bob and Jackie is going to go second off the four month break Bob and Jackie is proven at Del Mar And who else in this race is going to be forwardly placed Look at the races Bob and Jackie's coming out of So Neptune Storm will be in uh, graded stakes on Saturday Gregorian Chant won an allowance next next out uh, Jolie Olympica is a multiple grade 2 winner Who uh, won a graded stakes race up at Woodbine you see Mo Forza hit the road. Next shares Neptune. Mo Forza hit the road. They're grade one winners. Next shares Neptune Storm. They're all entered in the Del Mar Mile. Another twist of fate was seven to two in the Pegasus after winning that race in the San Gabriel. Bob and Jackie ran into some good horses that were in really nice form, and he was competitive with them. And you can make legitimate excuses for his last two starts. For the March race, it was also a good turf course in the San Simeon Behind a couple next out winners And he just needed a few months off Came back, kind of bumped a bit Was pressing, chasing a wire-to-wire winner Bob and Jackie getting aggressive He's the one to catch and the one to beat in race number 3 We move to race number 4 25 claimers in here, 6 furlongs The different, uh, the distance feels like it's a wide open race In the exotic, so I'm going to look for A couple horses who I think should offer you Some nice value, there's 3 I want to mention That are a little outside the box here um, The 8 Big Alice Princess 
look at some of her uh, you know, overall form. She's got some speed and she's outside, drawn outside, so she's drawn pretty well. She got bumped around in her last start. She got bumped around in her only other start that wasn't okay, and she actually can pass some horses if she has to. The outside draw, not bad spot for Big Al's Princess. The three, Corellia, who comes in from Emerald, where she hooked a couple next out winners. Judicial has won four in a row. The third place finisher that day won next out for 20. Could be pretty close in a race that doesn't have that much speed. But that's why I'm going to go to the one later days and hope the plan with the rail draw is to send. She's raced four times. Uh, She won one of them where she was sitting really, really close just off. And I, she hadn't run from January to July, so she needed the July race. She ends up running into a horse named Samurai Charm, who crushed that field. Samurai Charm won three in a row, uh, has now won three in a row, won next out by uh, nine, nine plus in a 50 starter allowance recently. On July the 30th, later days had a good start, but then they all lined up for the lead. Later days was like third in between chase mode. There's not a lot of speed for a six furlong sprint race like this. You get the inside draw with Bays. I think you just gotta go. Send hard, and let's hope Later Days can get to the front end here. Later Days, the number one in race number four. So if you want help with races five, six, seven, and eight, we'll go through each of them. You'll get thoughts thoughts from me, thoughts from Barry Spears, and... We'll talk uh, about them from a handicapping standpoint, and then also in some stable duel. Um, how you know how we're gonna build our lineups? Follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B, and make sure to give us a look on Friday, five o'clock Eastern time, as we go through that full card for Del Mar, and we'll finish off the rest of that card there. So, if you need some help with the late part of the the card, make sure to tune in for that. Before we get to Saturday, we want to let you know about our friend, full-service realtor, Cindy Carava. The website, cindycarava.com. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right kind of vendors if you were looking for home improvement. She can help get pre-approved for a home loan and connect you to lenders if you need help with uh, you know, getting the, the loan and and purchasing a, a new home. Maybe you're just curious of how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. CindyCarava.com is the website. She can help you out with all of those things. You'll see all the projects, all her listings, everything on the website. CindyCarava.com. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. We move to Saturday for Saratoga. Get your past performances out. We'll be looking at Saturday, August the 21st, and uh, I'm going to go to race number one. We have a maiden special weight, six and a half furlongs the distance for maiden two-year-olds. I thought Union Lights as a big price. She's gonna, uh, He's going to have to be good in here, but he shouldn't be 20 to 1. He should be more like you know, 10 to 1. Bourbon Heist and Raymond are two that I, I like a little bit. Raymond's Dam won the debut uh, grade 2 winner, 5-time winner Bourbon Heist coming off that good runner-up effort Last time out But Union Lights 2-year-old son of Union Rags Damn, by the light Won her first 5 starts, multiple stakes winner Grade 1 placed 6 siblings, 5 winners Wonderful light, grade 3 placed By the moon Multiple grade 1 winner who won the debut So you get Precocious runners and classy runners 
I like this pedigree. This is a, a, a barn who hasn't had the greatest meat so far, but a super capable barn. Uh, a super excellent owner to kind of root for JMS and, and Samantha Siegel. Union Lights at a big price to kick off the Saturday Saratoga card. If we can get anything around 10 to 1, that feels fair. I'd use Union Lights along with the 1, 7, and 8 in exotics. Third race looks like a chalky stakes race. Can't really give you too much in here. It's the smart and fancy. Uh, can anyone push Robin Sparkles? If they do, it'll likely set up for Lee Guitar, who I think you can just toss that last effort for her. But at least she did get some fitness out of it. So she should be fit and ready to rock today. Just... You know, will she get the kind of trip that she needs? She's got some speed, but I don't know if she wants to be the one doing the dirty work. She'd probably be best suited if Hydra or, you know, someone else ended up going after Robin Sparkles and, and lead guitar could, you know, sit just behind them. So that's the race number three. Let's skip to race number seven. And of course, the first reason why I looked at this horse as a Dodger fan is for. Cody B. Bellinger in race number seven at Saratoga. The number five, this is a first time starter for Todd Pletcher. The damn Nicole's dream was a 24 time winner who earned 826,000. She's produced five foals to race, or she's produced eight foals to race, excuse me. Five of them have won, including Fat Man, who's a grade three winner. Gimme Bellinger. It's ready to rock first time out of the box in race number seven. The number five Bellinger. If he's anything around four to one, that feels fair. We had to do a couple of the graded stakes races uh, on the Saturday card at Saratoga. Let's get to race number nine. It's the grade two Lake Placid. We've got three year old fillies in here. The one uh, Ilogami wouldn't shock. The two technical analysis feels like the one to beat. But I like the six Spanish love affair the most. And this might be a horse who I, I could single in late exotics. You get that massive cutback from trying a mile and a quarter last time out, a mile and an eighth, two starts back. This is much more of a miler, mile and a sixteenth type horse. And look how good that Belmont Oaks has come back. Santa Barbara won that race. Santa Barbara came right back to win the grade one Beverly D. Colima was second. Colima came back to win the grade three Saratoga Oaks. Big cutback for Spanish Love Affair Who should stalk really nicely from out there We get to Saratoga's 10th race It's the grade 1 Alabama Good good field signed on for uh, for this one So you got Malathat who got defeated For the first time in her career as the heavy favorite In the CCA Oaks She was defeated by Miracuja Who shows back up here Miracuja got a big figure for that win You have Clarier Who's had some Kind of some trouble at the gate And she's just not the, the quickest early And sometimes that puts her behind the eight ball uh, But distance really isn't a concern Or shouldn't be a concern for her uh, Crazy Beautiful has three graded stakes wins this year Looking for the uh, the big grade one This year here with the Alabama But I'm actually going to go uh, And look at a couple of horses I thought played hard Is, is probably going to get the lead in here And so she's not a bad horse to have on your tickets But I like Army Wife Army Wife has always teased of ability. We, we've known that she's good from day one, but she's just really put it all together as a three-year-old. In her first start this year, back in March, she won a head bob, beating a group of first-level allowance company. She comes back in the gazelle, 
And she got crossed over on early She got shuffled back inside Then she was in between in a really bad spot She moved into traffic inside She tried to angle off the rail And she got hammered on all sides It was a brutal trip And she's won the other three of her last four starts this year She comes back and wins the Black Eyed Susan easily She comes back and wins easily in the Iowa Oaks And now she steps up and faces the big girls But she... It's a good spot for her to come in and, and take a chance And so she's the new face I think she's just in great form I think she's stepping forward Think about the meet Michael Maker's been having Looking for a big victory In a big grade 1 weight race with Army Wife If you can get anything around You know 5 to 1 I'd say You probably don't want to take too much less than that Because this is a tough group But you know I'd say 5 to 1 or so is about the line I have for Army Wife That is Saturday over at Saratoga Oldsmokeclothing.com is the place for all of you horse racing fans. High quality clothing rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. Hats, t-shirts, zip-ups, hoodies, long sleeves with the names of famous racetracks, horses, slogans, trainers. It is the one-stop shop for horse racing gear, swag, memorabilia. Oldsmokeclothing.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O It'll get you free shipping on your order Once again that promo code G-I-N-O Will get you free shipping on your order From oldsmokeclothing.com We head to Del Mar For Saturday Pacific Classic Day on Saturday Five graded stakes on tap We're going to talk about all five of those graded stakes with you Emily Gullickson joins We spend about an hour So get your past performances out For Del Mar August the 21st, we go races uh, starting in race 6 with the Tory Pines. Races 6, 7, 9, 10, and 11. I always love when they end with a nice graded stakes race with the 11th race as the Del Mar Handicap. Emily Gullickson joins to talk Del Mar Saturday Stakes. It is the biggest day of the meet coming up this weekend at Del Mar. Five graded stakes races on tap on Saturday I believe they're going to have a mandatory payout In the rainbow pick six I actually love the way that they've built the card too Where uh, you end with some real quality In the stakes races It's always fun to kind of end the card With a good stakes race And that's what we're going to get on Saturday So when we have to talk uh, about Del Mar And some of the real important races there We have to get one of our good friends Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ Twin Spires to help us out here Emily, uh, just to, just so we know, we're talking Del Mar Saturday because I know Emily does Woodbine, Indiana, uh, Southern California, spot plays all over the place. Like I'm sure, keeping an eye on big stakes races all over. So just to give you a heads up, if you need to go through your database and just pull out the past performances we're talking about, because I know you've basically got everything set for all over. Yeah, absolutely. But I am ready for this card. I did it today, so it's nice and fresh on my mind and ready to to dive in. So we're going to have a lot of fun trying to help you out If you want to follow along with us We are going to go through the stakes The greatest stakes races on Saturday At Del Mar So we're looking at August the 21st If you want to get those past performances out We're going to start in race number 6 And uh, we will go along uh, the card Starting with the grade 3 Tory Pines 
it's been a really solid uh, Delmar meet for the most part, uh, Emily. I think last week the Saturday card was probably the first one that felt like it wasn't all that strong. I don't think there was a big stakes race or anything, but the first few weeks really were good. I think we talked about it when we spoke about opening day, the the time off in between, um, you know, ending Santa Anita and Los Alamitos then, and then starting Delmar. I think the extra few days really did help make the entry stronger at the beginning of the meet, and so now it's kind of um, it's a uh, you know, now it's the acid test time. Now we'll see. This is generally the part of the meet, the middle to the second half, when maybe during the week they may not have as many horses to fill. We'll see if they can continue to do things strong here. But so far, I, I don't have too many complaints about the entries uh, at all. I've actually thought in many in many situations, like Del Mar, especially with the weather and stuff, was the was the better handicap and the better chance to find prices than Saratoga. Yeah, I, I think it's been a great meet so far. I think these races have been competitive. There's been, you know, good prices, even races. Uh, we're talking on Thursday right now. So the first race just went off. And, um, you know, even even like in a smaller field, you know, getting the third choice home, you know, in that first race, uh, you know, there's like there's value to be had in these races, um, even with the combat fields because of the competitive nature. I think a lot of barn shipping in that not necessarily have been here in the past, some that have been here in the past that have come back. Cassie comes to mind. Um, he was here a few summers ago, that summer that I was clocking in Saratoga and I pretty much, or I mean at Del Mar and I pretty much sat next to him every morning. So it's cool to see him back. Uh, Moquette had a few runners. I don't ever remember him sending out runners here at Del Mar. So I think that makes it really interesting. And then as you talk about, you know, the meet, this is being in the second half of the meet, I think it's important, you know, especially, you know, for those that, that watch trips and follow these circuits to understand, you know, why horses ran good races, bad races, what barns were, were pointing to certain spots, which horses were really meant in the spots that they were in. Maybe they didn't run well um, for a particular reason, whether it was a trip or maybe they just didn't run well and they're just, you know, not very good. And the, sometimes those horses get played back. So um, it is still, even though these meets are pretty short, does take some stamina to get all the way through. And uh, thank you for mentioning that first at Del Mar on Thursday. Rev Rita was a horse we gave out on our previous episode of That's What G Said is an early exotic single. So we got our uh, pick five uh, started off in a nice way, you know, as you said. Me too. Oh, I singled yeah. as well. There that, we go. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, we get a little uh, Rev Rita there as, uh, you know, beating a favorite and sort of like a slight, uh, I think, a co-second choice or third choice. Like you said, maybe we can get uh, a good start to some of the exotics there as we jump into the Saturday card. Good card and uh, you know you get a little bit of everything With these graded stakes races that we're going to talk about As we begin with the grade 3 Tory Pines here The um, this, is a, this is an interesting group because there's nobody That's really like all that proven um, You've got I'm So Anna Who won a, a Calbred stakes race last time out um, You've got Private Mission Who is a, a multiple winner But last we saw um, Kind of just hanging on going 6 But Forrest Caraway was pretty impressive in uh, in her first start at three, um, you know, the inside two horses wouldn't shock. Lissette improve going long. There's just no like absolute monster in here. It, it you know it's sort of an uh, interesting group for a, a Grade Three race and different directions to go. Where are uh, some of the horses? Uh, some of the fillies you're looking at in uh, the Tory Pines? Yeah, I mean, I felt I felt this race was tough for all those reasons, right? I mean, private mission, we can start there because she's likely going to be a favorite. She has run some of the faster races. Uh, my concern with her always just going back, I think maybe even before she she started, was distance. 
Um, and so stretching out for the first time around two turns, she's obviously fast enough. She's, you know, has class. She should be able to step up, especially, you know, in this spot being a grade three, but does have that, you know, stamina test. She mm-hmm. wants to be forwardly placed. She's on the outside. There's other horses in here that have shown early speed, whether it be long or short. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, it's weird because I, I, I don't know. I'm not necessarily against her in this spot, but I'm just because of the lack of depth of like, where do you want to like take a stand? But um, I'm not sold on her as like a solid favorite. And then Forrest Caraway is kind of a horse. Like I was, I was sort of talking about earlier about, you know, she came off the layoff was super impressive, ran a new top coming back as a three-year-old showing a much, much improved effort from her uh, juvenile form, which is good, which is what you want to see with, with three-year-olds. But um, now she's going to have to stretch out around two turns for the first time. Was that race a race she can build off of and hold her form? Or is that a race that's going to kind of put her back as she comes back in 20 days and now does something new, you know? Because, I mean, again, I had no knowledge that that was just an excellent race. But but in all things, you know, considered, it's like, is this the right spot and for she her? And she got a great opening. You know, it was it was a good effort. Yes. But every, it, it was as good. As like perfect of a saving the ground Getting the trip, getting the race shape You know, just kind of sitting behind uh, Horses that are lining up and setting it up Really well for you, that doesn't mean she can't Step forward again, but at a short-ish Kind of price, where she's gonna have to She's gonna have to Probably step forward again and do that going Longer, like how, that's where you start to ask Like how short do I want to take With with those kind of factors And in 20 days, and I think that timing does matter You know, you talk about the inside horses And Lady Mystify, I made as my top pick in here Because I just, you know, going back to her her debut Actually, I made her a today's best bet When she took a really tough beat at Los Alamitos I just, I love the way she was training I thought she had a lot of ability um, And ran a good race I mean, did all the the tough work And then just came back a little bit too quick In her second start And then broke her maiden going going around the ground she did so on the front end but again it was a compact field i think it was just one of those where where the class of the field let's just go right and then she's given time comes back at del mar and i think probably having this race in mind you know coming back for a second half of the season and again she won on the front end but was one of those just kind of like Let's not get into trouble. Let's just kind of see what happens, put her in the race. She's not one to me that is, you know, a need the lead type. She obviously can run fast and run fast early and, and hold her speed. But I think that she has some some gears and mm-hmm. uh, should give, you know, Giroux some options. Again, Pratt going um, to ride for Balfour on the outside. And then as far as Lizette, this is another one that's like, She's she's slow. She's on the slower side, but she is improving. She's shown mm-hmm. ability. And again, going back to that debut that was green um, and had some issues there and been able to improve with each start. Um, she's coming off a perfect trip. But again, she's another horse. that's like she's proven around two turns and she's on the improve like that's that that carries something in a race like this. Yeah, I think. You, you you've kind of we've kind of mentioned the three that I'm probably the most intrigued by in the exotics. I'm OK. Probably playing. I think I prefer Forrest Caraway to Private Mission. Um, of the two of them, I just think maybe Forrest Caraway can get the distance more. That that's me personally, but I completely agree. When you when you come back off of the long layoff and then you come back in twenty days, that concerns me a little bit. Um, I guess what the the counter to that would be, it didn't feel like she had a hard trip. She kind of got a great trip, or she sat, got an opening, moved through. I don't know how maybe how hard she had to run. Um, 
But so I do. I think I kind of drift to the two inside horses that I like even a little bit more um, than Forest Caraway. But that they'll probably use combinations then. And you mentioned Lisette. I really agree. Like, yeah, she's slow and she got a good trip and she does need to improve a little bit in, in here. But that really that was her first start going longer on the dirt and her sprint start on the dirt. That race has come back loaded. She's one of mm-hmm. three next out winners. See, Dreamer came back and looked really good. Zydeco Mama came back and looked really good in there. So that was a, a small field, but it was a, a tough little group. Um, I think she's just she's in a good spot here. I don't really have concerns with her getting the distance as I might with with some of the others in here. And she sat close, but I don't think in this race she's going to be sitting as close. I think she'll probably be you know maybe three or four lengths back here. Yeah, the I mean, the pace scenario was tough to tell because when you have those stretch out sprinters, it's like they they obviously mm-hmm. have speed right in order to compete at those sprint races, but you don't know what they're going to do when they go long, uh, yeah. whether they want to be forwardly placed or not. You know, so it's like on on optics plot, this is one of those like weird combinations that we'll talk about with people where you have the the contention being a snowflake where you don't have a lot of E runners, EP runners, but you have a high speed rate because you have those sprinters. So it's weird, you know, with a horse like Lizette and even Lady Mystify, um, like where they're gonna be in running. Yeah, yeah that's a great yeah. point. It, I'm I'm not I'm not really that high on I'm so Anna. Um Who's no, stepping I in? Think, yeah, and and mainly because that the way the the race she won last time out, just when you when you follow the races on a circuit and you know particularly, so she was in the fleet treat, and there were three the top three choices in that race that day. They all had some sort of trouble. Um, they just. Two of them had slow starts One of them closing remarks just didn't really like the dirt And ran just kind of like okay on it She's going to be back on the turf again um, We'll talk about it in just a little bit And it was like So the, the Fifi Pharaoh and Eddie's New Dream Were both in that race They both beat I'm So Anna in the Melair And then they they both had slow starts Fifi Pharaoh was like down on the inside In the rail had a bat. So now I look back at that race and go Okay well three horses who probably had a better chance to win all didn't get the greatest trips and I'm so Anna just kind of ends up right there so I'm I she's gonna have to prove it to me in this spot yeah I mean it's it's class too I mean you're stepping mm-hmm. up against open company versus state bread her other race that she's in a similar spot the sweet life and then granted you know just in terms of class obviously surface and distance a little bit different but just from an overall impression of her race, like she just wasn't on the level of those horses. So she's good. She's quality, but for this spot, not so much. And similar for day plan just looks a little bit overmatched. I mean, she was best of the speed at at Pleasanton and uh, in her most recent allowance race. And this is a big step up and speed figure wise, she hasn't quite shown that progression. Another big change in distance for her. She's going to stretch out from five and a half. Yeah, and she's probably going to have I'm so Anna and private mission to her outside breathing down her neck, you know, which won't won't be easy with two yeah. other pace pressures. So, um, yeah, the uh, the Tory Pines here, it's it's a race where these these races as much as races where you love a bomb where, you know, the favorites aren't overwhelming standouts and you kind of feel like you can poke some holes in them. So uh, this is actually the start of the rainbow pick six. I never play the rainbow pick sixes unless it's on a. Mandatory payout day like it's going to be on Saturday So it might be fun if you have a few bucks to at least Even take a a small swing because uh, It will be a mandatory payout and you're going to get Some real quality throughout the pick six Sequence too with I think five of them graded Stakes races so uh, I think we covered the field pretty pretty much anything Else you want to discuss in the Tory Pines before we move on No I'm I'm ready to move on Let's get to the Del Mar Mile race number seven This is a cool race Because it's just a it's a short field But you've got some good horses in here. You've got Mo Forza, who 
was I mean, this is a horse who's a five-time graded stakes winner. This is a horse who got really good last year, and he was going to head into the Breeders' Cup with, you know, like an outside shot of a, a kind of now horse who probably wouldn't be as good as some of the East Coast or, or you know, Euros, but just a real, like, nice horse. Then he got hurt. Now you wonder, will he be ready? He has not run since October. Peter Miller can obviously get a horse ready, but this is not an easy spot for him because he faces Smooth Like Straight, who is Excellent at a mile and I was a little Frustrated with his trip last time out we'll talk about That more in a, in a second and you Got hit the road who is a Grade one winner who beat smooth like straight And what what's kind of interesting about Hit the road is he really seems Like he likes this kind of a layoff He's fired some big races off of Two months five months and seven Month layoffs and this is kind of right in that Wheelhouse he raced in April maybe A little Overmatched and maybe just not quite as good Kind of didn't get the best of trips A little farther back than he wanted at Keeneland I I thought this was a fun race For just a small field because there are At least three really really Legitimate horses and then I have no Problem making cases for You know a neck count again Maybe next year's is a little behind as of now Even a Neptune storm with speed on the inside This is a, a quality Del Mar mile yeah, um, it is. And, uh, you know, you mentioned hit, hit. Well, I guess my opinion in this race, kind of like the way I'm going to be like approaching it is I'm going to be against smooth like straight um, in this race. It just, you know, too. from a value standpoint and it being a compact field, and I think there's other contenders. And I just don't think in terms of a, a race shape, it's going to necessarily set up for him because. Um, I, I do think Mo Forza is very live in this spot, you know, Miller coming back. Um, and I think he's very well met. And I think that's why he has um, Neptune Storm in the race, because Neptune Storm is not going to let Smooth Like Straight uh, have it soft on the front end. I mean, they'll they'll push or they'll send and they'll make Smooth Like Straight go. And then it, and then that helps out uh, more Forza in a way, because he can he can have he can show some tactical speed when he needs mm-hmm. to um and be able to kind of get over from the outside. So that's sort of my my opinion there is, you know, smooth like straight is one I'm just I'm gonna try to beat using more Forza and using hit the road because he's just he's super quality. He's another horse that can put himself into the race. Um and then, you know, count again. Um I, I'm not sold on this trip and this distance for him. Uh, I think he is better at the nine furlongs. I think he ran as well as United in that race, just Mm -hmm. had to close against the flow and just didn't set up for him. Um, But he's a closer. He's got quality. He's grade one placed as well um, and has solid grade one races. So I would be using him um, to some extent. But uh, yeah, that's kind of just like my, I don't have any real strong like win contender opinions, but my one opinion will be to not use smooth like straight. Yeah, I'm. He's he's frustrated me a little bit in a, in a couple of his races because I think, um, I think when you look at him, you can kind of see like his best weapon is his speed, and I get I don't like it um, as a gambler as a handicapper when the speed horses end up getting really rated. Mm-hmm. You can you can tell in in like three of his losses. He's gone sub 48 to the half mile and he's lost anytime they try to go really slow with him. Um, you know, the Eddie Reed sits, goes slow when he probably could have gone, you know, a lot quicker and been a length in front. And what he did in the Eddie Reed was funny because it, it really changed the entire complexion of the race. It actually kept United in a race. I was, I was trying to beat United there because I, I think he's a little bit better just going longer when he can kind of lope along and 
I was expecting them to be going quicker early because smooth like straight was in there. But when he kept them going 49, you know, to the half, that was able to keep United to kind of lope along. And it took a horse like count again, kind of out of the race, like you referenced. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's as good when he sits second, smooth like straight. He doesn't, he just doesn't seem like he can do it and he's going to fight. And it's funny because I'm like nitpicking a horse whose losses have been by a neck, literally, you know, literally by a neck. But, yeah, he but just, his losses have been, they've been perfect trips, though. They have. And those are races that, like, you know, when you're getting a perfect trip, like, you don't get an, you don't get a pass for losing no. by a neck. Sorry. No. So, you and know, you're those getting, races you're getting are the jump. Win. You're getting the yeah. jump on everyone else. And so that's what worries me, like what you said about the presence of, of, of Neptune Storm here, is when he tries to sit, sit, and then go, he just a lot of speed horses, they're just not as good as when you let them get out front and they get to cruise, even if they're going faster out front than two, like two full seconds faster. So I am I'm cold on smooth like straight. I like hit the road very much in this spot quite a bit. Maybe even a horse who I would single in some exotics. I do agree that Mo four. I prefer Mo Forza to smooth like straight. Um, now smooth like straight's probably better at a mile than the mile and an eighth. He's probably a little bit, you know, that's probably a little farther than where he wants to go, but. I yeah I I he burned me a couple times I'm sure he'll come back and win this one nicely I, I guess the wild card for me is really like Neptune Storm is there an opportunity that he can sneak away inside and if Smooth like Straight tries to you know sit off of him a little bit which uh, Rich Bully's done with him does he have that kind of does he have the race in him to beat a group like this um, but the more I kept coming back to this race I just I feel like it's a real good spot for hit the road. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, as far as like, if it's Santa Anita, um, you know, a course that just like can carry horses that are a little bit short on class and speed, like a Neptune Storm in this spot, you could maybe upgrade. But I think this Del Mar course isn't quite as favoring, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of like let More horses honest. kind of get yeah. out. Yeah. And um, and and again, I, Neptune Storm, he's he's a good horse, but he's not. He's not on the level of of hit the road, nor nor a stable mate. Um, and I really think that the presence of him um, in this race. I mean, the last race, the Wicker, that was his race, right? He just yep. it's set up perfectly for him on on paper and the way it worked out on the track. And again, that was kind of the spot. And he has his purpose in this race. And I I don't think it's to win. I guess he could if he got lucky, but sure, I, yeah. I don't think that's the intention. It's just to make it um, easier. Make it honest enough for Mo Forza Which would also make it honest for Hit the Road You know, which yes, would give this yeah, horse absolutely. The kind of trip that he wants saving behind Horses, and like I said, just seems like He fires, which is Which I gotta give a credit to, cause it, it this, It's hard when you're a Small barn to really Crank your horses up for First time out, or off of long Layoffs, because it sounds Silly but it's just simple like you're a small barn You don't have a lot of horses like you know Every one of them you got to be very Careful with you know if they get Injured and they miss some time like that's money That's serious money that you're going to be missing so you got to Be real careful he's done a great job with This particular horse in in That he's had some issues because he's you know He's only run six times but he's He seems like he's kind of mapped out A plan pretty well and, and every time he has This horse has responded well and, and has Really um really come off the bench um You know feeling good so uh, a shout out to Dan who who has managed this horse in in, in, in I think an excellent manner. Yeah, um, and I, I I will mention one more thing and more for it just for people that are gonna listen to this and they're gonna you know a lot of people are just making a really big deal about Lasix on Lasix off and the one race where 
uh, Mill Forza ran off Lasix was the the Pegasus turf. And I don't, I, you know, he didn't have a good trip that day. He was extra wide and it was rank. And I, those factors were more in play than the Lasix. So the fact that he's running off Lasix is of minimal concern. Completely agree. It just seemed, yeah. it, it was just a bad race in general, like yeah, a put yeah. a line through race, you know? Right, um, right. I don't think it's something you can look at and go, oh, he doesn't, it's Lasix. No, completely agree. If he was on Lasix, he would have been able to overcome that extra wide trip and being ranked like and the travel uh, and just you know coming off. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. There were a lot of other factors. So yeah, the layoff that followed. Yeah, there's yeah. Okay, we can. And I think because it's Peter Miller sometimes too, because he's mentioned the Lasix thing. You know, like I think it'll get overblown even more with him because he's he's mentioned it with CZ Rocket and other horses. So I just it doesn't seem like a factor to me at all. If you like Mo Forza in this spot or you don't. Uh, don't don't use that as like a major uh, like the, one of the reasons why you will or won't play him. Yeah, I would I would make I would make the Lasix prove it to me. You know what I'm saying? That's like a great way of you know it. that would be that's that's how I'm approaching it. We are now going to approach the Grade One Delmar Oaks, which is race number nine. We've got three year old fillies traveling a mile and an eighth on the turf course in here. So the local horses. Who have been sharp You've got Going Global and uh, Madoni They were 1-2 in the San Clemente uh, They've uh, been In some stakes races uh, You know in a lot of these Four two-year-old fillies and three-year-old fillies For this group uh, So they're the local top horses to beat and Then you've got uh, horses coming in One for Chad Brown Fluffy Socks Who wouldn't really be that big of a surprise in here. He's he's she's kept some good nice some nice company over on the East Coast. You've got an import from coming in from Ireland in Soaring Sky. Um, you know, you've got closing remarks who's back on the turf now, Javanica, who's maybe a little bit intriguing here. Feathers, another one who steps up for Peter Miller. Where are you looking to start in the grade one, Delmar Oaks? Oh, let's start with the horse that you said is intriguing and Javanica. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I have no knocks on going global or Madone. I, you know, I thought Madone looked the spot for her last time. She's certainly Cape on here. Going global, the same thing. Um, there are ones I'm not going to try to play against, but Javanika at a price is going to be the key in this race. Um, I just funny I, real quick. I, I knew when I was handicapping this race and and was like looking at this horse and and also I'm going to make the top pick. Like I I knew that you would at least be somewhat liking this horse because she just. When we talk about races, she just looks like she fits really well. It's not even like she got the lead last time and there's not a lot of speed in here, sure, but she doesn't need the lead. It's just the way she comes into this race with with yeah, Madoni and Glowing Global are great, but I I knew I even made a note down here, like I bet Emily likes this horse. So that's that, that's funny. Like I, I, I can can get a sense now from talking to you so much over the last couple of years, but go on and now <laughs> sell us more on uh, on Javanica. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is, you know, go. I can go back to, to her debut last year, you know, falling at Arlington Park, and I'm like, wow, she's, this is, she's really good, you know, and I liked her in, uh, at Woodbine, and that glorious song was a really loaded race last year, and she, just from that point on, has not done anything wrong, I mean, you see those second place finishes, but, you know, with optics, when we do the note, which obviously, like, details kind of what happened in a projection, whatever, and we give an optics grade, which is like a grade for the entire performance. It just kind of shows where the horse was on that day, if they were competitive, below, above, you know, 
and earning a B in all those races. So earning a B in graded stakes races and, you know, even the El Camino Real Derby, which, you know, produced a, a Preakness winner, I believe. So, yeah. you know, some quality races there. And then the Santa Anita Oaks, you can give a pass. She was wide. It was the main track whatever and then she has a complete pass where she had an excuse in the grade three senorita just traffic and legit trouble and i think that's why they put her on the lead last out because Mm -hmm. let's just avoid trouble and we have a good horse and you know let's just avoid trouble basically you know let's not have a repeat of what happened last time so if you just excuse if you excuse you know the dirt race the senorita excuse there's nothing wrong with this horse and then we can go back even further to Jimmy Durante, which is a grade three race. That was a better than looked effort. She was traffic, room, clothes. And the horse that won that race is F- Fluffy Socks, who I think is legitimate in this race as well. Mm-hmm. She's coming out here with with good intentions. But, you know, you just compare Fluffy Socks earning a B with that win, getting a, a great trip, great ride. And Havadika also earning a B. And the price is going to be completely different. And so just from that Valley perspective, um, you know, she's, she's just a must use. And those other ones that I mentioned again, I'm, I'm not against them going global, Madone, fluffy socks. Um, they're all uses. I think everybody else is a little bit of an outsider Ivy league, maybe a little bit for underneath, um, the shipper coming in. She had just hasn't been running against, um, you know, the tough kind of stakes company for a grade one here. So she looks a little bit soft to me. Um, but yeah, that's kind of going to be like an A in this race. Yeah, I, I, I like Havnika uh, uh, quite a bit in this spot too. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm pretty simple. When you see super sensational in the running lines, you know that I'm probably going to like this one too. But <laughs> you mentioned that uh, that that song, uh, that glorious song, way back at Woodbine. So when you see these horses, you know, early on in their career, and you know they have some ability, you kind of just start you follow them and you pay a little bit more attention to them. You know, especially a horse like this who, with her. Her trips that she got in some of the races She ran well a lot of the times I mean you mentioned Rombauer and then Soothsay, Soothsay is really nice It's a really nice three year old filly Remember she went over at, at Indiana and had that super Impressive win like she's got some quality to her Um the the troubled Trip no doubt about it in the Senorita She gets over to the two path from the Outside uh, but she's towards the rear She's about six lengths off and then she gets caught In between and really tight She moves wide into contention she has To check she has to take up she wasn't going to win that race. She could have been third or fourth and a lot closer. A lot closer. And you just don't know. Um, last out, great start from the inside. So then Pratt just goes on with it. It's like, okay, sure, we broke well. We're inside. We've got like a half length on the field. Let's. We know that we're probably one of the best horses in this race. Let's not get cute, like you said. Let's not try to get tra- in, in traffic. And she ends up holding off uh, Burgu Alley and Carpe Fortuna. They came back and ran first and second uh, just the other day in a first level allowance race. So that race has actually come back. Pretty well she's by no means in need The lead she's passed horses before And I liked it with that speed You know last time out I think she will be very forwardly placed In here because you look around like who's Getting the lead in here yeah, it no, it's, a, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Again, yeah, you have some some of these other kind of fuzzy types, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, having having that asset for sure, um, and being on the inside could certainly benefit her in terms of a trip. Mm-hmm. Just same thing, like break well again, tr- and then if somebody else goes, you can track nicely, and if not, just kind of try to go on with it. Um, from a class standpoint, I have no concern with her keeping up with this group. Yeah, I, I like her quite a bit in here, and I really agree. Like. With what you said about the others, going global and Madoni, I don't really have 
any knocks on them I just you know going global just really didn't have any excuses last time out um, Kind of got the, the great opening saved all the ground moved But maybe Madoni was just having the got the momentum built up a little bit more from the outside And was able to run her down late I wouldn't be shocked to see those two you know uh, flip positions uh, in, in here But I, I might even like fluffy socks a little bit better than the two of them in, in that you know I'm looking at some of the races that she comes out of Technical analysis isn't bad Two back, she's behind Cone Lima Who comes back to finish second in the Belmont Oaks Grade 1 and then won the Grade 3 Saratoga Oaks Cone Lima finished behind Santa Barbara Who is looked really, really good I, I just My only concern with Fluffy Socks in here is If we're looking at this race and, and thinking that Maybe it doesn't have all that much pace Signed on, maybe she doesn't get the greatest Race shape because she's not really quick no, no, she's, you know, and sometimes you can kind of go like, well, Rosario will kind of change a horse's running style, but I would be hard pressed to see him do that with her mm-hmm. in this race. She is yeah. more of a kind of one run off the pace type closer. Yeah, she is. Um, but it, it's it's a fun race. I think I, I actually agree exactly with what you said, too. Outside of those four, I would have to be reaching a little bit myself. To try yeah. to come up to come up with the winner there I think it's it's one of those that we mentioned Between uh, Javanika going global Madoni and uh, and fluffy socks And just depending on how you know How you're playing the race is what your approach Is going to be the one horse that Emily and I are very high on and would would recommend Throwing in would be Javanika who will Be the best price of all of them and so Even if you are using the others At least throw uh, Javanika in there to, to Try to spice up some of your exotics Let's get to the Pacific Classic we uh, have two more graded stakes races to discuss The 10th and the 11th And the Pacific Classic Grade 1 mile and a quarter million dollars up for grabs You've got some of the local horses Who have been uh, performing well Like Express Train uh, Royal Ship Tis a Magician who's been going a little bit longer Then you have Dr. Post Who is shipping in for Todd Pletcher You've got you know Independence Hall who's kind of been back and forth and, and all over the place This is a pretty wide open group too um, You know Express Train Is probably You know as honest of the Local California horses As there as there are He may not really want The mile and a quarter all that much Or he just hasn't been quite as good um, But this will Probably be pretty close to what the morning line Like I think you'll get a bunch of horses In the like Three to six or seven to one range Yeah um, I I would imagine Express Chain is probably going to be the favorite Sort of by yeah. default I agree. Um, in, in this race and, and he's certainly you know he's certainly Capable but you know it is It's it is a contentious Race and it's one of those races that If it was at nine furlongs It would be like a totally different race Like mm-hmm. handicapping and the fact that It's that it is this classic ten furlongs It makes a lot of these horses uh, vulnerable vulnerable or yeah. or they just have to get like really lucky which mm-hmm. is possible because there's so many of them that don't want to go 10 furlongs to be like well one of them could get lucky under this scenario sure you know because express train i mean i'm i'm on the express train like i am a fan of this horse i like this horse um but you know he's he's shown vulnerabilities at 10 furlongs and you just you know you have to keep that he's run good races but that is that is a factor for him, and I think he's coming into this race the right way as well as he could possibly be. Um, but he's going to have to, you know, t- tackle that hurdle. And similar for Royal Ship, he's not a horse that necessarily wants to go ten. Um, 
but he's got class and he's got speed and he's coming in second off and can totally step forward um, in this race. And then Independence Hall is the same thing. Like he's another horse that's probably better around one turn. But, you know, if he's sitting on his best race and a couple of these other horses don't fire, uh, it's maybe, good you know, yeah, maybe, yeah. You could, maybe he could do it. And it's then kind of like fall that, into the trip yeah, that he needs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of these other horses, I'm going to kind of go out of order here a little bit. But, you know, Tis a Magician is just not a horse I've ever really been all that sold on. I think sometimes when they run these horses at the longer distance, it's not necessarily because, oh, this is a horse that just wants to run all day. But it's like, this is a horse that isn't going to compete with horses that are milers, that have that more brilliance, you know. So that's the case for... Yeah. Yeah. They can kind of grind and stick around and, you know, Tis a Magician kind of fits that bill perfectly. And, and Cupid's Claw, he's been able to kind of get away with some minor finishes just due to some distance limitations for others. But those two are a little bit short on class. Uh, Magic on Tap, I could probably put in that same conversation as far as distance and not being the class. And then so some of these horses that are interesting, I mean, Dr. Post, he's uh, quality like he's run good races in grade one company he's a horse that looks like he wants the added ground so to me he's just kind of like checks the boxes even though he hasn't gone 10 he looks like he could get it and you know coming into this race he's been pairing up races and improving um he's shipping in for Pletcher Rosario's board you know there and then Tripoli like I you know you know, I'm not a pedigree person. I think everybody probably knows that about me. Mm-hmm. And so I look at a horse like Tripoli and I'm like, well, they probably were like, he's a kitten's joy. He wants to run on the turf. And so they kept him on the turf. And then finally they moved him to the dirt and he's like a totally different horse. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a case where it's like, this is, you know, he's a good horse, but has he wanted dirt all along? Because his most recent two races are much improved from anything he's ever run in the past just in terms of speed figures and visuals. So just coming into this race, he's third star off the layoff. He's progressive. Seems like one that just in terms of distance, I'm not as concerned as I am with others. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to use him in this spot just because kind of everybody else, I, I've kind of got some knocks yeah. on. He's got more upside and he's got a little versatility to him too with his running style. You know, from I I like being down inside, he can, you know, he he probably shouldn't, he won't be too far out of it and and should be able to like, you know, save ground and get a nice trip down in there. And like I said, I just, I don't love anyone in here. Um, You know, and I, I don't love anyone at this, against this group going a mile and a quarter. If it was a mile and an eighth, I would single express train. I, I probably yeah. would and just, and just say like I think But I do have some honest concerns About him in the and he got a really Great trip last time out and he does get good Trips in, in a lot of his races because he He makes those trips he has a really nice Kind of tactical running style to put himself right Into it he can sit you know in the two or three path Just off and 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 you know Give himself an opportunity he He did just like legitimately Hold off royal ship royal ship Ducked down to the inside and express train Kind of put him away Late and it was actually Tripoli who was sort of gaining on express train towards the outside. Um, I, you know, I, I'm wondering what the the pace shape is going to be like here, and that's the only reason why I might flop a horse like Tis a Magician in in like a third or fourth horse I use in some exotics is if he gets the lead in here, maybe he'll be tough to pass on the cutback. I just I don't think he can sit. He, I would if he gets if he opens up by like two, 
then then sure. But I don't even know if he's fast enough to do that against this group. I'm I'm just a little worried. But I do love Pratt on him because Pratt is someone who might do that. He's one of the few jockeys who will just be like, yeah, you know what? Let's just get aggressive with him in here because I don't think he thinks he can sit off and and maybe close with some of the better horses. I just I keep coming back, I guess, to Doctor Post. I don't um like I. I guess he I just have the least amount of knocks. The, exactly, I have the least to, to dislike about him. Um, you know, when you go through his career, he's done very little wrong. You know, and he was always kind of highly regarded. He was in a really good maiden race right off the bat behind Greenlight Go. He comes back, he wins a couple, and he wins the stakes. Then they throw him in the Belmont, the shortened up Belmont, the mile and an eighth. He's behind Tis the Law. He comes back and he's behind Authentic in New York Traffic. Like even Mystic Guide, who that was the. That's a race that you can probably put a line right through Where Dr. Post is favored in the Jim Dandy But Mystic Guide came back and, and was was really good And so that race looks a little bit better with time How good Mystic Guide has, has been since then um, He comes back and in his three starts this year He's won two graded stakes races And in the one race where he didn't really fire It was the Met And in that race he finished fifth The fourth place finisher was Nick's Go Who came back to win the Cornhusker and then the Whitney The sixth place finisher was Lexitonian Who came back to win the grade one Vanderbilt Next out, that was a loaded race Um, Yeah, he's definitely going to be On probably all of my tickets In here, I don't really worry Too much, he he hasn't proven it At the mile and a quarter, but I don't really worry About it with him, like I I Feel like I do with some of the others, so I think Maybe by default I, I probably End up with him as my top My top selection in here yeah, um, I, I want to go back and touch on the on the pace in here because I think Independence Hall is going to be your pace setter. That makes sense. That they should. Yeah, Especially I mean, Giro, who's a good pace rider? Like absolutely. This. And I mean, I just think because of the way this race shape is, um, because of the way this horse probably doesn't want to go ten furlongs. They know they can't pass some of these other horses. They've tried and failed. Um, so your best bet is to to get out in front of them. And I, I think, you know, that's going to be the best mm-hmm. bet. And I think that does kind of keep the pace a little bit honest. Um, Royal Ship is probably another horse that is going to be with Express Train in here wanting to get ju- the jump on him. So he's going to have to use a little bit of tactical speed. And I think Express Train will also try to be getting the jump on Royal Ship. Yeah. So, you know, it does make it a little bit like tactical from that standpoint. But I mean, I think as far as his a magician, um, because that, you know, he has the inside, he's, his best races have been when he's forwardly placed. I think that would probably be the way to go. Um, and then, Maybe sitting off Independence Hall if he tries to go, or those two side by side with Express Train Royal Ship, kind of tracking them not far off. Um, Magic on Tap. I mean, he might be another one that like they have to go. This, this is a weird spot for him, right? Uh, it, it, I, I don't. I just. I don't never. I don't know what to what to get. Like, I can't get a feel for this horse because I can. I can toss this horse easily. Yeah, because, I just don't. Know, I, mean, I don't even know why he's in those, here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those horses, like, if it wasn't Baffert training, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, he'd look the same as Sheriff Brown, you yeah. know what I mean? And, like, to me, that's, if if Baffert wins this race, like, good for him, you know, whatever. But as a horse, like, he's slow, he doesn't have the class, too. he's, he's like, you know, yeah, you I mean, he, yeah, that's class. So it's just like, I mean, he's had those layoffs, and, yeah, I mean, so, I just, I don't, I, I don't have a problem, like... No. No, no, I, I don't completely toss to him. Longer. I just thought it was so weird because you generally don't see Baffert horses that are 30 to 1. You know, because for the most part, like he just doesn't throw horses in races like this for no reason. You know, they're usually like a top contender, but this horse just honestly seems to have very little shot 
to in here going this far. Um, I I can't. I just had why. Well, I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I I don't think there's much like in and well, I mean, we saw. I I could say really the same thing about Medina Spirit, and then he won the Derby. Where you know, it's like maybe we're not the best horse in this race, but this race isn't the strongest grade one point. in the no, strongest right. field. Who and what really else? Terrified. What else are we gonna do with this horse at this point? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so right. we're gonna run, but yeah, yeah, he just he was not one that i uh, I could get into my tickets, but yeah, we've we've gone through making cases either for or against horses that I mean wouldn't be a shock in Triple E Tis a magician, Dr. Post Royal ship, Express train, Independence Hall, like any of them wouldn't be like them or not, it wouldn't be absurd if they won this race, right. so that, that yeah that that makes for a fun again, makes for a fun race where you've got. A bunch of horses that you can make cases for and against. Nobody's going to be that overwhelming of a favorite. I do feel like Express Train deserves to be the slight favorite, whatever that is, five to two ish, or you know, and maybe in that range. Um, in the Grade One Pacific Classic, we'll uh, we'll see who uh, who takes one of the biggest races on the West Coast this weekend on Saturday. As we move to the eleventh and final race on the Saturday card, it is the Grade Two. Del Mar handicap mile and three eighths on the turf course here. United was the winner of the Eddie Reed going a mile and an eighth, and he's you know that's probably a, a little shorter than where he's ab- absolutely at his best. He's always done really good work going you know right around the mile and a half uh, or any kind of distance. You have Arklow who ships in. He's just one of those horses who I just have never really whatever the races are. I, I don't see him like I, I play him either. I'm either against him almost all the time. Sometimes it's it's worked for me. Others it hasn't. Um, and uh, you know, a horse like say the word actually has some kind of intriguing, really long form uh, going a, a mile and a half. Who are some of the horses that you're looking at to to close out the Saturday card in the Del Mar in the Del Mar handicap? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where you have to start, and we'll start on the outside with with say the word. I mean, this is a spot that this horse is is this is the race they were pointing to the nine furlong Eddie Reed, and keeping in mind that Count Again was in that race, and that was the race that Count Again was meant to win. This was a good that was a good prep for say the word. This is a better distance for him. He needed that race. He galloped out super strong. So he's he's in a great spot. Um, we talked about well the race met. shape there wasn't very fast, smooth like straight, sat and could have ended up going a lot faster. That changed the complexion. It wasn't a distance yeah, or it, a race shape that was good for say the word at all. Well, it didn't it didn't even matter because they yeah. weren't trying to win. They were just yeah. trying to get him a race. So it, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I take that race with like a complete grain of salt. It was a conditioning race. This is the race that that he's meant to be in. Um, as far as as far as Arklo, um. I, I don't really, I don't want to say I have like inside information on, on him, but um, I, what I do know is they were looking to run him in a grade one over the summer and kind of looking, looking around it and ended up picking the United Nations and um, for that spot. And he had legitimate trouble, bro- broke slowly, clipped heels. He was lucky to not fall um, and, and was probably going to run, you know, in the mix. Like he was making a good move at that time. Um and so they're going to run in this spot. And, I, you know, I don't think that's a bad move. He's going to come back in 35 days. But, uh, you know, he was cranked to win that spot. I, I think he's he's in this race um, to compete, you know, and he's fine. I'm, I think he's he's worth a use. He's classy and has the stamina. And I prefer him over United. Um, United is just kind of one of those horses where he gets perfect trips and that's when he wins and when he doesn't he doesn't and 
he's going to be a short price in here. Um, he had that perfect trip. As you mentioned, he was able to sit a little bit closer to the pace. His form looked a little bit uh, suspect before that. He's had those layoffs as of recent. Uh, and this is only the second time or the first time this year that he's going to come back in less than 56 days. So, you know, just uh, just in terms of value, I think there's other horses in here. I prefer those other two. Um, but the horse that I'm interested in and going to use at a price is number two, Crossfire Hurricane, because going back to the Shoemaker Mile, watching this horse, that race looked like a prep, looked like a race he needed, um, broke slow, just overall visuals. They weren't asking for run, just kind of needed needing that race. The stable mate one is the favorite. Um, and I just I love the way he's been training coming into this race. Um, I think McCarthy has him just going absolutely as good as he could possibly be clearly going to get tested in here but off that one brace that looks terrible um and you know his form being overseas probably going to be overlooked in here and i i I prefer him over masterpiece uh horse i've just you know he's obviously run faster and has the has the form that's stateside um but i just haven't been that thrilled with his races um overall and i you know at the price and at the timing crossfire hurricane is a must use in this race crossfire hurricane at a big price for emily uh mentioning uh say the word who will be on uh yeah a lot of my exotic tickets too just feels like a great spot for say the word i've always been kind of that way with united like he he needs the perfect trip and he gets it a lot of the time because he's going you know able to kind of sit nice and, and in the clear in these slower races i just in in a the race actually kind of a couple other ways to go. So this isn't he he's gotten the benefit of being in some really easy SoCal spots also. Um and you know, I don't think last race he actually beat a, a decent field in the Eddie Reed. Uh this is another decent field. I'm you know, I, I think I'm right there with you. I Arclo and United, I'm both uh, eh, like, you know, if you want to use either one of them, I'm not gonna really talk you off of them, but I don't love them and they probably won't be uh, like my tickets aren't going to be necessarily built around them. Uh, the one horse who I'm going to be using in a, in a lot of spots in this race is Master of X Hounds. Um, he's he's proven at Del Mar, and I think when you go through his form, sort of you know race by race, you can make some you know legitimate excuses for some of his poor performances. In his first start at the end of last year, 2020, he came into the U.S. for the first time, and um, he didn't run all that well. But it was his first start. You know, in, in a few months, his first start in the U.S. And then he stretched out, and he went a mile and three eighths, and he was very nice. He won, and he did it pretty impressively. And we didn't see him show up again until February. He came back with a win. Then he was in the San Marcos, going a mile and a half. He was not far behind uh, our two friends that we just mentioned, United and Say the Word. He's got a little bit more tactical speed um, than Say the Word. Then in the the last two races. He took on legitimate grade one company on, on May the 1st. He was behind domestic spending and smooth like straight who were both next out grade one winners. Um, and, and they just got better trips and master of X hound is proven at Del Mar. He comes back in the June 5th race in the Manhattan. Um, Tribuvin is the next out grade one winner. Uh, Gufo won a, a stakes race next out. Rock Emperor won an, a second level allowance, then was second in the grade two bowling green. Those are two strong races that master of X hounds comes out of. And he, you know, he settled in a seventh, six, seventh, about four off. He made a four, seven off. He made a big four wide bid at the top of the lane. Um, and then he faded late. It, he actually got into it and then tired. He's had a little time off now. Um, I look around the rest of this field and I think he's got a little bit of upside still, kind of lightly raced. 
Um, give me Master of X Hounds as a horse who I'm going to use in some uh, some late exotics here to close out in the Del Mar handicap. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I think he's a good horse. Um, I just I'm not crazy about him for the distance. That yeah, that's, yeah, that's no. sort of all. And I know he has to win at it, but a win going 11 furlongs at Allowance Company is a lot different. And that's just you know losing ground late. But Absolutely. you know, again, at a price, I'm I'm not going to talk him up. But yeah. I you know I gave him a look for all those reasons, and eventually kind of uh, went elsewhere just because I'm not sold on the distance. Master of X Hounds. Crossfire Hurricane, a couple of pricey horses that we're uh, willing to use in the Del Mar handicap. Uh, we both seem to to settle on say the word though, as also a like a, a really well spotted horse in here that you probably want to include in a lot of your exotics, and uh, not quite as high on some of the horses that might take a lot of money here in this eleventh uh, and final. So yeah, I mean, uh, pretty pretty solid group of uh, five graded stakes races that we got to talk about, and I like how you know they're at the back half of the card. Um, you got a couple that are like shorter fields, but they're they're all either good betting or real quality, which is which is kind of what you want when you're playing the race horses. And I think we get a, a little combination of both of those in these stakes races. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that with these races that are as we're as we're talking about them and going through them, that are competitive, and there are these horses that are short prices that are certainly capable. I think that's the difference when you're, you know, you're gambling and you're trying to make money is try to have opinions, uh, you know, so yeah, yeah, you can cover all those horses, but at the end of the day, that's going to be not even at the end of the day, but for overall strategy, it's going to be kind of a, a losing way to, to kind of take some stands, make some opinions, um, be right on them, you know, and get paid. And, and I think that that, that these payouts can often be good, even if you don't get, you know, those big bombs that come in, but you take some stands against, you know, some shorter price horses and get that third or fourth choice, uh, horse in, um, it's it's they're worth playing. The kind of analysis that you hear from uh, Emily when she joins us on that's what she said. It's just like a taste of a fraction of uh, all of the stuff that uh, Emily gives you, and all the way that she, the ways that she kind of handicaps and gets her opinions together. Um, all of the uh, the work that she puts into it, and all these different race tracks. And I can promise you that if it's uh, the Grade One Pacific Classic at Del Mar, or if it's a five thousand dollar claimer um, on a, on Tuesday at Indy. You look at the race with the same amount of importance and the same amount of respect uh, because, you know what, I've kind of always felt this way uh, from when I was having to cover 15 racetracks in a five-day span and three different breeds. A 5-to-1 or 10-to-1 is 5-to-1 or 10-to-1. doesn't really matter where you get it. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, my my play, my style is – it transfers to whatever, you know, whatever the situation is because mm-hmm. I'm handicapping class, speed, form, pace, doing that day in and day out. And and there's opportunities in, you know, sometimes, like I mentioned, that Wednesday card at, at Indiana Grand um, are there because I'm, you know, following these horses and following that circuit and using that form and understanding why certain horses get over bed. And, and those, those opportunities are there and the, I I like races of of all different kinds. <laughs> I think I had asked that recently. Like, what you know, what what races do you like the best? And I, I you know, races I, that have bad favorites. I, mean, too, yeah, I, I was know. gonna say I'm I'm the same. Like, I I just I don't have like I'm equally as excited to handicap like a, a, almost any kind of race. Obviously, like the big graded stakes races and a Breeders' Cup day, you know, that's fun. But you know, I just 
I feel the same way kind of sinking my teeth into any card I feel like there's always an opportunity on each card um, To find some value And that's kind of the way that we play You know, we're we're always looking to, to play against the favorites You know, we're not people that are kind of looking Going, okay, here's the winner we want to pick We're trying to make the most money possible How can we get a big price into the mix here Where's the vulnerable favorite, like you said um, that That's that's where it's really fun, and that's where you know that's where we really have uh, our best opportunities to make some cash, and uh, we're gonna do that for you this week. So Emily, uh, let everybody else know. Oh, and obviously too, if you're uh, if you're someone who is ever just you know you you want to look at a track, or maybe you're playing a track and you need a little bit of help, or you, you maybe you don't have a whole bunch of time to handicap the races, the optics plot. The tools, the the comments, those are things that will really save you a lot of time if you're out there and you're handicapping. Because what, what Emily does a lot of that work for you, you know. And then when you listen to our shows, a lot of the time, like I'll I'll try to do my best to watch all the do all the replays and chart work and all that handicapping. But that's what's a really nice tool with optics is that it will you can use it in any way, but it, it can really help you save a lot of time with your handicapping. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I there's obviously like circuits that I cover, but there's circuits that I don't, right? Like I'm not covering Saratoga right now. I'm not doing the notes for Saratoga, but I feel as comfortable jumping in and using optics and using the information that's there to play races at Saratoga, even though that's not, you know, my personal notes, you know, it's like, oh, I, the data is excellent. The information is excellent. It's on point. Um, and so it just, it cuts down the time because if I didn't have that, um, I would either one, not play Saratoga because I wouldn't have the time to put in the, the work in order to do it mm-hmm. right. Or, uh, handicapping a card and doing all the notes is, you know, would take me four hours versus yeah. four minutes. It, you know, I will... can go through an entire card in like less than 20 minutes and I, you know, the time between races and I feel pretty comfortable whether I'm going to pass or play that race. And even if you're someone like me, like for me, you know, like all of us as horse players and handicappers, you know, like you put a lot of time in, you feel very like strong about your opinion and what you see. Um, I think a lot of times we get like too egocentric in the like not wanting to take information or this or that from someone else. Because for me, like I love listening and watching to as much as possible. I think you can learn from from everyone, either a positive or a negative, what to do, what not to do. I like that. I'm uh, that's probably not something that's going to work for me. Like for me with optics, what's nice is like I can look at something there's something that I can see in a comment line and that will make me go back and watch the replay that I may not have done. And that's that's a great way that I personally use it as a tool because for me I'm a big replay. I like to go back and watch them myself and see the trouble and see what happened cuz then I feel a lot more warm and fuzzy in my stomach about knowing who this horse is and what they are. But a lot of times it's not in your normal running line. But that's something that you or whoever is doing the notes there at Optics will Will make a note of and then I can go Oh you know what I wouldn't have seen that if I was just Quickly kind of looking through and not Being able to watch everything and now boom That triggers me to go watch that race Or look at that chart and I think it's All about like using the information That's out there in the best way possible you don't Have to just blindly follow everything Everyone says or change Your opinion because someone else likes a different Horse it's just it's about Getting the information and using It for you know however best Fits your needs Right. And it's about processing information. So, you know, there's a few of us that are on the team, like I'm, I'm looking at uh, John is doing optics focus, which is like our analyst tool at optics that 
we sort of have beta, but we've been rolling out for race of the day so people can check it out. And I'm looking at his, you know, at his notes that he's put in for these races that we just discussed. And, and, you know, both he and I are looking at the same data, but it's interesting because our opinions vary in certain ways, you know, for the most part, we're pretty much in line with certain things, but there's, you know, there's more nuanced information. And I still think people think that with optics of like, well, I want to do the work. I don't want to use optics because I like to do the work. And it's that's, like, trust me, you're still going to do the work. Yeah, like, that's me, you know, that's you're still of, putting in the work, but yeah. there's, there's a certain point where it's like, do you want to watch replays for all these horses? Um, I can tell you firsthand, you don't like it yeah, it's, is. It's ridiculous, if and you think, if you especially think you do, if you want to play five different tracks, forget. You it. might think you do, or you might do it on a day or two, or a big day Correct. or two for all those stakes. But if you really like, call me at three o'clock in the morning, you know, on the middle of the week when when you know it's relentless. Like I just thought, you're right. Like that's that's the reason why uh, a lot of us and. Optics does that and I'll, I'll try to give you trip notes and stuff because it is it is very time consuming and you know some of us are crazy enough to do it you know we're, we're maniacs some of us are maniacs and we'll do it and so we'll, well try to yeah, yeah so we'll, some of us are, are paid to do it otherwise exactly. you wouldn't do it otherwise yeah, <laughs> yeah. no and, exactly and, and we'll so try to uh, that value onto you exactly we'll we'll help you out there uh, Emily give us some of your plugs for uh, all the work that you got coming up and where we can find some of the stuff you'll have this week. Yeah, so since we're talking about it over at Optics EQ, um, the race of the day, which is always free and it gives you a tool, you can get a chance to see Optics Focus, which is an excellent way that uses optics information to kind of um, kind of give factors as far as, you know, class and speed and form. And then um, an acceptable odds line as far as, you know, transferring that into play. Um, so that's available every day. And then for subscribers, whether you're a daily, weekend, monthly, annual subscriber, um, on the big race days, we've been putting up the focus kind of for those late sequences, pick fives, pick fours, pick sixes um, for Saratoga and Del Mar. So that comes with it um, at Optics. And then um, as far as Brisnet, I'm doing daily selections for Del Mar, daily selections for Indiana Grand. So if you can't get enough of my work, it's up there eight days a week for between those two tracks. Uh, Woodbine, we have to talk about Woodbine. So um, follow on Twitter, hashtag BetWoodbineTB, and over on the, the handicapping page on Woodbine. It's a big race weekend at Woodbine. Sunday, Queen's Plate, Queen's, right? Queen's Plate on Sunday. There's, I, I think they're running 27 races that day. <laughs> so there's <laughs> plenty of action um, on that card. I, I haven't looked yet. I'm saving myself. I'm going to look at it nice and fresh tomorrow. Um, but that's up on the website. I'll have some opinions there as well. And to anything else I missed, I am sorry. And the uh, the command center uh, where you you can usually get a lot of uh, links to the stuff that you have out there on social media uh, is just aware on Twitter. Yes, uh, at Emily Optics EQ on Twitter. Emily, thank you so much. Uh, I, I tell you every time, but this is always uh, one of the the best received segments on, on that's what G said. I think people really enjoy the the process and the conversation. There there are um, you know so for some reason. We have had like really good conversations We just kind of flow when we talk about the races I think a lot of times we look at them similarly And even the races that we have completely different opinions I enjoy hearing your process And uh, kind of explaining my process to you And kind of bouncing it off of each other Horses we don't like That we're always kind of incorporating price in there So I think I, I always enjoy it I get good feedback And I think it's a good way for people to kind of get a feel For how you know a couple different people handicap races And how they kind of get through a card yeah, great. I, I enjoy it as well. And I it 
warms me even more to hear that people like listening as well. So that's that's excellent. You know, I will come on anytime. Thank you, Emily. We'll uh, we'll get you back uh, for the uh, the closing weekend of, of Del Mar in, in a few weeks, and we can talk about things at the very end and some of those big stakes races. And uh, good luck this weekend. You got so much happening. Take a, a few minutes, take a breather, and then get ready for tomorrow as you handicap the thirty six races for uh, for Wood Biden and the Queen's Plate. For, uh, for <laughs> all right. Sunday. Thank you. Good luck, everybody, this weekend. Thank you, Emily. There. Make sure to give her a follow. Check out all the great content that she has out there. Uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We still got plenty more here on. That's what she said. A big thank you to Emily for helping us out. Fun Saturday on tap over at Del Mar. Best of luck. And before we get into wrestling with Chad Cooper, I want to let you know about our friends at sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A, candles.com, all natural soy candles, uh, free from the toxins and the carcinogens and the other leading candle brands. That soy wax candles makes it healthier for you. And the promo code G-I-N-O saves you a few bucks, 10% off your purchase. C-E-R-A candles.com, a great gift for someone, friend, significant other, a family member, sarahcandles.com. Let's get into this week in wrestling, a huge week coming up. So Chad Cooper helps out. We preview SummerSlam and we go through all the matches on the card and talk about how those matches have been built. We do the same thing for NXT TakeOver and then we get into AEW, Dynamite, Rampage, the CM Punk News, everything going on in the world of wrestling. Recording this on Thursday at uh, around 2 o'clock, you know, 3 o'clock Eastern time or so and I gotta say... No hyperbole here, here, folks. You know Chad Cooper, who joins me every week for this week in wrestling. We talk every week about everything going on, so it's not as if we're not watching, you know, the product week to week, and we haven't been watching the product our whole lives. Um, but this week in particular may be the biggest week in professional wrestling in, I mean, 15 or 20 years, perhaps even more. For the first time, there are two actual. Television programs on national TV getting ratings in the millions. You throw, you know, the NXT brand in the mix too. It's also getting ratings up in the 700,000 range. This week, we had Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night NXT, Wednesday Night Dynamite. As of last week, we had the first episode ever of AEW Rampage. So now they have two shows they have a Wednesday night. And a Friday night show on their debut Friday night show last week, they actually had Kenny Omega lose the Impact Championship to uh, to Christian. Then on coming up this week, it's very likely that on Friday after the go home show for SmackDown, that's also the Monday was the go home Raw, Tuesday for for SummerSlam, Tuesday was the go home NXT for NXT Takeover, which is on Sunday coming up this week, and then Friday is the go home SmackDown and. Rumors for the last couple weeks, Chad, have been floating around. They have done basically everything possible but announced that CM Punk is going to be there. We all are led to believe that CM Punk is going to be at Rampage on Friday. Then we're going to have a WWE pay-per-view SummerSlam on paper. It looks fantastic. That's on Saturday. Then on Sunday, we're going to have the NXT TakeOver pay-per-view. Then on Monday, we go back to Raw. Tuesday, we go back to NXT. Wednesday we go back to Dynamite and it's another whole row. I mean, this really is as much and kind of as important. Like CM Punk coming is a big deal. SummerSlam this year is a huge deal. Back with fans, all these shows leading up. This is a crazy wrestling week. 
You said it. I it took think, me two minutes just to explain yeah. the stuff. You didn't even get a word in yet. <laughs> you know, there's five. There's basically five shows between two really companies that uh, we talk about each week, and then you throw a massive pay per view in on a Saturday for WWE. Oh yeah, that's gonna get a different feel to it. You know, of all things, with John Cena returning, and then Sunday night NXT. Um, the supposed turn of CM, uh, your return of CM Punk on Friday night. Uh, I don't know if you can think of any other time. I, I mean, look, we go back in the the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, that's got to be WCW, right? Because there's never been like TNA tried. And you know what? When yeah. we look, we look back at some of the TNA on Spike TV years. You know, um, they're actually probably sure. better than than really the, good. They, than people thought then because they were never going to beat or hold up to or be able to compete with WWE in the ratings, but they actually did pretty well. They they hit the million mark a lot of times when you look back now. Like they had some pretty solid rosters too. You know the AJ Styles of the world, the the Samoa Joes of the world. There were a, you know really good um, TNA rosters, but they never they never felt even at their biggest as much as AEW has felt. And you know for. Oh. Positives, negatives. If you love them, if you uh, if you hate them, they are the biggest national wrestling show to be on the TV since WCW. And I, you know, you and I, we don't love the. I think one thing that that if, if you listen to this show a lot, you could probably get the sense that like the thing that bothers me and Chad the most, I think, is like the 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 having to compare everything, you know, or having to like. AEW did this or WWE did this or back and forth You know it's like we can either just like or not like something Based on it just being wrestling you know and not who did it Because we're going to for both companies But it is it is pretty crazy the the support and the fan base And the excitement that there is for AEW too um, Which is, is something that you know as a wrestling fan Even if I don't love all of it all the time I I'm very glad there is another major wrestling company like this for us to watch TV for us to see a lot of talented people that we want um you know show up on uh, on TV. So, really cool time in the world of wrestling right now. It's a lot, but uh at the same time, um you know, it's two different a lots, especially yep. if you, if if you take NXT out of it. Uh WWE SmackDown and then AEW, it's really two different Worlds, it seems like, and you know what's really, really interesting. You know, Rampage debuted last Friday, which was live. Uh, this Friday, it's live again, from my understanding, and I think yours as well. This is eventually going to be a tape. Yep, I think they're going to do a lot of it after Dynamite, right? Um, have the crowds there already, and sort of. So you- the buzz of taped shows are never are not near as good. So my thinking is, I if CM Punk really is coming back tomorrow night, if I wanted to get a massive number, would you care if they just surprised it and he shows up because you thought he would, or do you make this announcement? I would have announced it. CM Punk returns. I I would have too. I see, and and I what they're doing is cool. For the wrestling fans All of the people that are already watching 
are going to be watching and they'll they'll get a little more like I'm predicting we're talking on Thursday they got 740,000 last week I think I I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the 900,000 range okay with with the buzz of people that are like oh there might be CM Punk but if they announced that CM Punk was coming I think on any show at least the first time they would get that like 1.2 you know like a really high one of their highest shows because what would happen and I think Raj Geary from uh, over at Wrestling Inc Posted this what would end up happening is There's still a lot Of people that on we we Think of everything as like On the internet on Twitter You know right think about how many people That are either watching That that aren't just Hardcore on Twitter that that's A lot of people that are just that Are still wrestling fans that aren't necessarily As hardcore but they might have They might have seen something if If CM Punk was Announced that would be something that would actually be like that would be an alert on ESPN, right? Like CBS Sports would throw an alert out there, you know. Like Raj was saying, you know, all of the wrestling sites would write their articles about it too. So anybody else that didn't, everybody would say, "Oh, CM Punk's coming. We're going to do a little piece on CM. Oh, CM Punk. He hasn't been in, in professional wrestling for you know this many years. CM Punk went into the UFC and this and that, and you know his his wife is CM Punk has been starring in new movies. You know, there would be a clip on shows all over, and they'll get. And who knows? Maybe they're they're doing something strategically different because whenever he shows up, they'll get the bump on the show after too, right? I think, and then it'll probably start to settle settle in somewhere. But I'm I'm pretty surprised. I thought they would tease it for a long time, and then like last night, I thought they would announce it. Yeah, because SummerSlam is Saturday, the next yeah. night. I would take SummerSlam's headlines. I guess they think they're going to do it anyway on Friday. Friday. I would have taken it Wednesday, All week long. Everybody would just be talking about this all week long right now. Especially because, like, the Dynamite show wasn't anything spectacular this week. It was fine. There there were some fine, a couple good matches. But it was almost like they purposefully didn't pack the show. And, And that's one of the things that I have been... Um, I don't know quite like questioning because I totally understand if you're a company that you've got a couple big angles you're waiting on and you're waiting to set them up for big moments or whatever. But I gotta say, for like one of our our, our actual gripes sometimes with AED AEW is that they have they have a lot they have a lot of things they could do. They really do have a lot of of people there and a lot of cool things they could go to. It seems like the last couple weeks, especially when they kind of went in a different direction with Paige, and now um, I don't know this show was and this show was just sort of like a placeholder kind of show. It was like they're kind of um, I don't, like spreading out their big things instead of like the th- that was the fun part of of AEW is that you know it's kind of relentless. It's just boom, 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 boom throughout the night. So they are they do seem like over the last couple weeks they're maybe. Changing the way they're doing things And maybe that's because of the second show Coming in Maybe they can slow Yeah they definitely pulled back Right They had five matches Wednesday night Yeah A ton of And only five matches A lot more Really really Promos right And like backstage stuff Which is Which is fine It's um It it is And I I don't even know Because it just feels kind of new I don't even know if it's a good or a bad thing yet We'll see how it goes for them Building their feuds and stuff moving forward It just was sort of noticeably different For a show that's always been like Boom, 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 boom Wall to wall Now it it feels like They kind of know Okay, hey, we got another hour here of TV That we can at least maybe um, You know, 
spread some things out a little bit and let them breathe and try some try some different things. And hey, you know what? Some things will work and some won't. So I give them, um, you know, I give them credit for trying. But I don't love. I'm just never a fan of in any situation when someone or something is hot, you go with it. Right. And, and I yes. never, I never like pulling back on a hot wrestler athlete. Someone's playing well in your lineup, man. You stick them in that lineup. Right there's a there someone scoring in the first quarter and and they they score twenty points in the first quarter and normally you might take them out right then you don't take them out yet you know <laughs> like you give them another couple minutes till they cool off like I'm always right. riding the hot hand because you know why you never know when it's gonna get hot again correct that's what that it's not like we're when you're talking about people in particular we're not talking about like a video game that you could set up because you can't just Cool people off and heat them back up Automatically Um, That's what worries me so and People get injured you know things Happen where it goes oh damn we Had that set up down the line but now we can't Do that because he's hurt and we got to tweak things I just like going with stuff when someone You know when you can that doesn't mean you Can't tell a long-term story long-term Storytelling is great but that means when you Built someone up to the point where they're sort of Hot I think you go with them we'll see How AEW will deal with the The two shows now as uh, we'll start this week with WWE And the way we're going to go through this week Will be just a little bit different of a format Because there's so much to talk about We're going to go through the projected SummerSlam card And then we'll kind of discuss each of these feuds And, and what's been happening on their you know, Raw or SmackDown uh, As of late to set up the feud So if you want to follow along with us We're going to look at the uh, the current Or the projected card for this week's SummerSlam first Then we'll do the same thing for TakeOver And then we'll get to AEW and recap uh, Dynamite at the end So Coop, I mean on paper Looking at this What will, what will likely be on SummerSlam Um Nikki Charlotte Rhea for the women's title Haven't loved the build all that much But this match should be good Roman Cena, everything's been great Lashley Goldberg, don't love it But it's probably going to be five minutes or under Usos Mysterios Should be fun as hell And really good Bianca Sasha is going to be awesome Probably the most excited for anything on the show Of Edge versus Seth um, Damian Priest versus Sheamus He should get a great pop if he uh, pins Sheamus And wins the title there Drew Genders, hopefully this is kind of an elongated squash For Drew, you get Alexa Eva And then AJ and Omos versus RK Bro, there are like five Between AJ, RK Bro, Edge Seth, Bianca Sasha, Usos, Mysterios Roman, Cena I'm legit pumped for all of those And even the like the women's match That I don't necessarily Love the build I think it's going to be good The the same thing like Damian Priest That should be fun Wouldn't be shocked if we see Nakamura Who's your new IC champ on this show somewhere But um, before we even get into The specific match by match One thing I think to discuss is The Saturday of this show as you mentioned And because of the the timing of the show It's earlier They are going to have like a hard out So this isn't going to be one of those Five hour elongated shows They're going to have to be really tight with this thing And ten matches on paper um, It was still A smackdown to go Uh, We've got it you know We've got AJ Omos and Randy Orton and Riddle that was added from Monday night we got Alexa and Eva uh, That were added Probably will be short of a match I thought I mean You mentioned Nakamura You know, last Friday night on SmackDown, him and Apollo Crews was one fantastic match. Really good. Really good. 
And the crowd's thought, into Nakamura again. You know, they, they, they are. They are. And I think it was. And yeah. McAfee, you know, McAfee's McAfee done that. that up. And he's helped a lot. I thought maybe that could have been put on this Friday night SmackDown or maybe a pre-show. But, you know, you said it. The thing about it is the show is earlier. You have 10 matches. And you've got a couple of these matches that are not going to go very long. There's no way. And I've got the opening odds, too, which are somewhat a little interesting here. Alexa Bliss and Eva Marie probably will not get a whole lot of time. Don't you think? 100%. I don't think so. I don't think so. Something goofy with the doll with Lily and Dewdrop. Maybe she doesn't. You know, there was kind of the, you know, it's that match is probably going to be a blow off match after something is just amazing. I don't know which match you kick this show off with. Um, You know, you know, the Usos, Ray and Dominic is going to be boom, boom, boom. Or maybe you get the. Bro, bro, that that's a good kickoff. The first thing to get out of there, bro. Hopefully, they win the tag team titles. Yeah, they're people are hundred favorites, Gino. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So people hopefully are we get those titles go to them. AJ bumping around in the ring, you get everybody excited for bro. Maybe that's the way you start the card. And yeah, I think you're right. Just looking through the card, Lashley Goldberg under five minutes. Gotta be. Um, I would not be shocked if Drew Jinder. Is kind of similar And Drew just crushes him in like Four or five minutes and just beats him All over the ring and and Alexa, Eva as you mentioned So those three probably not Going to go long and maybe that's how the show Gets you know shortened Up a little bit because you look at the rest I mean Cena, Roman That thing's got to be in the 20-25 minute range At least you would think Edge And Seth is going to be like the 15 Plus minute range you'd think the tag Match with AJ RK bro is probably going to be in the 15 minute range You know the women's Both of the women's matches could be in that range So now we're starting to look at like There could be really real quality On this show And one match that I think Is going to be better Than the build Is the the women's match uh, with, uh, With Nikki Ash, Charlotte Flair and Rhea And I like all three of these women Individually I, I don't even mind the Nikki Superhero gimmick it's just something that we've talked about for the few weeks. It's felt it's felt like we should have had the the build and find out more about her and this almost a superhero thing before she won the title. And and then you know, it was like she's a new character superhero, boom, she wins the title and now we're finding out about her after winning. I don't really like that that vehicle of storytelling is, oh, here's the champ, now let's tell you about them instead of, you know, Let's tell you about this person and then they win This match should be great uh, They've the, and the, the only thing that's been a little frustrating is I don't love when any company will do this They set up a triple threat match And over the last three weeks We've just got different combinations of all of these women And so the matches that we've seen on Raw have been good The one Nikki Charlotte from a couple weeks ago was really good But I don't I'm just not as excited for it as I should be because I've seen it a lot and I, you know, the build just feels a little bit off. If I had to make a prediction here, I think they, I think they probably just go back to Charlotte, especially with the way, you know, Charlotte is, uh, you know, behind the scenes right now. Andrade is out in AEW. That's her, her fiance, right? Her husband, gonna be husband. That's, uh, Ric Flair who just showed up. In eight in AAA 
accompanied Andrade to the ring last week, jumped in the ring and punched a, a Kenny Omega and dropped uh, the figure four and was all over the place. And then Ric Flair, woo, was trending on uh, Twitter <laughs> yesterday for a fun reason that he even addressed. But there's been a lot of rumor about, you know, Charlotte maybe being someone to leave when her contract is up. And I, I just got to say, I feel like she might be the most important WWE figure right now or on screen. She, more than any person, if Charlotte were to show up in AEW, that would feel like, whoa. That's a game changer. That would feel, whoa. Because yeah. they don't have that depth with their women. No. She's felt like an, she was a WWE Lifer, they made you know they created from the beginning. They were always high on her. They pushed her. If she jumped ship and showed up, that would change things. That's a different story. But I feel like that may play into the booking a little bit here. You want to keep Charlotte happy, right? Did she? Do you give her the title right back? Yeah, just it's kind of felt like that Nikki hasn't had a chance really for us to appreciate her as a champion. It's like she hasn't had a chance to breathe. You know, on her own, and it's like, and she's lost a majority of these matches. Um, did, did she on SmackDown? Did did she win or, or no? She or Rhea. She lost. She lost to Rhea. It was funny as during the during the uh, the commentary. I, I I don't know if this. I think this was a. Uh, I don't think this was a, it was a work. I, I, Charlotte forgot Byron Saxon's name. Yeah. And yeah. just said, my, oh, my dad says you're his favorite or something like that. I'm like, what is, I don't know. It's just an odd time. Yeah, she's lost. You know, here's that age-old saying thing, though, right? This old wives' tale, if you lose the week of the pay-per-view, if you get beat down, you know, then whatever. you're going to win the, the old WWE booking to throw you but, off, you know. But Charlotte opens as a minus 160 favorite. Nikki's, you know, uh, right at a pickle, minus 100, 110, and Rhea's in the in the plus money range. I think they got it Not spot Rhea. on. I would be shocked if it's Rhea. It just yeah, felt I like. Be, I think these, it's spot on here. I think you give yeah. this title back to Charlotte and hope that Becky's ready to go. I really think that's, that's the, I, I like Nikki. I love this character. But it's not her fault. It's again, it's kind of like Rhea. You you bring people up, you don't give them a chance to to tell their story, and then they're just, they're stuck. You know, it's like putting two pretty people together on the dance floor. One of them doesn't know how to dance. It's like, oh, Elaine from Seinfeld. Yeah. You know, in the dance episode, right? It's like, wait a <laughs> Jerry's like, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing? It doesn't always work out, and it kind of feels that way with this with this Raw Women's title. What has been good on SmackDown has not been good for the women's division here. Asuka's not nowhere to be found. Maybe she was given some time off. Um, but if if Charlotte wins, you know, I don't mind a chase or two for a couple of weeks with Nikki or Rhea. But but after this pay-per-view and after NXT TakeOver, we have to start seeing some new things here. It's I think we're going like... to get a brand split. I mean, we're going to get the uh, the draft coming up soon, you right? You think so? You think I so? Think, I think it's coming soon. I think they mentioned it because it just feels like we need, right, getting someone like, um, awesome. you know, like an Asuka... Over to Smackdown You know to just throw her in the mix With a Bianca and a Sasha Or even you know flip flopping A Sasha and a Charlotte You know or just like moving one or two Of these pieces especially in the women's division Because they for as much as we Credit their women's division They've done a little bit better job of this They don't do nearly as good of a job as NXT Of building the multiple women's feuds You know they'll have like your title Feud and then 
you know, the tag teams, and that's pretty much it. So it it a lot of times it's like if you're one of the women that's in a singles and you're not in the title picture, you're kind of just floating around for a little while. Like it's kind of like waiting. So hopefully they can they can, you know, freshen things up a little bit in this division because I like all three of these women, but they just for some reason on Raw, it just hasn't clicked with any of them. And and the same, let's go to the SmackDown because I think it's clicked a lot better on SmackDown for these two. Bianca's been fine, even when there have been times where it felt like um, you know, she was it, it was kind of quiet on her end. She was never doing anything bad. Or or any of the stuff with Bailey never felt bad. Um and then Bailey got hurt, so she was she, they kind of had to put Carmella back in the um you know, the feud with uh, with Bianca But Sasha returns She's got the sort of heel um, You know, vibe to her Because she has to play that uh, with uh, With Sasha, or with uh, with Bianca And this one's a little Interesting to me, because while I don't necessarily think it's the right Time to take the title Off Bianca, if they Look around, and they want to Extend this feud, and have Like a rubber match, or a third Then maybe you do have Sasha win and and you have Bianca win it back in a few months, which is something they've done a lot of times with Sasha. You know, it's not like that, that would be anything new. They've had her win and then drop the title with Charlotte back and forth a bunch. Maybe maybe Sasha wins this thing, and then you have a you know a big blow off at Survivor Series in a couple months, or maybe they do it even in an Extreme Rules next month, or at a, in a Hell in a Cell match or something like that. Um, I I don't. Think it would be the the necessarily the right thing to do, but I I might go Sasha in this thing in, in this uh, um, match here. What do you think in the uh, the Sasha Bianca and how this has been built? Be, uh, Bianca opens as a minus two hundred favorite. Now, yeah. for for those who who really don't follow odds, Gino, you're probably better explaining uh, at these at, at these odds. So I will turn this. Yeah. So that means so. Over to you. So if she's what um, in this particular case, what do they have? What would they have? Do they have um, Sasha? Bianca's, yeah, but Bianca's minus two hundred and Sasha is plus one fifteen. Yeah, so that means if you're betting on this, that um, Bianca is the favorite. You'd have to bet two hundred. You'd have to bet two hundred to win one hundred. And yeah. then on the other side, if you wanted to bet on Sasha, you'd bet one hundred to win the plus one fifty or whatever she was. So they think that she's a pretty sizable favorite so far, although. In wrestling, you'll because a lot, especially if it's in a one-on-one match, you, once you see it getting up to like the minus five hundred and above, that's when it starts to feel like pretty heavy. So early on, I don't think this is that big of a no. Know, and, and what no? And what I thought was really interesting is was the end of SmackDown. Why Carmella and Zelina Vega are getting involved with mm-hmm. with Sasha? They didn't come out there. Just to watch, just to witness this contract signing, right? Maybe, maybe they did. There was, a, you know, we try to beat down here. Bianca got mad, uh, turned it on, was suplexing people all over the place. Maybe it was made to look Bianca, make her look even stronger, which I didn't think they had to do that. But I, Carmella and Zelina, Zelina has been on TV asking for a title shot, you mm-hmm. know, for the past couple of weeks and got a match with Bianca. Will they get involved? If you have the, because always look at this, always look at a pay-per-view and say, okay, not every title is going to change. So which titles are going to change? I think you are, are, are you and I both think that Nikki's probably lo- going to give the belt up to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I'm kind of, some things make me think 
that Nikki gets it back, but I'm kind of with you. I think Charlotte may get it back here, even though she had it for a week and it goes back. I'm not really sure, but if somebody wins it, it's going to be Charlotte. With this one, I, I, I'm up in the air. Me too. I, I really don't know if Sasha winning it, what it does, uh, if Bianca keeps it, what that does to Sasha. Sasha's not going to go away now. No. That come back. So they're bringing her back for a reason. I like the rubber match deal. I think Me they're going to have a hell of a match, and I think this is one of these matches that's going to get some time, or it should get some time. I think they probably look around and, and go and just, just kind of see the landscape. Go, okay, you know what? We can... It's it's always nice when you have a strong baby face like Bianca, who is very she's just very well liked. She yes. she does she does seem, and that's they don't do the greatest job in the world with baby faces. Um, it, it might be fun to have her chase again for another couple months. You know, be chasing the title, trying to get it back. She gets cheated out of it, like you said. There's some you know uh, a couple others come out to help. To help Sasha win because Sasha promises Zelina that and Carmella that she's going to give them a a, ta- a title match, you know, something along those lines. And then who knows? The, or they're helping her and uh, Tegan and uh, Shotzi try to come out and help save because there's a three on one, you know, and, and that sets up a tag feud with them moving forward. But they can't. Who knows? There's different ways they can go. Um, but I, I think it would probably be best to extend this feud. Okay. And if that's the case. If Bianca wins again, then why would we need a third match? Right. That, why that, do we need it clean? You know. Um. So, and I don't like the schmas with these two. I want a clean finish, or I, you know, I I wouldn't even mind a clean finish as long as Bianca's not tapping out to Sasha. But I do. A clean is probably a, a. I I want a finish in the ring more than like a DQ uh, is what I'm saying. Brutal, I don't yeah. want a DQ. I want. I don't want that. I don't want us to have a 15, 20 minute match. It's starting to get great. And then it's a DQ. If Bianca gets cheated out of her title and she has to chase it back, I'd actually prefer that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that is, uh, it's, I'm torn here. I really don't know, man. Me too. I, I, me too. You know, I, and, I and it's, 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 it's torn in a good way versus torn in a bad way. It's not like I hate this feud and I don't care. It's actually like, I think there are interesting ways they could go with either one of them winning out of this. I just thought it was real. I was curious to why Carmella and Zelina got involved last um, Friday. Who knows? We could get a two-on-one match. You know, this. You know, we still have one SmackDown to go. As long as you know, I don't think they're putting these two in a tag. I will say this: kudos for what they've done with Rollins and Edge and Bianca and Sasha. I, I just really don't know. Where's the other women's? I feel like, you know, it's it's. Nikki hasn't worked, but it wouldn't be surprising if, if Nikki kept that title. Um, I, I just, you know, if Bianca wins it, there's no third. We don't need a rematch next no. next Friday on SmackDown unless we're going completely opposite and Sasha's going to Raw and we're moving people around. So, Gino, you're on the clock. Who do you pick, Bianca or Sasha? Give me Sasha. And let's okay. extend this thing. I think that would be fun for, uh, um, you know, I loved what they did at WrestleMania. You could make the third match a huge buildup that could main event a pay per view if they want, you know, again, or have a big, real big one they could point to on a SmackDown episode if they wanted to pop a big rating there for for the women to to main event a show like that. So, yeah, let's see. Uh, let's go, Sasha, and uh, and extend this this really good feud with the women. Um, let's get to a couple of the other matches Maybe that are a little lesser uh, Alexa, Eva, we, we sort of t- touched on this I'm, I'm surprised they're even having this As a match on, on a pay-per-view It just, 
it feels like a real TV thing that they've been doing. Um, and I, I liked the Dewdrop Eva stuff at the very beginning, and then it seemed like <clears throat> they went away from it. And then again, they just picked it back up the other day where she smacked the crap out of her. Um, so I don't. Yeah, I mean the doll stuff. Like this is probably going to be one of my least favorite things as as long on the show, and as long as it's quick and it's not you know something that goes fifteen or twenty minutes, I'll be okay with it. I don't even I don't even know if this ends up being a match as much as it's maybe like an angle where they they're all out there, something weird happens, the lights go out, the doll comes on, and Eva is possessed or who knows, you know, something like that. Alexa is a massive favorite. You you, you talked about favorites. She's minus five hundred here. Yeah. I think Dewdrop probably. I don't know if she turns. She may leave the ring or cause Eva to lose. But this is something probably we have to get away from. As much buzz and hype Eva got on her return, such a bummer. WWE, it's been a huge downer. Her it's cold, uh, just ice cold. Never worked. Ice cold. So, um, yeah that that will. Uh, be probably one of the lesser sort of uh, Matches that they probably put after One of the yep. banger matches is kind of like a cool down spot you know um, Let's get to Drew Jinder uh, The one thing I, I th- This is actually Like an on paper When you think about Drew and what he's been doing For the last year You needed to get him away from the title picture You wanted him to still have a feud That makes sense This is probably a good one where you can get him a win over You know Jinder's not the biggest name in the world But he is a former champion And he is someone who did get pushed a little bit The only thing I wish they would be doing more about this Because this felt like a fine sort of placeholder feud For Drew before they decide Okay maybe Drew's going to go to Smackdown Or maybe they change things up I wish they would got, have just talked a little bit more About them actually like being friends And being in 3MB And Drew you know thinking that You know this was a really Bad time in my life and gender was my buddy What happened to you gender you used to be A nice guy you know it just feels like there's like Real stuff that they could have played on And could have been just made it a little bit More interesting than the sword and The the then gender gets A uh, you know motorcycle that We didn't even really know that he cared about um, I, I don't mind gender Having like the goons you know Veer and Shanky who are not Allowed out ringside for this match I believe but I right. I just Wish they could have it felt like with this, there was so much more they had for two guys that actually traveled together, were in this horrible 3MB group, and then both of these guys ended up being champ- WWE champions after. That could have been like a an interesting story to tell. Gender, I always knew I was better than you. I won the title before you did. You know, he could have had that. Like, they're really simple stuff, but they didn't go to any of that. That's where I'm just kind of scratching my head. Silly swords, uh, motorcycles that made zero sense. They did. They've done a pretty, pretty bad job. Uh, I think the match will actually be decent. Though yeah, it concern is Drew is a massive favorite. He's minus seven hundred. Sometimes those are your shorter matches. You know, I, I would think that Drew would get a little time if the crowd is not really into it. Um, I will say this. You know, Drew's popularity and pop has been there. There hasn't been a drop off. It's very true. And there's been several there's been several Monday nights where gender has got a lot of heat. So I think this may depend on the crowd a little bit. Drew, without a doubt, wins. I have a feeling if you do have a shakeup, I I would think Drew kind of feels like he may he may be going across the uh 
the brands here, maybe go to the blue, uh, blue brand, but you know, there's just some interesting things, um, that happens here. Um, the Veer and Shanky aren't going to interfere. Drew's probably going to win clean. I just hope it's not a jobber type match. And I, I agree. Like it may be one of those. It might be. And gender. Yeah. That's what they, cause you could have made this a little bit more of a feud. And if you would have done that, I think it would have, you would have felt like people would have, you know, thought gender had a shot here. If he's telling a story, you've got Veer and Shanky here along with that. Instead. Now they're not at ringside. There hasn't been much to the story at all. No. Like it's just they continue to feud with each other, but we don't really know much of why. I think there was something about a text message not being answered. Like you know, <laughs> it was like what? Um. So yeah, bummer. Because I still think this could be better in the ring, and I don't think it's it hasn't been like awful. I just in a vacuum, it's been okay, like a pretty basic build for a story, but it. This is a story that just has better stuff they could have gone to. I would have, I would have maybe preferred that approach. Um, we'll see what they end up doing with it this weekend coming up on Saturday. We get to Sheamus versus Damian Priest. You know, Sheamus has been injured for a little uh, lately, so we haven't seen him wrestling all that much. But he's he's been pretty good on the on the mic when he's when he's speaking, and and I don't mind this version of Sheamus. He was one of the unsung heroes for a while in the pandemic era when he was having those really good matches with Drew and some good stuff on TV, even with Lashley. Um, he uh, he said something the other day that made me really laugh. When he was on commentary and he's watching the the, the David Priest match and he says, uh, oh, "I never wanted to, uh, I never want to hit a priest, but I don't. I, I, I guess I have to, you know. Like he just said it in like a really funny, like, uh, uh, you know, I may have to hit this priest, you know. And I just it kind of made me laugh because I didn't, I never thought about priest as a priest, you know. Just, <laughs> um, but it, that, is, it was, that, that was a good catch there. It, it, it was. What's crazy with this feud has been you've had kind of Morrison and the Miz injected into it weirdly. Yeah. Just just very weirdly. Now, I don't think they're going to get involved. I I, I know we finally, you know, Priest basically squashed the Miz on Raw uh, this past week. The Damian Priest opened as as the favorite at minus 250. And I thought that's probably the right call because I think Priest probably needs this title right now. Totally agree. And I like I said that with the U.S. title in particular, I really like that one being on a baby face because I think Raw right now could really use the U.S. Open Challenge if if Damian Priest got the title and he came out and, and wanted to get over even more as a baby face and said, hey, I've got this title and I want to come out here every week and and prove it and I want to challenge open, open Challenge every week for everyone. And then, boom, first week you get Ricochet, you know, and then you get a – Cool 15 minute match on Raw with Priest And Ricochet that you know Priest wins Clean and they shake hands after the match And then you know next week you You know let's say they have the 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 draft you bring somebody up From NXT you know they have a match You know you want to debut An Adam Cole at a crazy spot You know at some just I love that open challenge with a baby face Because it just brings so many options So that's my fantasy booking For the future but I do still think even if they Do do that or not that um, Seamus doesn't need any titles Seamus can you can always put Seamus In any spot that you need him right So he can be placed into a main event You know match against uh, a, a champion you can place Him in the mid card you can put him into a tag Team if need be I think they value Seamus quite a bit as someone they can move around And Priest is you know one of their Newer projects 
they cooled off on him a little bit after the WrestleMania Bad Bunny stuff, but it's it's good to see that it was more of I think I think there was a little time period in there where he was hurt too, and I and I think it must have been like oh we don't really have anything a whole lot right now for you, but we do have something coming up, so let's just wait, 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 and he he's not in a terrible spot. I think Priest winning the crowd would go you know it would it'd be a good pop. And this, if this match gets like 10 minutes or so, I'm sure it should be really good. Uh, I think so too. I wouldn't be, uh, you know, that this is another match that could, could possibly open the show. Um, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people that are starting, you know, the mainstream main WWE universe. People are finally starting to get behind him. I think it was just kind of hard for a little bit because he was, he was stuck with the Miz and Morrison. And then on Monday night, he's back with the Miz. So maybe these two guys uh, put on a hell of a, hell of a, it doesn't match. feel like we just, we, and he had to do the zombies thing, you know, uh, and then it was, we, I, I, let, let him breathe with this. It doesn't feel like he's had to get, um, we haven't seen like a real banger of a match from him. No, on the main roster. This is, is going to be a very physical match. You're mm-hmm. not gonna see five star frog splashes. And now Priest has that capability. He's he can do that. That that guy can do all kind of sorts. Go this back is, and yeah. watch it, having um some of his NXT stuff. One with Finn Balor that sticks out Ooh, um, yeah. at one yeah. of the takeovers that was really good. So um, Priest is a big guy. He's got a good look, and he can really go. So. I'm yeah. I think this is going to be a really solid match. I'm I'm excited for this one too, as we move into sort of the uh, the top tier matches. Um, this could also be uh, one for the uh, opener: Usos versus Mysterios. Um, we could get you know Mysterios out first, big pop for the crowd. Could get a babyface win here. But the the thing that I keep thinking at one point is, man, they the Mysterios stuff like. So much of it has been so like white meat baby face, you know, <laughs> like I love you, dad, and this and hugging and just always this like, could we get a turn coming in there somewhere from like a Dominic turning on Ray? You know, that would obviously make more sense than Ray. Ray turning on Dominic would be hilarious. <laughs> you know, it would be whole, it would be hilarious. Son, you're not good enough, you know, whatever. But Dominic turning on Ray. Would make some sense if they lose him saying, Dad, this was my chance. You know, Dad, I think you're old, you're past it. You know, um, that could be something moving forward as a feud. I don't know if they're gonna go there yet, and I don't even know if that's something they're thinking, but I've it just has seemed for a lot of the times like when you when you're so like, Oh man, I love you, we're best friends, you're just a great, you know, that they're they're really like setting up the turn at some point. Um <laughs> It, this should be really good match 15, 20 These guys could be flying all over the place Like Dominic has I thought Dominic's been pretty solid so far He's been like solid in the ring He still looks a little green You know, like he's a little Not quite as fluid When you're in the ring with Ray and the Usos Those guys are always going to stand out a little bit more Because they're so damn good But I don't think Dominic like Drags any matches down And he's been he's He's played his role pretty well that he's asked. I'm now. I'm curious if they have more of a role for him, or if he is just going to be tag guy with his dad for a while. Um, either way, this will be a good 15. You know, if they however long they give it, it'll be a really solid tag match. 
Yeah, if you want to protect someone, if you really think they're still not ready, you, you definitely put them in a tag match. And you you said it. I mean, he he's done everything they've asked for. The, these it, It'll be a good match. It's probably nothing we haven't seen already because we've seen them before and we've seen the singles matches. But the Usos, solid opening opening line favorite of minus 400 here. I could see probably this is your opener, especially if Reigns and Cena. Uh, are going to be your main event because you know the Usos are probably somehow getting involved uh, in, in that match. So I'm all Usos here. And hey, look, I, I would love for that turn. I, I don't know if it comes here or down the road. Um, you know, it's it makes for compelling stuff because it's fresh. It hasn't something we've seen. You kind of still you kind of see that and feel that with Orton and Riddle a little bit. Riddle has just been so. Goo Goo Gaga over Orton, and then we saw him, you know, on Monday night when he thought they they weren't going to, you know, be together. He took his scooter, and we thought he was going home. So, you know, down the line, absolutely. I'd love to see and, Ray. I'm gonna, and this doesn't have to be a, like a WrestleMania-type pay-per-view. This, this could be, at a you know, a pay-per-view. Survivor uh, Series or, you know. Type. This this doesn't have to be a, a many one. Maybe they are going in that direction for them, and it's a slow build, but. You know, I see the Usos winning here, retaining their titles, but will be a fun match. We uh, will get to the other tag match for the Raw Tag Team Championship. This has been one of my favorite stories for a while. Um, Randy was off TV for a couple months, but then he came back in the last couple weeks. He's really felt um, fresh on Raw, and that, that it's amazing, right? Just a two months off for wrestlers that have no off season. How how amazing would it be for everybody to just to get what Randy got? A little, a little refresher, right? You know, you come back to TV, you finish up a storyline, you take two months off, you come back, and then you start something new. Um, Randy kind of had something going with Riddle all along, who was doing a really good job of like doing the the poses, and he was trying to emulate Orton uh, even when Randy wasn't around. And the <laughs> when he does the Randy, I just always laugh so hard. Um, down the line, like you said, we all just expect that it's oh, it's always going to be Orton. It would be really funny if, at some point, like I totally hope they win the titles. They should they should win the titles here, and they should have the titles for a couple months and have a little run with them, have some fun, have some really good matches too. Like they're they'll be great matches, and and then when they turn, I want Riddle to be the one to turn on Orton, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. Him yeah. and then do the and him just be like, damn you, Randy. You know, he turns it around. <laughs> Jeff Bacoli, you dick. Yeah, just great. Like that would be hilarious. So these two guys, I I really ha- they have great chemistry. Um, and, and everything they've been doing. At the end, he gave him the hug. You know, at the at the end of <laughs> Raw, he said thank you. You know, he said I told you to go away, but you earned my respect, and you you know you earned it. And, and he says, Randy, this is what I've always wanted. You know, it was just so funny. It, it was like the girl that he's been in love with. And um, so these two and AJ and, you know, with Omos, like you could tell that I think Omos, I, I saw fire back about a month or two ago at some people on social media who were ripping him. And uh, so what I like about that is it makes me think that Omos is at least motivated. You know, he's not just like a big guy that's there to yeah. catch a paycheck. He wants to get better. He wants to improve, and I think I've seen that from him in the ring. He he's figuring things out. He's learning. Heck, this is a guy that, um, him going to house shows now, he's gonna learn a lot. Yeah. He he didn't get that opportunity 
For a long time and now that WWE is traveling again He gets to go and work shows with AJ a lot And and you know probably working House shows with Riddle and Orton and learning from These guys so I expect him to continue To improve so let's do What both of us Would love in this match Win for Orton and RK bro And then we could get AJ Maybe you 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 flip AJ back to SmackDown too, and then you can put him right back into the main event picture when he's a singles because that's where AJ needs to be. He needs to either be in the main event or like your high mid Carter that's holding that icy title and and carrying it around, or just he just has to be a big part of the show in a singles capacity because he's one of your best performers. So I would love to see the Riddle Orton win, and then. You know, in the next few weeks, let's figure something else out for AJ, and and then even for Omos, right? You can start building Omos up like you did with Braun years ago with the squashes. You know, do it slow with him, have him squash one guy and then squash two at a time, and then you have him beating you know some real enhancement talent for a couple months, and then you start feeding him people. I think there's a lot of good things you can do with AJ, with Omos, and with RK Bro if they go in different directions here. Yeah, Omos, what started as the door guy for Raw Underground with Shane McMahon. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Kind of before that. But uh, Orton and Riddle, kind of a decent favorite here, minus 200. I'm 100% in agreement here. Don't let AJ and Omos win. And then on Monday night, we get Riddle and Orton win the titles on Monday night. That's what really drives me insane. You invest me all this time. For them to win it on Monday night, and that's what I, I want, you know, I don't want WWE yeah. to do, it, and they're notorious for sometimes of this crap, but mm-hmm. hopefully here we get the right finish, and I'm definitely all over I don't, Arcade Bro. I don't even mind when, the, the moment we, we want, this needs to be on SummerSlam, this is, a, this is like a SummerSlam moment, they win, they get a big hug. You know, and they're they po are riddles posing together, and everyone's chanting bro. And I even want to hear Orton chanting bro, yes, bro. You know, like that's a moment that you have on SummerSlam. And then if you don't have a plan for these guys long term, and you even want them to lose the next freaking night on Raw, I actually don't mind that as much when you give them the moment, like they did to Zack Ryder at WrestleMania. Yes. Yes. You get the big moment Perfect. on the big show, and then you lose the next night because they're going in a different direction. That'd be fine. It, and and it, it, I wouldn't want them to lose to AJ and Omos. Maybe it's a new team that comes up that wins, and then you split them up, and then you're going to have Riddle versus Orton as your feud. But the moment needs to be on SummerSlam, the big pop, the big yes. celebration for them. And so that might be the – that would be a really fun way to open the show, it feels like, right? Them, totally. Totally. Oh, them yes. coming out, you get a banger of a match, and then they win, and they're celebrating, and everyone's chanting bro at the end. That's a good, you know, 20, 25-minute way to start the show. And, and I, I think Omos can can be in there long enough to give AJ some breathers. AJ is going to do a lot of work. Omos can do some of these, you know, like bear hugs, chokehold type moves with with Orton and Riddle. But I'm with you 100%. If they lose the next night to somebody else, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But it's it's when champs retain and then lose it to the same person the, the next night which is, is like why are you getting them the, the, the match yeah it, we always ask why they're getting the rematch and and what's the point of building up to a big show because that's i i'm i guess you know other people tell me that i'm silly for thinking this way but i've always been one that was you know fashioned to believe in wwe wwf wcw territory wrestling 
from before heck lucha underground when i watched it tna any wrestling that i've ever watched independent promotions that have shows that build to a big show tv shows that have shows that build to a finale it always felt like things would build to the big day or night the big show and that's where you have a big moment um because WWE has so much programming and so much going on all the time and it's so fluid, it doesn't feel like they do that enough anymore. And I, I, I still miss, like, I like that formula, you know? And this, this feels like a big, really big show. We've already had it the does. big pay-per-view we tur- return, right, with the fans. But this, this is, this is your, one of your big two, right? There's WrestleMania, then there's the biggest party of the summer. Right, it's the end of the summer. It's not really your official start to WrestleMania, but that you've got a couple of months to tweak things before you get into that WrestleMania quote unquote season. And this is the time to have those big moments because that place is going to be packed and it's going to be rocking and it's on a Saturday night. You, you just got let Orton and Bro, Orton and and, and Riddle have it. There's got to be the RK Bro chance all night. Yes, long. yes, the um. Match that feels like it's sort of Maybe like an unofficial number one Contender type match uh, is Edge Versus Seth, Seth Rollins who are both Right below that WWE Championship and they they've been uh, Teasing that they want to be going for the Universal Championship and I think this is probably The thing I'm most excited for on the show I have loved the way this Has been built um, You know they teased it before the money in the bank match Then Seth gets involved in the money in the bank match And he costs Edge, his ti- he costs Edge a shot at the title And then the build up The promos back and forth Have been really good They've been addressing stuff from 7 years ago That they never do that kind of thing anymore Where they're like Oh remember in 2014 When Seth like teased you know, curb stomping you and, and could have really like ended your like career forever. And you, you let you, you know, gave me a chance to come back now. I love what they've been doing here. Um, Seth is Seth has really seemed to find this character better than he did with uh, the Messiah. Um, he still can be a little quirky sometimes with this, for which, which I don't mind. He's funny, but I, I, I like Seth a lot, and I want him to be a main event guy. So sometimes when you're when you're kind of goofy, doesn't you don't get as much in the main event, or it's harder to think of you as that. But this, I've loved almost everything about this, and and I'm really really excited and looking forward to this. So you, you you know you start going through pay per view matches at big shows, and it's hard to find matches where Seth doesn't really deliver and have a good one. And you think of you know. Of recent stuff with Cesaro You know uh, prior to that He was having good stuff with Drew You think of stuff that he's done along the lines With you know with Finn that was always really Really good um, Seth is is you know As good in the ring as, as really anyone In uh, in WWE at getting at getting That style so I expect this to be A really fun match I think it's probably best For Edge to win and then maybe Edge gets one more shot against Roman because you know he did get screwed out of his title. You could give him another shot there. And then Seth as a heel winning this match and then going after Roman wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I think if Seth wins this, he would feel like I got a title shot coming next. I think Seth still has to to have that come to to Jesus moment at some point where he. Eventually has to realize like okay I'm I'm the one that's going to take this from Roman or or that's what he'll have to he has to tell us I don't I, who knows if he does I I don't 
think this is the time for Seth to win. This is probably a great spot for Edge to get a good win. Um, crowd be real like really pumped, I think, for Edge here. And um to me, this is what I'm predicting to be the match of the night. Yeah, one hundred percent. They've done they've done this uh correctly, kept them to out of matches. Uh yes. Or you, you called this. You asked for this from the very beginning. What I want weeks ago. You said, yeah. I don't want tag matches every week. I don't want a one on one match where the winner gets to pick the stipulation. None of that. You know, don't give me that, please. Yeah, the, the contract signings, the kind of stuff that build ups that really doesn't, you know, uh, really matter. They, they've cut some real, you know, Edge and Seth have, have cut some really good promos here. I think every time Seth has that big pay per view moment that disappoints, I think he's wearing those white trunks. Uh, the O the O the HBK. So hopefully he's not wearing the uh the solid white pants there. Um Edge is a solid favorite here at the opening, minus three hundred. I one hundred percent agree with you. As much as I like Seth Rollins, uh, Edge probably needs to go over here. Uh probably needs to have one more run uh with Roman Reigns before they go in another direction. Heck, he may go to Raw, uh or yeah, may go to Raw. You you don't know. Right call here, though. It doesn't really do Seth any favors for him to win. He doesn't need oh, to win, and no. it, it definitely doesn't hurt hurt him or his no. character at all if Edge beats him. Not at all. Not at all. Hell of a 25, 30 minute match here. I, I hope so too. I, I think this could have potential to be just excellent stuff. And um, and then you know we're I, I'm thinking in my head SummerSlam or Survivor Series down the line, and who knows some of these guys are going to flip flop. But I think you could have a pretty fun like Roman, the Usos, and Seth team, right? In like a Survivor Series elimination yes. versus like Edge, the Mysterios, and maybe Big E or someone like that. You know, sure. like that. I that could be pretty fun. So. That's the next guy I want to talk a little bit about Because we're going to talk Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg uh, For the WWE Championship We saw Big E tease on SmackDown Cashing this thing in to Paul Heyman But does maybe he cash it in in this situation Because I think this match I gotta say Goldberg I don't have a problem with Goldberg in a vacuum In fact like We'll we'll talk about AEW in a minute. Like Sting's out there in a six man tag, you know, or in tag matches, you know, on raw. Like that's that's fine. Sting's doing cool spots, and and Goldberg coming in having a match is okay. I just don't love that it's for the WWE title. Um, and I don't, I you know, Bobby Lashley beating him, you know, cool. That'll be cool for Bobby. But does it does it do as much when we've seen Goldberg lose recently to you know Braun to? Bray, you know, to Drew I don't think he's got the same You know, he's got the same Heat as he did Right when he came back and it was sort of a bigger Deal to beat him Um, It'll just, it's gonna be what, Spear Jackhammer, Spear, Spear Like a few minutes of just I think this'll be They'll probably try to model it after the template That a lot of these Goldberg matches are Like the Goldberg-Brock match was Where it's like, hey, let's just go three or four minutes We're not even going to try to go 10 or 15 Let's do some big moves Some some hard hitting And that makes me think this could be a match Where something goofy could happen at the end If, you know, one of these guys gets squashed Or <clears throat> let's say Lashley, you know, wins But he's, you know, barely able to Or Goldberg wins Quickly but then right after the match Lashley and MVP Are pissed and they squash the hell out of him And then here comes Big E Does Big E get his money in the Briefcase back Friday night before From Corbin 
from Corbin. Or, or, or this is another potential disaster. Now we we're, we have we haven't got to Friday yet. And so right? that's a key, that's a key. I'm glad you pointed that out a few times because there is still one more show to build. We have one more show, so Big E could get that thing back. May not get it back. We may not see Corbin at all. Does Corbin try to cash to this cash thing? In. You're right. That's a great on, on Lashley. On, on Lashley, hell, hell, he's been on Raw. Does in Raw too? What? That's. I mean, we've seen Corbin on both shows. I, I mean. <laughs> Lashley is a massive favorite here, minus 600. I think you and I, look, there's probably some best bets on this card, uh, unless somebody's playing really funny games. I don't think Drew McIntyre loses yep. at all. Uh, Lashley or Reigns, um, I, I mean, who knows? They could give Cena the day. It, 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 it wouldn't. Uh, it, they're not. But um, I, I've seen crazier stuff. Goldberg's not winning your title here. If he does... He can't uh, win. I let's say that I would be less shocked for him to beat Lashley and then lose. I'd be more surprised if he walks out the the champion at the end yes. of the night. If you right? want to do if, a cash in, then then you have Lashley, him, let somebody new get that title. Yes, no problem. That's fine. With that. Goldberg does not need to be your champ right now. And and you know what? Like Lashley has done some good work, and I think it's sort of it's sort of their own fault because the Kofi stuff was actually pretty good. Yeah. And and leading into that, but then afterwards they went to to Goldberg. I mean, now we find out reasons why we wanted it to be someone like a Keith Lee, and we find out why it wasn't. So now that makes a little bit more sense. And um, you know, we look at this show before we get to the the main event. There are you know Nakamura, Paulo Cruz, um, the the New Day, um, Finn Corbin, yeah, uh, Reginald, Reginald. (laughs) Yeah, they all have not been announced for anything. So. Again, we could see them, but maybe we see them on SmackDown. Maybe, maybe they end up throwing an extra. I don't know how, when the pre-show starts, but this feels like a show that they probably do a two-hour pre-show just yeah. to make sure if they need anything else. Because yeah, they're going to have to be, uh, I think, right around three hours for the for the main show because they have to finish up early before the uh, the big boxing uh, event on on Saturday night out in Vegas. And the main event: Roman Reigns versus John Cena. This feels like a big match It's felt fun The back and forth, the feud Roman has just seemed really confident In the ring talking with John And John's been fun The crowd's been really excited to see him back He's definitely uh, brought An energy and excitement Into the product when the, the fans return So this should be a great Main event Where they go back and forth and the crowd is into it And I think there are going to be a few different times Where we think and it looks like Cena is going to win But I'd be really surprised if he wins this match Roman's doing great work This isn't the guy who you Again, crazier things have happened If you want to If Friday night CM Punk takes a bunch of You know, uh, of of (laughs) steam And you want to pop a Something and John Cena wins and he's your 17 time champion now, you know, and um, and you don't that's the record, that's right? the record, right? That's the record, especially with the flair stuff, right? Flair leaving. Does do they do something like that don't, to make don't say that? What did right? they do? Could you imagine that's totally, but then my, or the, my other buddy Darren Zocali, who does the old wrestling rewatch with us, said he's convinced that Roman's gonna have a um. A, a, a title reign longer than Punk's just to, to bump Punk off of that, you know. Probably so. He's probably so that, 
that's probably true. Um, but well, yeah. Roman's a massive favorite here, same as Lashley, minus, minus five hundred. Yeah, so yeah, okay, minus five hundred. It's it's look. There's going to be a lot of false finishes here. You're going to have some Usos out. I uh, don't know if the if anybody else gets involved for Cena. Cena has been. 100% absolutely amazing. Not that we didn't. We just didn't know if the fans would welcome him. Ba- over no, right I, now, man. Yeah. Dude, they, none, dude that promo. Not even last, any of the Boo and Cena stuff either. No, none of the Cena sucks. Like, they're just pumped to see this guy. The last Friday night on SmackDown, that promo face-to-face with, with Reigns, you ruined Seth Rollins. Hell, you ran off Dean Ambrose. What's I popped. It was fantastic. Then he made fun of his bright white teeth. And I'm just yeah. like, and Roman even kind of like, he cracked. He broke he did. He a, little bit. a little bit. It was bit. funny. He it was did. good. And it was Seth fantastic got pissed stuff. off. Seth fired yeah. back on him on Twitter and said, blah, 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 blah. you know, but it, just, <laughs> it was good. He's been excellent. This has been an this has been an excellent storyline. They've done fantastic with Edge and Seth, and this has been everything and then some. And guess what? Those are the two biggest matches that we're looking forward to the most, right? And they're both from SmackDown. And there's a reason why that storytelling does that too. There's a reason why we like SmackDown so much because when you have those stories on a a shorter show that's two hours, well, whoa! Now when the bulk of you know your major stories that are going to take up like at least. 30 to 45 minutes of that two hour show We like boom That makes a lot of your show You know better and then you know you add some of the other Positive things with Sasha Bianca and I am really excited for This weekend coming up and for Saturday For SummerSlam But on Sunday we get NXT Takeover And uh, we have uh, five matches listed For the current takeover card Um, On NXT this past weekend It was a fun show We saw MSK beat Imperium We saw Carmelo Hayes Beat the Duke So it's going to be Carmelo versus Odyssey In the finals for the breakout tournament Um, We saw more weird stuff Between Stark and uh, EO I just I I don't Ah, love it Awful It's awkward I didn't even put that in my notes Because it just gave me She feels so Like she just is so actory like yeah, everything I'm that she says, to turn. You talk about somebody who needs to turn. I think she I, probably needs to turn. Totally agree. She, yeah. She she in the nicest way possible, she comes off unlikable. <laughs> yes. And, and you know what? Yes. That is something that you need to run with in pro wrestling. If you're someone that's like the Miz and you know that people are going to boo you or people are going to find a way to just kind of like uh that, that's way better than no reaction. It's way better if someone's gonna cringe or go, oh god, or just boo. Like, <laughs> so maybe they go, uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe they go uh, all in with her. And then we got the uh, the indie proposal to Loomis. Oh, dude, dude, that, that, that again. That has been amazing. The the promo earlier in the night in the in the dressing room where there there's Gargano and there's Candice and Indy and Dexter. And he goes, oh, what'd you think about eating them kicks? And she goes, oh, he ate those kicks and still had room for pie. And Gargano <laughs> goes, ew. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and then there's the Austin Theory is missing poster <laughs> behind them. It's just been, it's been really good. And the proposal was great, man. That That's, that's, it's just good stuff. It's really, it's really, and, really good. And I, and I feel bad for NXT because on paper, 
this has the right to be a really good show. Yes. And there's just been because of the releases, the yeah. way that Cross came up to the main roster, and there's just been a bad buzz around NXT. The the, the idea that maybe they're going to be also moving to tape shows coming up soon. Um, it it's a bummer. It just it hasn't felt quite like it would feel heading into the old takeovers. And on paper, this still has the right to be just as good as any takeover show we've seen. You just a lot of people I think are wondering like what's the future of NXT and and it makes you a little bit sour when you know before we'd watch NXT and we'd see oh Nakamura and Finn and we'd wonder like when these guys come up, it's gonna be great and this and that. And now we don't think that as much. You know, we don't think that oh when this guy or gal comes up, they're gonna be awesome on the main roster. In fact, we think the opposite. We go, uh oh. Like you see someone that's great in NXT and you start to worry like, oh no, are they gonna get pulled up? Are they not gonna be as as well used? And um so that I think that's a little bit of a bummer heading into this show because on paper, I think, you know, Walter and Dragonoff, they did a really good job making Dragonoff look tough, like a badass. But why did he lose? Why did he lose to Pete Dunn last week? That made zero freaking sense. And you know, and this week with Roderick Strong, that kickoff match, that was really, really good. I that, like I mean, it, a lot. it was hardcore, it had blood, and then, it, you know, you have Walter get involved. I, I, I just, again, it made zero. And look, Pete Dunn's not even a part of this takeover. That's what just throws, look, and, and that's fine. There's a lot of people not on this takeover that, that maybe should be. Um, but why beat him? It just makes it just sounds like somebody's pissing in somebody's Cheerios. No I, I idea. Just, no. This uh, was to to go to the next match. This was exactly it reminded me very much because Dragonoff is an NXT UK guy who right. is good. Um, but he comes over and, and he gets beat by Dunn, who's an NXT guy. Um, I don't think Walter is gonna lose the match. Walter's been the longest reigning champ, but this should be fun because Dragonoff yes. is going to fly at him, and these two guys are going to beat the crap out of each other. But it reminds me of like with Cross, and now with what we've <laughs> seen for the Cross on the main roster the last few weeks, where he's won. Why did you have him lose ever to begin with? And then have a pretty good go home segment brawl with with Joe. It was really good, but I know have this asterisk saying he's just been embarrassed. On Raw, I mean, look, he squashed Jeff Hardy on Raw again, correct? We still don't know where Scarlett's at. Um, I understand why she wasn't out during the brawl because that got just kind of crazy. I, I don't know what what's – again, I, I, there's no really opening odds right now for NXT. Don't know if there will be on Sunday, but Joe has to win this title, right? Has to. Has to. Joe's got to win – for your new direction to get a little bit of uh, excitement, and you know, yeah, you've but already the ratings dropped uh, big time, about 100, 125, and that's a big drop. That's, that's a, a big, big drop. drop. And and I think again, it's because people hear, oh, NXT, a bunch of releases. Oh, yeah, NXT might end up being taped coming up soon. Um, I think AEW I saw was uh, in the nine hundred. I think yeah, they the, dropped. They broke their one million streak, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they were under nine. Uh, they were under the million point here. Um, and going continuing through our NXT card, we've got a uh, Raquel versus Dakota for the women's championship. Dakota's done some great work here. I love the promos that she's loved done it. to build this loved up. It. And yes. 
it's it, this has been needed for Raquel because she was sort of floating around for a while where she didn't really have a whole lot happening. And this this is good. This feud is is personal. I like where you know she calls her mommy, you know Dakota, <laughs> and then she uh, Ra- Raquel gets you know gets in and in, in some of the uh, the the Spanish here and there where she's kind of you know kind of cursing at her, saying things to her, and it feels a little real there. And you've got a good. The dynamic is sort of backwards, but it's a good dynamic in the big versus small. Normally, yeah. the small is the baby face and the big is the heel. This time, it'll be a little bit different, but I think they're still going to put on a really, really good match. And I'm I'm glad that Dakota's getting an opportunity to shine here because she's she's always been excellent. She's someone that I called on the independent scene uh, way, way back uh, a while ago. Uh, she's been amazing, man. Um, I, I think this past Tuesday night, they had a really good segment. It, it's so much better. Than sticking them in the ring and doing a contract signing that felt their promos that they've been doing have been really good. But this past Tuesday, when they kind of split screen it, it's it was just great. so much more real. And as you said, yeah, it, it, it look and, and you kind of root for both of them here because you know that what I love with the scripts, this the 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 split screen is that it, you're not standing in the ring waiting for the other person. You're waiting when you got the split screen Like Raquel says something And then Dakota's like oh are you kidding You know like she's making faces at it She's rolling her eyes she's kind of scoffing At it whereas like When you're in the ring a lot of times and you're doing those Contract signings or promos it's like You go I go You go I go that's not how a Conversation is right like you and I talk here, we interrupt each other, or you say something and I say something. That's just kind of like you, you know, it it sparks something that you say that I say. That's a really better way to do it that they just did. Yeah, and it's like a delay too. When you have somebody in the ring, I've been at I've been at events and at the ring, and they're on the Titan Tron or whatever. It seems like there's kind of delay too. So I've never been a big fan of that. But this past Tuesday. I think it's going to be a fantastic match. Dakota is amazing. I think uh, Raquel probably retains here. But uh, with five matches, yeah. it, there's five matches on the card. But we, you and I both know that Cole and O'Reilly is probably going all three. So that's mm-hmm. going to take probably 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, 40 yeah, maybe. You're right. Like but NXT takeovers are not very long. Okay, they're really, really good. And they're really, really solid. So they're not very long. So you probably won't see a match added here. But uh, Raquel and Dakota will have due time here And it'll be a fun match Two more matches on the uh, card One that will be the uh, the main event Most likely Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole Two out of three falls And then one that is going to be the personal main event for me and Chad And we'll get to <laughs> it in, in a second But the, uh, the O'Reilly and Cole match Two out of three falls Fall one, traditional wrestling Fall two, street fight Fall three, steel cage if necessary So whenever they do something like this They're going three falls Yes, we're gonna see the cage, so that's for sure. So you can you can chalk that one up. I think the best way to do this would be for each guy to win the the opposite stipulation. Yes, yes, just yeah, yes. So because Kyle O'Reilly picked the traditional wrestling match, I think it would be best for him to lose that for Cole to win that, and then in the street fight, everybody would just assume, oh, O'Reilly can't win a street fight against Cole. He's not tough enough or badass enough, and he wins the street fight, and then. Whatever you want to do for the third If you want Cole to win and move up I figure he's moving up right? So I, I, he's got to With everything that we've heard about him And the contract and them WWE Really wanting him to be a big part of it and Them asking wrestlers And writers to you know start putting Stories together for Cole I feel like Cole's gonna I feel like Cole wins probably goes up 
You can have Ad, you know O'Reilly tell a story for a little while. Hey, maybe you have him turn heel in a few in a month, and you he turns and he doesn't have to be kind of like goofy babyface. He can just be this guy who's sort of tormented by a uh, you know by the feud with Adam Cole that he couldn't get over. Um, and then Cole oh. comes up and he's a star. This this will be good. I loved their the first match. I didn't like as much as the second. The first match felt like it was a little too long. Yes, I I, I do Picked up like at the end, but it was too long. I do like that this one has the different stipulations, so it, it's not going to feel like you're going to get multiple falls. So if it goes 40 minutes, there's going to be three falls versus a 40 minute match where nothing. There were no nothing. falls. Right. Um. So so this yeah this is going to be good. And this should be like really epic and like an all timer when you think of like NXT matches and kind of blow off feuds. So Gino, if if you're sold, if we're sold on Cole coming up, if you look back, I can't remember all of them, but if you look back on a lot of call ups, now some of them recently have just been bizarre, so you never really know. Um, you know, we haven't seen Mandy in since when. I, I think that's for NXT. I don't know what is going on there. Um, does Cole have to win this match? I don't think he does, but but I would prefer him too. It would sure look better though, don't you mm-hmm. think? Yes, yeah. it would. I don't um yeah, I don't I don't he doesn't have to, but I would that, I, it doesn't hurt O'Reilly to lose. No. You so know, Adam Cole. take that pin who's somebody who's going up. Exactly. He doesn't You're not gonna see for a while. To lose right. to Cole. And and who knows, maybe they still want to tell a Cole Samoa Joe story on NXT2, which would be fun, you know, having those two guys uh, interact with each other a little bit more. But I think this is Cole wins and goes up, and I my major prediction is we're getting the three. <laughs> we're, this is going to be in the steel cage. Oh, yeah. There's, there's yeah. no reason you set up like a three, uh, two out of three falls with different stipulations, and you don't, and you don't get there. But my favorite storyline in wrestling for the last couple months has been this Million dollar championship LA Knight, Cameron Grimes Ted DiBiase uh, in the corner Of Cameron Grimes and if Grimes Loses DiBiase must become Knight's Butler they've had a full Come you know Circle moment here where Grimes Was the ass with all this money And now he's realized what he did And that he was selfish and that he really Just wants to to get in the ring and entertain The fans and he was excited And yeah this has to be a, a big Moment for Grimes to get the win yeah, L.A. Knight what, puts his hands on DiBiase, uh, Uncle Ted there at uh, mm-hmm. the broadcast table. Uh, yep. Yeah, you know, Grimes, uh, again, I, this is everything you've asked for with this feud. Uh, Grimes even got a win uh, over Josh Briggs, uh, picked opponent. Um, I love L.A. Knight. Does no good for him to retain this million-dollar title uh, because it really makes no sense. Um, for him to keep it past this, definitely Grimes and uh, DiBiase get their moment and uh, reunite with that title. That is NXT on Sunday this week. Coming up as we head over to AEW, we had a, the first ever AEW Rampage last week on Friday night. And in a vacuum, if you're just watching a wrestling show, one hour show, I thought it was really good. A lot of sure. good stuff. The opening match is excellent, but knowing everything they've done, I, I'm still scratching my head on this as you know you build Paige as he's going to be the guy. It feels like Paige is going to be the guy, the hottest guy in your company, the biggest guy, the biggest storyline. He's going to end up taking it from Omega. Omega's not losing at all, so you're keeping him really strong. And then kind of out of nowhere, you just announce, oh, Christian's going to have a match against 
Kenny for the Impact title, and then a few weeks later he's going to fight for the AEW title, and then he he beats Kenny, and and it was not only was it clean, people are said, well, it wasn't clean. He used a chair. He <laughs> he had to he had to fight off three people. Yeah. To use that chair, first of all Callus was distracting the ref The Young Bucks come out, throw the chair in Christian's able to get the better of all of them So to me, I'm wondering like Wow, you know, when Paige Was in that tag team match, it was Paige against The Young Bucks and Omega, and he couldn't do it But Christian won When he had to deal with those odds It just, um, it made Christian Look really strong, it made Omega Look a little bit less strong I start kind of scratching my head and wondering like Why did we build up Paige if he wasn't even going to be anywhere in this picture um, Now, the match is good, really good I just thought it was a, a very weird choice for, for the booking And kind of a weird choice for your first ever match on AEW Rampage To be for the, TN, the TNA Impact Championship Especially knowing that Saturday night Kenny Omega wrestled AAA for the AAA championship which he has Against Andrade and he lost that match So it's weird it's like If he was going to lose all of the belts And then that was going to be his thing Where he was going to be like crazy because he's losing The other belt and been been real worried But he just lost the one And then not the other I don't, I don't I'm just kind of I can't follow this along the consistency With this seems just a little off to me Yeah and the what's crazy is there's He had two impact world Titles I, I and, and I just don't get companies that have two belts for one champion. So I mean, weird. I know it's, it's so weird. weird. It's just look, and then uh, Brian Myers becomes the number one contender for Impact in this battle royal. I think they had last Thursday on Impact. I try to keep up with it just to kind of make some sense. And then those shows are taped. You know, Impact tapes like three or four days out of the month for the month. And then when things happen like this, they have these cell phone videos that are edited in the show from like Brian Myers cutting a promo. Yeah, it's just horrible. It's just not good. And I like a lot of guys and girls over an impact, but this really made absolutely no sense. If if, look, if Christian is not going to impact full time, he's an AEW guy, and it just seems like AEW has this open door, you know, and then. All the talk for AEW now is two guys who, if they're signed, they're just not there yet. All you hear about is CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, who will probably, I assume, be Bryan Danielson when he comes over to AEW. But Hangman Page is gone. Um, There's no reason why he would be the first guy for CM Punk because CM Punk's not coming in and losing. Maybe he's the first guy in a couple of months. uh, We haven't even seen Page in two weeks now, right? Right. And so nothing with, like we haven't heard from him. He hadn't cut a promo. So the thing that drives me crazy with AEW is things that you would okay, this don't make sense if CM Punk's first matches against Hangman, it won't happen. It drives me ca- crazy because they're the type of company that will do that. And then we keep hearing now, oh well, AEW wants to do CM Punk versus Brian Danielson in New York. Um it, again, I, I, I got yeah, I got worried that they're booking around these guys a little too much. And not doing doing what's best for everybody at all the stories in your company, and then and then injecting these guys into it, you know, like making them a part of it. It feels like they're kind of, which I get it. You get Punk, you get Daniel Bryan. They're two big stars. You want them to be big pieces of your company, but I don't. 
you like you and I had loved that page storyline. I was so yeah. pumped for that tag match. I thought, you know, him winning and moving forward and I just leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth right now. And um I, I don't think Christian's gonna beat Kenny for the no. for the AEW title. So um I don't yeah, I don't He's undefeated in AEW. Christian hasn't lost, yeah. You know, and it's you know we get a Christian segment on Wednesday night. He he really, you get five matches that were okay. You got a ton of segments, which uh, you know if if you're if they're they're at least building some people up. And and I think I enjoyed uh, several of these segments. What was really interesting about Wednesday night, which was in Houston, the best promo again came from somebody that Dan Dan Lambert. And the fans have no idea who he is. There was talent calling him, who is this Republican? Big Swole. These people had no idea what he was doing or what he was saying. He cut a hell of a promo. And then he brought Junior Dos Santos uh, and uh, no, Andre Arvlosky, two guys that probably no one really cares about in the U.S. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. What I thought the... that was overhyped. What, what, what are we doing? You know, we saw... Um, where are we going here? Because I think you're right. Okay, he, he cuts a great promo. He cuts yeah. a great Something promo. Happens. But what's the yeah. what's the end game? Who who's who's he building to? Because it's been Archer that's come out, you know, a few times, and uh, is, and, and then Page and Sky you jump him. So that has been really crazy. I will say this: for the past what two weeks now, 2.0 has done more. For their careers in AEW than they have probably all together, and it has been really good stuff. With they them. they've been great. They attacked uh, Moxley um, right off the bat, and they had that fun match with with Sting and Darby, and they put Sting through the table, and Sting no sells it, and the look on their face, <laughs> the guy goes, "Oh shit!" When Sting <laughs> popped back up, it was really good. Like these guys have a they have a good spot because they're they're a little different. They're not they're not just some high flying tag team where there's a lot of those in AEW, you know, sort of like young guys that can that can have good like are good spots and that will fly all over. They're like a legitimate tag team that's kind of like a heel tag team, you know, that'll cheat, that like a little they're a little more old school, but they're kind of <laughs> yeah. they're kind of goofy too, you know. So they're they're fun. They're doing some good work. We got Fuego del Sol who ends up Losing the squash to Miro, and but he ends up getting the the uh, the contract, which was the one thing they pulled with Cedric Alexander uh, a few years back in uh, in WWE and NXT in the Cruiserweight Championship. But then Miro cuts another one of his promos about uh, you know God asked me to do this, and and I do this for God, and then I go home to my hot wife. So <laughs> hey, at least we got a promo with him calling out somebody. You know, him and Eddie Kingston probably will be an interesting. Yeah, I, and I like that for Miro. Me too. He's been beating the piss out of people, and this will be really, really good for him. Yep, this is something that he needs. Um, Brit, a star. Brit was so over. The only thing I, I, I'm not. I guess I'm sort of questioning is I just think everything that Brit's got going is pretty perfect right now. They do yeah. bring in somebody. Um, you know, they they bring someone in, Jamie Hader. To to help Brit, and then she's you know in an alliance now with Brit. Scenary. Yeah, and it'll it'll be I'm sure at some point she'll end up turning on Brit, and and you yes. know it's a way to get her over. And but um so so in, in all that sense it's fine. I just um 
And then maybe it's a way to kind of keep getting heat on Brit because she's getting so over now. I, I wonder why they don't just want to turn her baby face, maybe because the crowd is really into it. That's my only concern is that if they keep trying to go heel with her, um, and the crowd wants her like wants to cheer for her, how will it work? But but her oh man, she comes out there, she feels like a, an absolute star. And she cut her promo on Wednesday And Tony's always cutting the promo with her Doing the DMD Which is just great And it looks like a Statlander might be Who's next up for her as a, as a contender And as a feud Yeah, you know it's uh, they, they need a lot of help with this women uh, With this women's division It's, uh, it's something you kind of look at uh, Here's the thing with AEW They had you know, your champion had a segment, you know, she's, she's got a broken wrist. She's not going to work a whole lot. Right. So we, we got a decent match with red velvet with her from rampage in her hometown, crazy with the crowd. Um, and then you have one women's match on Wednesday night with thunder Rosa, who is now all elite. She signed a contract with AEW. We haven't seen her in several weeks, maybe on Monday and Tuesdays on YouTube, dark and dark elevation. And then we just see her all of a sudden with Penelope Ford. It's just that women's division. It's just, there's no really. Ah. Let's get Ruby Rojo in there, right? You, you that, showed me the video. That, that's Yes. She that, had a cool little video on social media that she posted. She could be someone. She could be somebody that pops up uh, is with her. I, I can't keep up with these non-competes. With her me neither. Up by then. By yeah, tomorrow. I think hers would be. Okay. Hers should be soon. So that she would should be a be, good one on Friday night to, to pop up. She would be good. She could be fun and she could be a baby face to kind of uh opposite Brit, maybe build her up, get a few wins, and then be someone that they uh they have go after the title. Um Sammy Guevara proposes yeah. and then he, he gets a win uh over Spears here. So congrats to uh to Sammy G. And they have a, a fine, solid match, pretty hard hitting. Like Spears is good in the ring. He just there's it's just something always kind of missing a little bit. With him take getting to the next level You know like this was a fine match with him Look there's potential there when he was In NXT then he comes up to the main roster Then he's not really used All that well quote unquote And everybody said oh he's the next breakout Star he's the guy AEW and he really hasn't So hey look no knock on Sean Spears But maybe WWE was kind of Telling us something here this you know We thought more of this guy he Hasn't been look the match was fine I thought it went a little long here but then, you know, kind of just standing there with Tully Blanchard, really, you know, he cut a promo to get some heel heat, you know, it was fine, but he's not a standalone. He's just not a standalone. It seems like he's no. got to be somebody. And, uh, and I like Sean Spears. I thought he was going to be probably one of the guys in AEW. He hasn't been. The Young Bucks and Jurassic uh, Express had a really good match. And this so is what we... Bucks. This is yeah. what we want from these guys, you know, yeah. like we want these guys in the ring going at it. The young bucks with their heel shtick. Everybody was out there with them. Um, and then Kenny, you know, comes out at the end with the chair and, and then Christian, um, you know, comes out there. So it's continuing their feud. It's just a bummer. You kind of look at Jungle Boy and you go, oh, yeah, you know, he was in a main event match with <laughs> Kenny for one on one and he lost. And now he lost here. So, like, where do you go with someone like him? You know, well, you they, they put him in the tag team eliminator. Gino, you're gonna go, he's gonna be right back there. You know, and so you right wonder back. they're gonna have a match. I think on Friday there's a it's basically like a final four um, right. to see who's gonna be the number one contender for the tag matches between them, the the Varsity Blondes, I believe Private Party, and um, the uh, 
in the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, the the Death Triangle there. We're also going to get a Pac Andrade match. It looks like set up on uh, on All Out. They had a, a brief interaction backstage. We're also going to get the Big Show, Paul White versus QT Marshall. Well, I mean, good for Big Show. I just don't know how many people are all that interested it's in us. All Out. That QT takes Marshall. All out, Gino. I just that card does not look very good for fifty. Oh, no, it doesn't. For no, because fifty the, bucks. The bucks are in a cage with the winner, and I think we haven't we seen the Varsity Blondes and the Bucks. We've seen I any know. team that the Bucks is going to be facing. We've seen against. We've seen them against them already, and they're right. and with a with just a couple week build. There's no way they're gonna they're gonna lose that match, right? No, because it's not built well enough. Match maybe 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 the Lucha Brothers for for it to be a brawl and all out. But hell, Lucha Brothers have been on YouTube. You know, we really haven't seen much of them. Um, Not just this Paul White and QT Marsh. Paul White got zero pop in Houston, Texas. Yeah. It it was just like, okay, it's Paul White. I think people are, the the fans in AEW, he's one of the people that they don't want to see, I think. No. Um, I think he's like, you know, they can, they're fine with a Christian because Christian's going to give him a good match, you know, like an older WWE, someone who will still go in the ring. But I don't know if they're going to get that excited for uh, Paul White with QT Marshall. Like QT Marshall has just never, ever moved Dang. the needle for me. And uh, and then we got, I thought the Moxley promo was pretty good. He called well, everybody really out. He called out Page, Hangman yeah. Page. You couldn't get the job done when it came to winning the title. Maybe we get a, a Hangman Page Moxley match. Before Paige moved because it was it was I thought it was really intriguing that he called him out particularly it felt like one of the more uh, but he, he did call everybody, you know a lot of other people the elite Kenny uh, Jericho himself, you know no offense with him and Kingston I know him and Kingston kind you know were tagged for for a couple of weeks and they came out early in the show or the beginning of the show and they got jumped by 2.0 Moxley just does everything better by himself Yes, you know, it just seems more natural to me, and, and he opens the. I, I, I would be okay with him and Paige if Paige and is not going to be in the title picture. Let them two have a fantastic match. What I liked is that he was saying the things that a lot of us are probably wondering because I, I look around a lot of the time, and and, and everything at, in AEW seems like happy go lucky. Everyone's smiling, everyone's yeah. everything. But you look and you go, there are some wrestlers that are not in great spots. They can't no. be. They they they're at least. Thinking about it, right? So I love that he mentioned, "Hey, I was the guy," and look, look around now. Where am I? I don't really have much going on, but yeah. you know what? Like, don't forget about me because I'm coming out. That every wrestler should say something like that almost all the time, or just to, rem- to or pitch that. Yes, just to remind you. Yeah, just hey, I want the title. I'm here for a reason to win matches. You know, Same to go on social media really doesn't do a lot. For no, okay? no. Because anybody, I can say that, Gino, I want to be a part of the U.S. men's Olympic basketball team, right? Unless <laughs> I get me, on, though, right? unless I'm on ESPN or, 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 or something, that's when it really makes sense. So we got the, uh, finishing up here with Chad, our final match on AEW Dynamite. You are beautiful on the inside. <laughs> the crowd singing Judas for Chris Jericho <laughs> for the fifth labor of love as he comes out. And you could tell that... There are like one or two spots where the crowd is like, uh, we'll dr-, like we're kind of like not quite sure of the lyrics. And well, like I can the- tell you this. Let, let me get uh, a spoiler alert. Yeah, I have a little inside scoop here. I know some of that was piped in last. Oh night. yeah, oh you yeah. Know? 
Oh, it, yeah. It, for one, you, it was obvious. And number two, I was told that. But still, uh, what did you think of the outcome? Are we getting a Jericho MJF career retirement match at All Out? Or is this Jericho putting him over and going to go su- away for a while? I'm not surprised that he lost. I am surprised that he tapped out. Yeah, I didn't like that. That was weird to me because, like, like um, it it in the labors and everything, it felt like I would have rather had him pass out. Yes, yeah. and not tap out because oh, then yeah. we could say, okay, we're gonna have a career match versus MJF. I'm gonna put my career on the line. I didn't even give up, MJF. I passed out. Like this is gonna be um a you know a, a last man standing match or something like that. I didn't like the tap out. The match was fine. Um, these two guys, like Jericho's a pro, like he's gonna do a great job to get the crowd into it. MJF, MJF's actually like su- surprisingly underrated in the ring, and I think that's just because he's so good on the mic that people right. just kind of associate with him as being a talker and not like a an in ring guy. But this, yeah, it was good. I'm I'm a little surprised, and I do think we have to get something more with these two at all out. Like this can't be it, right? I mean, there you feel like there's gotta be. So, it would have to be a for me to be invested more, right? Does MJF get lost without Jericho? That's why I, I look. They've been together and telling this story for so long. long for time. this to end like this, it's something's not right. Maybe Jericho puts career on the line, then mm-hmm. he probably has to win over MJF, which he's it's fine because he's a heel. But then. Why do you do the fifth match labor of love? I'm I know. not sure. You know, it's kind of like uh, we're kind of in a, uh, it. Kind of, they might have put back themselves into a little bit of a corner here. Yeah, you know? we are. I because think so. they need there needs to be Jericho needs to get some sort of comeuppance. Yes, in this, you know, but you don't want to bury MJF, who could very well be like he should be right up in the in for a title picture, a title shot sometime soon with his is. Often as he loses, he never loses. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm curious where where they'll go with this because this isn't how I thought they would end it. Um, curious isn't always bad. Um, I'm good. Curious a little bit more than I was like with the page. Curious because I didn't. I didn't love that. I really wanted Page to be the guy, and he will be at some point, and he'll win, and the crowd will still get pumped for it. But you know, as we finish up here, I got into it with a couple AEW fans the other day on <laughs> uh, on social media as one guy like. You know, it's telling me I don't understand the long term story. And I was like, <laughs> we, I don't, of course, I, I understand it. It just, the story just got pushed off. They're not telling mm. anything with, with Paige right now. He's not a part of, he's not on TV. He's not cutting promos. He's not a part of this story. So, um, yeah, that was one <laughs> thing I got. I literally, some guy called, said that I'm a, dem- with, and I, I started laughing. I said something and he said, you don't get it, and I said, "No, I get it. This is what's happening." And he said, "You sound like you are a dementia patient." And I said, "Whoa! So we don't agree on a storyline in wrestling, and and you come at like a personal attack to me, and I'm I'm the stupid one when I'm telling you that like the sto- <laughs> like you the story that you're getting behind is not even there." You know, I was like, "Whoa!" So uh, yeah. I get, I got the same. I, I look. I, I don't mind MJF beating Jericho. Um, I thought Jericho should have went over, and then someone came after me and said, "Well, that you know, kudos to Jericho for putting young talent over." MJF is having to be put. If he's having to be put over, we're in trouble. 
Yes. Because the dude's over. The it, dude's it, over. He doesn't need to be, no, to be, he's, put, he over. He's, be put over. He can lose a match to Jericho and still be over. That's not burying MJF. It's just they they put like I said they they've built this for so long that we we expect a little bit more of a blow off with with them I think than what than what we got it was very solid it was very good but it seemed weird with Jericho tapping out he went for the Judas he couldn't do it um, the crowd I will say though each and every show and good or bad the yes. crowd is nuts for this product and that yes. does make the shows better. That, Even that, bad matches, we get AEW, AEW. You know, this is awesome, or whatever it is. You know, bad, I'll give stories that. that maybe you and I don't love. A lot of their fans still give them the benefit of the doubt, and you know what? Like when we will, you know, uh, watch something and critique it and say what we thought was good or bad. That's one thing. But you know what? If people like it and people get energized by it, like you know, you can like whatever you want. That's fine. You can you can enjoy certain things, and they've got a. Week in week out right now They've got the craziest Most um, uh, Loyal it feels like Sort of fan base that is is Willing to watch what they're doing Get behind what they're doing And I'm I'm curious because I'm, I'm curious with the new company How long something like that lasts You know um, if we don't get Paige coming in and winning the title soon Is that going to sour some people if Or if Punk- they start handing titles to Daniel Bryan and, and CM Punk you know, not, but yeah, what seems good on because look, I'll tell you right now, uh, yeah, we're probably getting CM Punk tonight, tomorrow night. Not everyone is a CM Punk fan, mm-hmm. and there's and a lot of people on Twitter have been pretty vocal about. I just don't want him in AEW. I he, just don't want him in AEW. He you know? came to WWE on backstage, and you know that was on on Fox Sports, but it wasn't something that moved the needle a whole lot. It felt no. like it was going to be interesting because he got hired by Fox to do that backstage segment. It was so horrible in the UFC. Horrible. There'll be buzz this weekend as it is going to be one of the biggest weekends in really in pro wrestling history with this new company, um, with the uh, all the buzz going on them and and fans back and the big SummerSlam and Cena versus Reigns. That's a huge match on paper. It is marquee Chad Cooper, my man Koopaloop. Thank you so much for uh hanging out again with us this week. And man, we will have so much to talk Ooh. about next week. Give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Instagram and on Twitter. Koopa Loop, my man. We've got NXT, AEW, Rampage, Dynamite, SummerSlam, Raw, SmackDown, you name it in the next few days. It's uh it's always a pleasure. And uh it, we are just getting started uh with this. And it's gonna be a fun week. And look, if, if I, I told someone this the other night, if I I, I if I'm AEW and really want to move the needle, I would probably try to bring in Punk's old lady to AJ Lee. If you want to make that women's division really, really pop, you're going to bring in Ruby Soho. You're going to bring in, you know, this and that. Man, you bring her in, you know, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people liked her. Uh, but again, it's uh, it all leads up to uh, to SmackDown, the, the go home show and then. Uh, the most anticipated AEW show to date uh, is Friday night. Chad Cooper, the man, Koopa Loop, always there on uh, That's What G Said podcast this week in wrestling. Coop, my man, you have a great weekend, and uh, we will have a lot to talk about. You got it, buddy. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more here on That's What G Said. And a big thank you to Chad Cooper for helping us out again. Thanks so much to 
Emily for talking some races with us, and Eric for helping us out with that big fantasy football preview. Hope we make some money for you this weekend. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Joey, let's close it out. 